pelataan podcast. UK Games Expo 2019. It's been a long time since I recorded last time, but um, this UK Games Expo episode is a bit delayed because I wanted to get some interviews in. This year I didn't interview people while at the expo I decided to interview them afterwards and make a bit longer interviews. So that's the main reason why this is so much after the expo and not <laughs> very quickly after. I'll go through the expo day by day and let's see if we get some visitors joining me while I'm talking about the expo. I have asked Luke Hector to be in the episode. I asked him in the expo already. Then after expo I asked Ben Maddox, Tom Heath, Max Davy, Paul Grogan. And already while at the expo I asked also Nopan included, shut up and sit down and Aktualol, Jon Perkis and this Peter Möller from Denmark who does tabletop together tool to be part of the episode. Some of them replied, some of them didn't. Like shut up and sit down of course they wouldn't reply to some random message in a social media. No pun included, Efka never read a message I sent. Elaine replied that they already left because I asked that if they would want to have a chat after the expo. Uh, Actual replied after going back from the expo that he doesn't have time for this kind of things that he's not going to be in the episode. And Peter Müller became sick while we had arranged the time so we couldn't fit it into our schedules. Also I asked Matthew Jude but he's ignoring my messages also in Facebook so he probably won't be in the episode. <laughs> Although I talked to him in the expo and such. And I interviewed him last year so probably we don't have to hear about him anymore this year. He has so much stuff going on anyway. But the others should be in the episode. Let's see when they pop up, if they will. So here we go. This year we went to Birmingham a few days before the expo. Last year we spent time in London, but this year we didn't. We skipped the London part because of the work and other stuff that we couldn't spend really time in London. But we spent two days in Birmingham. We went to Sea Life and we went to this Lego Land Discovery Center, whatever it is, and then hanged around the city. And we still like the city. We don't think it's as bad as people give its reputation for. Of course, there are some probable problems there, but for us it was fine, and we still like the city. Sea life was great, especially the penguins there. We could have stayed for hours to watch them, and Legoland was nice, but it was a bit aimed maybe for the older children, not for a three-year-old necessarily. They had really cool mini town or mini city there. They had built some pretty structures and the Birmingham city center, the iconic structures were there also. They were really cool. And that's about it for the Birmingham. Uh Uh-huh. Seems that there's someone knocking at the door. Let's see who it is. Who are you? My name is Luke Hector and I run the Broken Meeple YouTube channel. 
Ah, oh, so you said that you run the Broken Meeple YouTube channel. What else do you do? Do you do something else in the board game media or? I run a podcast as well, but essentially, as outside of running the channel, I run a board game club on Wednesdays at a local board game cafe that's opened up. I also help out at some of their events, like ch- charity events they've done or pop-up events at Comic Cons where they've just brought their games library and taught games because I've got a bit of experience in that field. Uh, but otherwise, just enjoy to play the games with friends and just talk about them. All right. Uh, do you want to talk anything about what you do as a normal person, not as a media person? <laughs> you don't have to, but if you want to say who you are and what do you do, if the listeners could li- relate to who you are or somehow. It's definitely not as interesting as board games, <laughs> I'll give you that, but uh, I'm an ac- I'm a chartered accountant by day, so I've got to do a job to pay the bills. The Broken Meeple channel is not my full-time job. I wish it was. <laughs> that would be heaven, but sadly, you got to have a proper <laughs> professional job to pay the money for it. Uh, but on outside of that, I'm a bit of a fitness freak, despite the fact that I've put on some weight in the last month, I'll admit. <laughs> I need to... It doesn't show it doesn't show up here it shows down there that's the, the stomach is <laughs> it where didn't it shows. show it didn't show last <laughs> week either don't worry um but yeah i do i do enjoy the gym going out on walks hikes traveling a bit you know, whenever i can just half the time it's trying to find somebody to actually travel with is the problem because <laughs> solo solo supplements kill your travel plans a lot of the time um but otherwise i'm just pretty much like every other Geek. Love superheroes in all shapes and forms. That's why my favorite games and movies are pretty much everything to do with Marvel and DC or or even outside of that. Uh, enjoy all the sci-fi and fantasy tropes. Doctor Who, Lord of the Rings, as I say, Marvel and DC, Black Mirror, just pretty much anything along those lines, really. That's cool. Um, you said that you're a geek and everything, but what makes you special or your content or your media special? What makes it stand out from the other billions and millions of channels <laughs> that's always the way isn't it i mean uh, reviewers are a dime a dozen and to be honest i mean you should never just check out one you should always check out as many as you can and get an all-round you know conglomerate of opinions and then make up your own mind that's always the way it works but yeah. in terms of my channel at the end of the day it's just me talking about games but i would say when it comes to comments i get people like the fact that i'm pretty in pretty enthusiastic about what I'm talking about or I'm not, I'm not willing to hold back on the subject you know, whether I'm not I'm talking praise about a game or completely slating it depending on what it is they just like the fact that I'm there full emotion talk about it you know give the pros and cons per my opinion not too worried about you know is I'm not trying to go with the general consensus or say my word is gospel or anything like that it's a case of here's my opinion I'm going to talk about it in as plain and blunt a way as I can, and that seems to be what people seem to like these days. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And actually, when I decided to make my podcast, I tried to be like you in a way that I'm babbling alone and trying to be honest and say my opinion and not say that, okay, this is a crap game, but anyway, you should try it and buy it and everything, because that's not the truth all the time. I want to give my opinion, not like a hedged opinion of something necessarily yeah Yeah, it's it's just purely about being truthful at the end of the day you know i could be in the minority about well i am in the minority about certain games when it comes to whether you know whether i like them or hate them it's just a case of this is what i think and then i encourage everyone to get on the comments and say what they think and there's quite a big list of 
people that do seem to respond quite often now, at least, you know, just to say, oh, yeah, you know, this is the games I like or I, I agree or disagree with this. And that's what I want. I just want the debate, you know, not not the slagging people off or anything like that. I just want people to talk about games. Yeah, that's good. And also, I I think that everyone should do it so that they are honest because that's the richness in it. Like you said, you should watch many reviews or listen to many reviews or read many reviews. If everyone are giving the same opinion, there is no gain in that. But if people have their own honest opinions, then you can gain lots of things, even from small bits from those. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, the, the with I, in terms of reviewers, I mean, obviously I watch mainly the Dice Tower because they're the ones that I've kind of got me into this hobby in the first place from an interest perspective and certainly the blogging side. But I tend to watch a lot of reviewers who are... I hate to say I hate to use the word small fish, small fish, because I'm technically that, you know, compared to yeah. some of the big lot out there. I'm just a small person here, but it, I watch a lot of the local reviewers that I know, and these are people who I meet at the Games Expo and other conventions, or you know, just on p- visits or occasionally just to play games. And I read their reviews because I feel that they're not they're not biased by you know an abundance of review copies or like major dealings with publishers or anything they just enjoy games as much as i do and just want to speak their mind you know there's no remote hint of anything that's impeding objectivity or even just like influencing an opinion and it's great when you get some people who are like in couples you know where one person likes it one person doesn't and you get the banter between the two of them sadly i don't have that facility (laughs) not without getting committed i suppose but it, it it can work that well and so as i say try and get a list of reviewers that you like to listen to get all the opinions on a game chances are hopefully there's enough that have reviewed a specific game and there you go you can make up your own mind yeah and especially if you know the uh, reviewers already and you trust their opinions then you can easily make your choices dependent on that that's a good point you probably trust the people that you (laughs) read and listen to if they are your local uh, friends or in the local community it's more that they're local in the UK, in a sense. I mean, they're certainly not necessarily yeah. local to where I live. But, you know, yeah, certainly the main thing that I trust is that they are literally just giving their opinion about a game and there's no reason why they would be doing anything less. That's yeah. all I want. You know, it's difficult to gauge that with a lot of the larger reviewers at times, particularly when the word paid preview gets mentioned or, you know, if, if you know someone is super famous. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's still a lot of them I watch and it's just a case of you know do you watch it because you want the opinion on the review or do you just watch it even for entertainment value yeah that's the hot topic nowadays in the (laughs) board game twitter at least is paying for the reviews and previews we are not going into that it will be too long discussion i'm sure but um your logo is a red maple what color do you want to play with or what are your main three colors that you want to play with if you can choose Surprisingly, not red, but <laughs> uh, green and blue, then usually white, I seem to find, or white or yellow. I mean, uh, the, the only reason that meeple is red is because I mean, I'm looking in the future, if I can get the Patreon to increase a bit more, that I want to consider a logo update. Uh, not like anything drastically different, it's still going to be broken meeple, but just maybe like to get the funds to pay some graphic designer to come up with something that I never could in a million years. But that logo was just designed by a friend of mine randomly. I can't remember what program he used to do it. Might have even just been pretty basic. But 
he just came up with it, passed it on to me. It was just a favor for a friend, and it stuck. I didn't get to decide what color the meeple was, but I think because I said, well, I want that little Carcassonne-esque map in the background, it couldn't be green or blue, which knocked out my two favorite colors, which didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Red just contrasted nicely, I think, with yeah. it. But it's a nice logo. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It just look, you know, you look at it in detail and you can tell it's kind of, in a sense, amateurish. You know, I, I get a bit jealous of a few logos where I see someone's had an update and it's just like, oh, look at it. It's all 3D and flashy and it's all lovely. And it's like, uh, eventually, I'll come up with something like that. But yeah, that, that's beyond my capabilities. So I need to <laughs> find some graphic designer to help me over that one. But in any case, your logo, it, when you look at it, you know exactly what's happening there. So you know that it's the broken maple. Yeah. So some logos are not understandable without the text. Yours is. So I think that you have no worries with the logo. Maybe a bit nicer looking, but I don't know if it's necessarily really. Your friend did a great job with that. It it would it wouldn't be a case of. I mean, it would still have a broken meeple on it, and probably it would it would need to have a broken meeple. It would need to have the actual title of the podcast on there or something, you know, just to emphasize it. But then. You know, it doesn't need to necessarily have the map in the background. It could just have the meeple with the name. I don't know. There's ideas I've got, but this is long term anyway, because I've got yeah. to get the funds for it and even do some research as to who actually I talk to to do this kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, to make a, a opposite kind of a question, what three colors you do not want to play with? Three colors never. Uh, well, I usually don't like playing red. I must admit, which is kind of weird. Uh, try to think black. Black's boring, not a fans or any form of like grey and things like that. And not usually one for I'm trying to think what other colours you tend to see in games. Uh purples don't tend to go much for them. Very much more a primary colour person, with the exception of green, I suppose. Yeah, green green I just like. <laughs> it's a nature colour, that's why I go with it. Yeah. That's quite a common favourite colour in the uh, playing colours, green. At least here in this area. And last year when I interviewed people, asking this green was quite uh, common for the people to have as a favorite color. It's interesting. There could be some kind of research done. And yeah. then green removed from all games and people would go crazy. Yeah, it's important to dib call dibs on green every time we start a new game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because people want it. I don't know what's the problem with the green. So I give up the green. <laughs> well, it's great if it's a game I'm teaching anyway, because then I've already grabbed the green out of the box. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I do the same with red. I'm playing with red because no one wanted red earlier, so I thought that okay, I'll take it. <laughs> and I have a bit of a Warhammer background with the orc, so red is the fastest and strongest. Yeah. So of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's good. Uh, what's the hottest game at the moment? What do you, uh, what game would you play immediately if there was no time constraints or place constraints, or you could have people playing with you? If it's just a game, what game would you immediately play at the moment? At the moment, I know I've got plans later on to get my LCGs out of the box again. <laughs> the Arkham Horror and the Lord of the Rings one. That's because I've had the new packs through in the post. So I am due to whip them out and certainly have a good going with them. And certainly, I suppose, since the Expo, the Arkham Horror event I did there kind of gave me a new appreciation to what some of the multiplayer aspects of it are like. So any one of those two, even if I had people around, and to be fair, I tend to play them more true solo, so it's rare that Arkham gets played multiplayer, and I don't think I've ever played a single Lord of the Rings LCG game multiplayer. But all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, does anybody want to learn it? Good fool. <laughs> Let's play it. Well, what, which game would you not want to play at the moment? 
<laughs> Don't say the mind because I just listened to your <laughs> pre- previous episode. Just finished listening it before this, and you were ranting about it enough with the Dice Tower Award segment. Oh, dude. you gave the votes to it, right? Oh, bad enough. I mean, funny enough, I've got in my hand here the before we were just talking, I was just emailing uh, like Cold Spring Games to sort of chat to them after the expo and if i've got their sheet here of games that they were showing off at the expo and the mind was on there and it's just like you're talking to them and you're trying to it's like you know what do you think of all these games or something it's like oh yeah love that love that love that and i deliberately leave out the mind i was like don't even say a thing <laughs> and hope that they don't ask the question <laughs> but i actually took a photo with the mind there was this empty head for the mind uh what is it rabbit or something yeah i have a picture in that i'm <laughs> regretting it already I'd, I'd have i would have done that but with like an evil face or something like the angry <laughs> the angry emotion from inside out i'd look like that <laughs> uh but the game i would not want to play at all right now uh well i mean another hated game i've never liked is concordia but i think now just because i'm hearing about it a bit more on some of the social media some people have been playing uh arkwright uh and commenting like oh what's this game like you know do i want to play it again somebody recommend it to me and it's just everything about that game <laughs> that i can think of it's, it's just designed work. it's desi- it feels like it it, it just feels yeah. like it's my work for four hours but, but it's a great game actually you should try it <laughs> it's the concept of I, I have tried the small game of it uh we were only playing i know they got these weird settings for how short yeah. and that they can make it and i think we played it on like the easiest lo- like shortest setting even that felt quite long but it was when people sort of talk about it it's like oh yeah it's like you play like 20 actions for four hours it's like how's that a good thing <laughs> what could i take a power nap between turns it's like, how's that work <laughs> it's kind of i don't know i want my games to be escapism for the most part i like the strong themes because they draw you out of reality so a game where i'm literally doing my day job it kind of just reminds me too much of my day job yeah, that that really might be like accounting, especially if you would play the long version. I've only played the short version also, but it felt like it ended too early, so I would probably like the long one. But then I'm then again I'm not doing accounting as it yeah. works, so so it might be different. It is recommended to play the long version, from what I'm hearing anyway. Yeah. That's that's the general consensus. You yes. just better have an evening spare. Yeah, minimum, maybe maybe all night or something. Um. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, I just mentioned this Dice Tower Awards. Did you figure out what to vote? I noticed that you voted yesterday. Yep, it didn't take too long to vote. I think the only... Because, I mean, you get to pick three from each category, and there's yeah. usually only about five in each category, and it's like, well, yeah, I definitely don't want those, so it's like, here we go. Although on some of them I did only vote for two, because, you know, I mean, if I hadn't played the game, obviously I didn't consider it, but that that's only fair. But there were ones where I sort of looked at the category and thought, yeah, that's definite, that's definite. I haven't played that. But no, I don't agree with that one. I don't see how that works. So, you know, don't vote on that one. I think the hardest one was probably just the game of the year because you've got to choose from, I think, 10 different games on that one. You're only allowed to pick three. And there's a fair few good contenders on there. But Like no. Brass Birmingham. <laughs> what the, oh, you mean, oh, you mean the expansion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no. I actually I actually put it as a third one, I think. I'm not sure for the game of the year. I don't remember which I put it. I think I could I couldn't call it a game of the year or anything like that just because it just feels so much like an expansion, not a not a new game, but it did deserve a look in for reprint. Yeah, that's you know, true. You know, I don't I don't mind the game, I'll play it, but I don't love it the bits like a lot of people do, but I still think that Birmingham is just basically a glorified standalone expansion and not a new game, so it just feels like it's like 
cheesing in a bit <laughs> coming in on awards. But if you're going to do a reprint, that's a pretty good way to make an economic game work as a reprint. So it, does, it certainly does deserve a thumbs up in that category. Yeah, I think the strategy category was the most difficult for me. And the part of the game, I just wrote to the email, I just wrote that there are none deserving. <laughs> because I hadn't played just one. That might be the only one that would deserve it. The other ones are not really party games, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I haven't played Trapped Words. That might be good, but I can't vote it. Ditto on that one. But there was a few other party ones in there. I mean, there were some nominees I remember talking about that didn't make the cut for certain categories yeah. which is a shame but it's like oh well it's a, it's a group consensus that's the idea with the dice tower awards anyway it's i forget how many of us there are that vote on it it's quite a fair few so it's hopefully getting an, a rounded opinion yeah hopefully yeah um, lots of euros like you said in your previous episodes lots of euros this year that's true that tends to happen anyway <laughs> yeah okay um We'll get to the experience bit, the proper pronunciation for expo experience, <laughs> experience. So, uh, did you go all days to this UK Games Expo? Yeah, I go all three days, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, but it just varies as to what I'm doing on each day. Normally, in the in the first few years I went to the expo, because I think this will be my, what, sixth, seventh, sixth year now I think I've been? The first couple of times I went, Dice Tower didn't go, and it was just stuck at the Hilton Hotel, mm. so that was literally just... And that was the early days of blogging where I didn't even really factor too much into it. So it's like, right, I'm just going to the expo to have fun for three days. And that was nice and easy. Then it started moving over to the NEC and I started upping the blog content a bit more. So I had to start doing a little bit more networking around. And these days I now have to do a lot or at least do a lot <laughs> yeah. of demos. But when the Dice Tower visits, they've usually had a booth and I've helped out on there just to sell the promos and that. This year they didn't. They just had a gaming table and just winged it so i did help him with some promos but that was like the rush after the live show which was probably the, yeah. the most frantic 30 minutes of my life but <laughs> yeah, all, all good. yeah it was pretty crowded on friday at least yeah. after the top 10 it's a, all, all fun in games though but it was just i didn't quite expect such a rush yeah. <laughs> while i was setting up but they it it turned out to be good but my thing with it at the moment is that Saturday is so busy that if I'm not in any demos, it's just a bit chaotic. You know, the the expo is getting too big on Saturday. So that's why I did the Arkham Horror event, just to get out of the trade hall yeah. area. And that turned out to be a good idea because that was definitely the highlight of the three days. But then it means I have to squeeze a lot into Friday and Sunday, demo-wise and play-wise. So there's probably some stuff there that people played that I never even got a chance to try. I think Sushi yeah. Roll probably being a... That one. was really good, actually. Yeah, it's a it one. It was so good. It's one regret, but I sort of thought to myself, well, if I can't get into Sushi Roll, it will not be a difficult one to find later. So it's not one. It's not like it's going to disappear and I won't get the chance to play it. I'll just have to come in yeah. a bit later. But there was a lot of other things where like, there were some prototypes being demoed or ones scheduled for future release. That's kind of like, well, I want to get into those ones first, really. Uh, you went to the pre-show also, right, on Thursday? The, the press event, yeah. Yes. Three hours, Thursday evening, Hall 3A, and it's improved from previous years. They've Putting it in a separate hall helped. We had more space. There was a lot of people to go around. Three hours was not long enough. You know, it never is, but yes. you're, you're tired by the end of it. But there's a lot of people to talk to, and it's kind of hard because you can't talk to everybody, so you kind of cherry-pick who you want to talk to. 
And I feel so sorry for a lot of the stands there where you know that you want to talk to these people specifically, but as soon as you make eye contact, you're you're in. It's basically like going around a car sales dealership and you know, the minute you start staring at a car's number plate, the guy comes around and starts hounding you for 30 minutes. It's like, yeah. you know, not be mean, but I've only got three hours. <laughs> yeah, it was easy being a Finn because we are generally... Uh, thought that we look to the ground when we walk so it was easy i was just looking at the games but that's true that every time you lift the eyes the people are hey do you want to hear not even do you want to hear they begin talking without asking a question yeah you don't want to be you don't want to be rude you don't want to be that jerk but it's yeah. like it's like just give me a quick overview it's like you know do you want to go for a few turns it's like nah don't need i haven't got time for the turns just give me a because at the end of the day you want to wow me on the game you've got to be able to tell me in less than five minutes what's so cool about it and yeah. it's a good way to gauge a lot of the publishers, actually, because some out there start rushing into rules mechanics or like rules of the game far too fast. And it's like, I don't... I If you tell me it's got drafting in it, I know how drafting works. I don't need to have the mechanic yeah. explained. You In 60 seconds, ideally, you need to be able to tell me why this game is fun and entertaining. And if that means you've got to embellish it with the theme that it's based on, if it's like one of those types of games, then great. If it's an abstract one, you've got to quickly explain why this is different from the other million abstract games that exist. <laughs> it's, you know, you need to be able to get your sales pitch right. And the last thing I watch on any review is a rules teaching. Yeah, that's true. Did you, did you see any gems or like surprises there? In the, in the pre-show, because at least when, before I went, I made a plan that I will check this, 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 this is out. Like, I wanted to check this uh, Star Star Wars Outer Rim, at least, and the new Pandemic, and Undo, and these kinds of things. I wanted to check them out, that how they are. But then there were some surprises to me also. Did you see any surprises that you didn't think beforehand that would be interesting or good or something? Um, I think... Uh... Or that made you want to go and demo the game during the expo. I had a few like that, that I wanted to go to see the demo during the expo after seeing it in the pre-show. I didn't have as many of those because I think the ones that I did see that were ones I wanted to talk about, I kind of was already planning to demo. Uh, don't, I don't think Sierra West was there, so no, that was a different one. Nor was Mega City. I think most of the ones that I sort of tried, oh, I hadn't thought of that one, were ones where people had told me about it. And I thought, oh yeah, let's go have a look uh but i, f I think uh no nah, i just i i didn't find anything that suddenly stood out as yes I'll, oh i better try that i'd never even thought of it i think i already had knowledge of the game beforehand and i just needed to see it up close and then it's a case of yep that's sort of i want to have a go at this game or no oh, it's not quite what i expected maybe i'll wait but no nah, su surprisingly not as many gems the, i did find some gems games in the expo in general but they just weren't at the press event uh, I don't think Miso Games or BlackRock Games were at the press event, to my knowledge. Either that or I just missed them. And Which games did Miso have? Miso would have had uh, the Frenemy Pastry Party, Raid on Dachau, and uh, Small Islands, I think it's called, or something like that. Uh, quite colourful games. And BlackRock Games, coming from France, and that would have had things like Chakra, something called Nanga Tanga, Detective Club. I don't think they were at the press event either. But uh, They were supposed to be, because I wanted to see this Detective Club, but I'm not sure if I saw it or not. I think they, when I talked to them like specifically, they said that they weren't there. 
So, but the, they were the gems that I found. You know, the the Pastry Party one was a nice little card game. I got I've got a copy of the Small Islands to review, which looks pretty good. Played Chakra. That was a nice little two that, well two to four player. But I played it head to head against Lola, who was the communications girl there, and Jose had a blast with that. Uh, Detective Club looks quite cool. So I mean, th those two publishers, I think, were the ones who were like, oh yeah, there's a couple of hidden gems here that weren't, th but they weren't at the press event. I just walked by their booth and went, oh, these look pretty good. <laughs> and that tends to happen more often at something like Essen than it does the Games Expo because you kind of know what's coming at the Expo for the most part. Yeah. But Essen, there's just like pff, tons. <laughs> uh, what did you do on Friday? Pretty much just uh, well similar to Sunday, really. A few demos that were pre-booked in, and uh, um, basically playing whatever games I could. And I mean, do you do you want to know what specific games or no? Just if you found some great game or what? What did? You, what was your best experience on Friday, maybe or something? Saturday, you said that that Arkham Horror was a very good experience and your probably favorite experience of the whole expo. But yeah, uh, Friday, I think the best experience I had today, because it was mainly, here's a few demos, here's a few ones that I found. Best experience was probably with Mythic Games. Uh, they had the press room sort of at the back, next door to where Tabletop was filming and that, so it was a quiet room. Um, it was just me and Helena, who run, you know, who sorts out a lot of the PR for them, and they were showing off the Super Fantasy Brawl game. I think they got that on Kickstarter soon, just the two-player head-to-head. And we were meant to be doing the game of their newest well, demo of their like upcoming prototype Hell, or whatever it's called, uh, H-E-L. And that one I'm definitely keen on, but they had to change it last minute, the Super Fantasy Brawl. At first I'm thinking, oh, God, I was really looking forward to Hell, and I don't need another <laughs> two-player brawler game. But all right, let's, cool, let's go with it. Turned out to be actually quite a fun game, you know, more, more fun than I was expecting it to be, but we basically had a head-to-head -head, like clash for about you know 45 minutes to an hour doing the super fantasy brawl of here's my free guys here's your free guys play the cards arena battle you know quite heat quite heated quite competitive but yeah we were just laughing and juggling and that was pretty good for you know just to get to know helena a bit because i normally only speak to her on twitter uh but also just to play a game that i suppose if you want a hidden gem that might be it you know because i don't I, they might have been at the press event as well and i would have probably just glanced over it thinking oh, it's another brawler game but played it and actually thought yeah this is worth looking at is that the game with the, like a wrestling field or surface or? It has an arena, a bit like a kind of like Roman like Colosseum style arena, a few statues and places as like uh, terrain and that. But it was where you had your three heroes, each with their own cards. You mix them up into one deck, and when you played cards to activate them and do like ranged attacks or move, you had to do blue, yellow, red in the turn. You had to at least do one of each. You could do the same hero three times, but you always had to do a blue, yellow, and red action in the turn. And so there was a bit of hand management, a little bit of deck tweaking, just a bit of tactical play. You know, it's not a strategy game at any means. And, yeah, I mean, if you've played any kind of arena brawl game, it's that kind of feel. But this one just felt very streamlined for how, you know, think it got and just looks gorgeous. All right. Saturday, you said that... And did you go to Dice Tower Top 10 on Friday? Yeah, I... Yeah, I was in there because yeah, yeah, they always they always save a front row seat. But on this occasion, they needed someone to set up the promo table at the back of the room. So I said, "Well, I'll set that up. I'll get that going while you have your chat." And then me and Luke Pryor, who was like their chaperone for the weekend, just sat at the back 
where it was quite because to be frank, I mean, you so can... I got your seats then. There were two seats in the front row. We went with my, with my friend to the front row, but, so I had your seats. Thank you. Fair enough. I mean, it's at the end of the day, I've I've been in like the front row seats before, but it's loud enough that we were at the back of the room. I can still see them. It's not like I can't see them, but the voice carries all the way to the back of the room. So there was no being at the front, being at the back didn't make any difference if anything yeah. that had more leg room so, <laughs> so it was better <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you were able to move at the back in the front row it's a bit mm, difficult to move without taking the attention from the guys so yeah you've got well you, you know they can see you you're sort of squished in a little bit in that so now nah, it was it was it was fine at being at the back and then it's like right it's re- it's done let's go sell some promos ah! <laughs> then <it> suddenly swarmed <laughs> yeah i noticed <laughs> I ran away as soon as possible. <laughs> I didn't get that luxury. <laughs> it was so crowded. <laughs> uh, did you do anything else on Saturday except that Arkham Horror? How, how long was it? Uh, the Arkham Horror event was pretty much the whole day. It was something like started at ten, three hours plus for the first bit, then take a break, then three hours plus for the second one, and then by the time that ended, it was pretty much the trade hall was going to end soon so it just turned into open gaming and watching uh, gaming rules uh, live show in the evening so that was more of a chilled day because I, I mean i get on well with paul grogan i went to his event on friday evening as well that was the other highlight but saturday was just a case of look i'm not going to be able to move around that trade hall i haven't got any demos booked i've purposely left them alone kept saturday free and when the the people who hosted that event, I listened to their podcast, Drawns of the Flame, who are they're a UK based podcast devoted to Arkham Horror LCG. W- you know, when I looked at the event, I thought, well, I've never done one of these before, and I probably won't get a chance outside a convention. Why not? What's the worst going to happen? And it just turned out to be a blast. Yeah, that's good. I I mostly sat on the seminars. I thought that there was, I mean, all the seminars that I was interested in were on Saturday. So if I wanted to see all of them, I would have had to sit from. 11 a.m. until this Paul Krogan show, until it ended maybe at 10 p.m. or something like that. It was very interesting that they didn't divide them to the other days. Saturday was like packed, but I thought that I have to play something. And actually there was space in the trade hall. I thought that it would be so full on Saturday, but it was emptier than last year. Last year was crazy in the hall one especially. Well, I mean, maybe there was some space, I'm not sure, but uh, the... Saturday is just usually a bit more of a pain to yeah. walk around, and I just decided to keep it free. It may not have been as bad, but I heard reports that it was, uh, you know, pretty manic. I mean, if if I wasn't doing the Arkham Horror event, I would have just simply booked a few more demos that day and just run with it. But yeah. you know, I would have certainly tried to book more slots on those days rather than try and just jump into a game because that would have just involved like, yeah, not going to happen. Because sadly, you know, when you got the press badge, it pretty much just gives you the chance to be at the front of the mob doesn't give you a chance to walk into the halls ahead of time which is a bit of a shame <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true it would be good to have half an hour pre-entrance or something like that i think you can at essen but it's hard to do it yeah yeah but it wouldn't be fair to the others yeah exactly yeah how about sunday what did you do on sunday pretty much a carbon copy of friday except just to catch up with the games that i hadn't played although the demos that day well, they were fine, but there was a few games there where I'm just like, yeah, this is kind of meh, I'm not too fussed on this one. With the exception of the one that I played at the very end, which was definitely the highlight, which was Empires in the North, the new Portal game. 
Uh, McNasty was doing two-player only head-to-head -head games with himself, basically, with the with the press on that one. But we had one of his like helpers sort of looking over, and Z Garcia suddenly turned up out of nowhere and just sat down and watched the game as well with all of them rooting for Ignacity rather than me which was kind of like <laughs> oh thanks yeah throw me out the throw me under the bus but that was just I mean the game itself is brilliant I can't wait for that one but it was just one of those games where it's like Ignacity's the sort of player I want to play these kind of Euro head-to-heads with because he's putting in his all he's competitive in the sense that oh he's going to try everything he can to beat you in that but he's very quick on his turns and he was very complimentary that i was quick on my turns as well because i can't stand analysis paralysis at the best of times and so the two of us were just having these super quick turns back and forth for a game of empires north i swear we got it done in barely any time at all but you know we were quite neck and neck and then i pulled through at the end he certainly can uh lose his lid a little bit when he's like losing you know you can tell that he's sort of cursed up a storm a little bit or something when he realizes he's getting beat but only in a fun way and but he's he's nice about it like you know he knows when he's beat at the last turn so he'll pass and say yeah i'm i'm good you've won and then you know i'm not a jerk so i don't continue my turn i go yeah he's passed he knows i'm gonna beat this so I just stop. You know, I hate the people who basically go, oh, you, you've, you've resigned. Right, well, I'm just going to try and beat you by 30 points rather than five. It's like, no, you've won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, and spend 15 minutes thinking how they can do it. Yeah, it's like... I think the points and everything. It's ridiculous. I don't min-max. I hate min-maxing <laughs> as a concept. <laughs> it's like, you've won, deal with it, or play the game, just stop trying to beat your high score or anything. I was never that sort of person on arcade machines or whatever. It's like, did I win? Yes. What was your score? Don't care. <laughs> yeah. And this min-maxing, you have to... I mean, it's fine if you've played the game tens of times, but if you're playing for the first, second, or third time even, there is no point in doing that, because you can't do it very well anyway. Or if you can, it will take so long that it will slow the game down too much. Especially in some kind of strategic heroes. Yeah, the score is just a means to see if you won or not. You know, yeah. the co-op games. You know, they'll a lot of the solo modes will be try and get the highest score that you can. And I'm, I don't mind them, but I'm not as big of a fan of those ones. You know, I want there to be a win-lose condition, yeah. even in the Euro games. You know, um, I know I need to once I get my solo plays up and running better. Pursuit of Happiness is on the cards. So I want to play that game solo. Now, yes, you can try and get the highest score you can, but you have to do the minimum of 50 points and those three goals. That's fine. I have yeah. a win-lose condition. There is an objective to meet. I don't care if I end up with 100 points and the three goals or 51. As long as I've met the condition, I'm happy. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I don't really play solo games, but I would do it and I think the same way. And it would be more about the experience that do you win or not, rather than did I get 151 points, like you said. Yeah, how did I get to the end game victory, which is why yeah. a lot of story-driven games tend to be my favorite solo games. I, I agree with that. If I would play solo games more, I would play story-driven games or roll and rights. Those I actually play solo, but they have <laughs> to spend time. They don't really give anything that much. Well, to be fair, roll and rights are basically solo games, regardless of who you're playing yeah. with, with the exception yeah, of, I true. think, two that I've played. <laughs> Which ones? Uh, Corinth has a little bit of interaction, but not a great deal. The Harvest Dice is the one that I have on my shelf that I can see from here. Uh, that is the roll and right I've kept, because that one does have some player interaction. No, you're drafting that's true. you're drafting those dice, the vegetable dice, and which ones you don't take have an effect on the game. 
for everybody but also you can see clearly on everyone's board what they can do what they can't do so you can hate draft or yes. take the dice that they think they're going to use best and that instantly elevates it above all the others like Ganshlon, Welcome to, Railroad Inc. and stuff like that where they're good games, they're fine, but I could not care less if there was four players, six players, two players, anybody else in the game because I've got no interaction with them. You know, Railroad Inc. I think was the biggest offender to that when I played it recently. Someone taught it to me and it's like, okay, right, let's see what the hype is. And it's like, okay, played it, good, won it. But then I realized, oh yeah, I was playing with five other people. Because <laughs> I usually did not ever look at their boards, there was no need to. They couldn't do. They couldn't screw me over. They just rolled the dice, and everybody did what they could with the dice. So it's like, so there literally is zero player interaction. <laughs> did, did you try this Imperial Settlers roll and flight at the expo? I I've played the prototype, which is too early to sort of comment on what I think of it because it was still being balanced at the time. I have a copy. He gave me a copy. It is downstairs on a pile of games that I have yet to unwrap, which is my plan for today. <laughs> so yeah. it's like play the new Arkham Horror pack, play the new LCG Lord of the Rings pack, and unwrap and sort out all those games that are still in shrink wrap downstairs. I've got like you know Outer Rim, Imperial Settlers, Roll and Write, some of the Miso games, uh, stuff from Cosmos games. They gave me a bunch of two-player ones to play. So you know I've got a fair amount to get through. But yeah, it's, I need to go through a effectively a box opening session this today <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you're getting good games as review copies so if you are getting them i got well, my I first hope, review well, copy, oh. copy at uk games expo i got undo from pegasus and we just actually played it yesterday outside with the wife and it was quite fun is it well i hope they're good, good <laughs> so. yeah, it it was very good the it's it's, it's a story driven game it's not like a puzzle you have to think Outside of the box a bit, but it was good. The Terry Blossom, whatever it was, Terry Blossom Festival, I think uh, was the name. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that one. Um, haven't heard many opinions on it yet, so that's a new one. It's more that I mean the the review copies mainly have come from some of the smaller publishers who are overseas and trying to get into the UK, so they're pretty much asking everybody around, which is fine. You know, it's like great. You know, <laughs> let us be one of those ones, but. You know, Asmodee send me a few things on request, but you know, Pipe Dream would be a case of like you could waltz up to someone like Fazzy Flight, Cool Mini or not, and Awaken Realms or something, and say, you know, you got anything spare? <laughs> anything that you want reviewed? Is that that would be a Pipe Dream? <laughs> yeah, but but if you got from Cosmos and everything, I mean, these other publishers also, it's it's quite good. I played the Imperial Settlers Roland Wright at the Expo, and it was fine, but I think you have to play with the advanced game especially if you've played games before if you play with the simple game it might be too simple yeah i mean I'm, I'm just gonna start on advanced with it anyway because it didn't seem that complicated yeah. when i played it before my worry with it is that i'm a little concerned that a it's just going to be another roll and write in the sense of i don't care what the others are doing but mm -hmm. i'm also worried that it might just go on a bit long for a roll and write. i mean we were learning it it was a prototype so maybe that's why the game took a bit long sort of downtime wise and length wise but you know, I'm looking at this thinking, right, this is an engine builder roll and write. This isn't something that's going to end in 10 minutes. So how long is this game going to be before it's like, why wasn't this a card game or a board game? It's, it's, a, it's a little concern, but I got to, like I say, I got to give it the beans and see what it's like. And then obviously there'll be a review on that one in the near future. But uh, I mean, if you were to ask me which one was I looking forward to more out of that and Empires of the North, it's Empires of the North 
without a shadow of a doubt. And after playing Emperors of the North, it's like, yeah, I want this game now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it better than Imperial Settlers? I'm going to say yes, be even though I have Imperial Settlers with everything and I do enjoy that game. And a lot of it is just because Imperial Settlers struggles a bit with too many players for length. But also, because it's got all the extra cards, it's a bit bloated at the moment. And I don't deck build with it because I haven't got time for that. So yeah. I just throw everything in. And yeah, people argue, well, that upsets the balance of the game. And it's like, well, we don't play it often enough to care about balance. It's like, at least the decks still work. And, you know, I could always look up some decks online if I wanted to do and just tailor the decks ahead of time. But I still like Imperial Settlers. Empires of the North has the advantage of still having that streamlined way of playing. All the iconography is the same. You've got the extra action board, which is a really cool concept. You've got the sailing to get more bonuses. But I like with Empires of the North that each faction feels more different than I think the other ones did. And you don't deck build. All the factions will have a set deck of cards and Ignacity will not add any more cards to these decks. So you'll have the six or so in the base game. He's already got several, like at least that same amount developed in the works for like an expansion future time. But the expansions will not add any cards to previous factions. You will just have a brand new faction with a new set of cards, which makes it a lot more accessible. You know, nice. I don't have to deck build or think, oh, I've got 20 million cards now to use with this faction. Which one do I do? No, I can literally just go, which faction do I fancy? That one, get playing. And that's just means it's going to be still varied in the long term without getting too bloated to the point where you're like, oh, have I got to set this up now? Yeah, and you don't have to mix the deck again. If you get an expansion, you don't have to learn a new kind of deck again. I, I'm, I didn't deck build either with that, but I sold my copy because it didn't get to the table enough. Well, I can say that I this. can say that about a lot of my games, but that's just because of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, that's true. You know, it's if it's a case of some of these games I've got may not get to the table often, and it may be like, oh my god, I haven't played this for like a year and a half. But if I know that when I play it, I'm going to enjoy it, I can still hang on to it. It's more yeah. of a case of which one have I not played for a while, but which one out of these ones, which one do I not have a desire to get to the table right now? And a lot of the time, looking at my shelf, it tends to be the dry euros that suffer i'll play it and go oh this is a good game but then every time i have to bring a few games to a club i'm thinking yeah but i like the theme in that one better this one's just another euro game and that's where those ones tend to suffer i'll think oh yeah the mechanics are cool but you know can someone else bring it and suggest it i'm not desperate right now and then i forget the rules so i have to relearn yeah. them and then that just hurts it in the end and also the games that are easier to teach you usually probably bring those rather than those that are very difficult to teach, even if you like the games. Depends. I mean, there, there are people I know that can handle the heavier games, and I know that they're going to be a mission to teach, but at the end of the day, I want to play some of those heavier games as well. But yeah, it, it just depends who I'm playing with. If I'm yeah. going to a Southampton group I go with, then I tend to bring the heavier games, because there's a few people there that play those sort of things, and it's like, oh yeah, they can handle it fine. But if I go to my Portsmouth club, I tend to bring the lighter games because a lot of the people who join my club are new players. So yeah. bringing something heavy would just overwhelm them. So that's when I bring the shorter, lighter stuff. Yeah, I have to pre-plan if I if we are playing a heavy game. I have to check that these certain people are coming to the board game meeting that day and then say that, okay, I'm bringing this. Who will play with me? So I know to yeah. prepare. Otherwise, it will just be waste. It's not good to carry games for nothing. <laughs> Rather take something light or then don't take anything and play others' games. 
yeah and you know I, I don't like the games to take too long anyway so even if i bring the heavy ones it's like am i playing it with people who are going to take their turns quick and not drag this out like crazy <laughs> exactly <laughs> and there are some yeah there are some players where i'm like i actively i'm not sure i want to play this game with you because i know that you're a fun player but we're going to be in this for another half hour on top of the normal length because you will not very often finish your turn <laughs> there might or might not be those people in my club as well but i'm not disclosing that because they might listen to this <laughs> yeah <they're> not naming <laughs> names <laughs> yeah no, not naming names but yeah especially if it's a learning game you shouldn't think too long because it's just useless if, if it's a heavier game you have to learn it and then you can begin thinking in my opinion i was i was thinking long previously when I was playing heavier games I thought that I will do perfectly in this one in the first play but no it's not possible so I just gave up that thought well big biggest tip I give to a lot of players when they're learning Euro games is this and some listen some don't but I just tell everyone if you've got a ton of options in the game and you don't know what it is you're doing just pick one and go with it for that the entire game if it's even if it's a thematic choice just go with it you know, somebody, if I'm teaching Caverna to a bunch of people, you could have so many options, like Fields of Arl and that, the Uri Rosenberg stuff. There's so many options you can do in those ones. You're never mm. going to do them all, so don't try. You know, and don't worry so much about, oh, what's my final point total going to be? It's like, well, A, who cares? You're learning the game for the first time. Yeah. Just do something that you think is going to be fun. So Caverna could be like, look, do you want to be a miner? Like, sit in your cave and just do loads of ruby mining? Then do that. Focus on that. Try and do well at it. And then at the end, you may actually do better than you think. And it can work. Yeah. It, I, I just do that with every single Euro game. Uh, you know, even simpler stuff like uh, Pulsar 2849, one I like. Got shown that one for the first time. And it's like, okay, this is a point salad. I literally could pick any of these options. Fine, I'm going to level up my HQ board and just fly around the place all over the shop. Great, that's all I focused on won the game as a result because I didn't get caught up with other things but I could have happily had just lost outright but just went yeah well at least I explored everywhere you know so I've done <laughs> yeah I chose it's not the least thematic game in a while but at least I can say I did that path and see what yeah. happens and then if you like the game you'll go back to it and choose a different path having more knowledge of how the game plays and if you don't like it well then you don't need to care whether you won or lost I usually do the opposite. I try to do a bit of everything so I know what to do in the next game if it doesn't work. But like in Caverna, you can do everything a bit. It might not work at the end, but you still get a fine score and you might be able to win it if you're playing for the win. But of course, you don't play for winning. Yeah, I mean, you, you could win it doing a balanced one. But I mean, you say like, oh, I want to see it all work in that. But usually I rely on the other players for that. So with the Caverna thing, it's like, right, well, I'm going to yeah. concentrate mainly on mining. Yes, i got to get a little bit of food and go outside a bit, but mainly I'm going to just really have a decked out cave. But then I look at another player who's gone down the, oh, I'm getting loads of animals and somebody else has done that. I'm farming outside for the most part. Someone else has done full adventuring. Well, I can see how they work because I'm watching the other players do it. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be me that does it. Yeah, you know, that's true. If it's a decent, like, varied Euro game, you, all four players should be doing something different. In which case, just watch what everyone else does, and then next game you can go, well, I quite like the way he was doing the farming. Great. Next game, I'm doing that. That's true. We went a bit far from the expo now, <laughs> but, but there's nothing nothing new in that if someone listened to either one of our podcasts. <laughs> Staying on topic is main. 
<laughs> the main thing in both. It's an extra insight into us both. That's what they want. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Otherwise, they're in the wrong place. Uh, what was your best experience in the expo? You said already that it's the Arkham Horror. Is that the best single experience you had? What, this year's? Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, a whole day. It's a game I like already. It's an experience of that game I've not done before, like the big multiplayer session with like lots of different groups. Did not know the people. I'd not met the podcasters before, so just got to know them a little bit. But literally just got on well with the team I was with. Our investigators comboed really well. The deck I was using was brand new and you know somebody I would never use in solo play because she's Carolyn's generally a multiplayer uh, one. I've got my deck on Arkham DB for those who want to have a look at it. But yeah, it it just worked on all cylinders really. It it everything was just good fun. The the actual scenario was good fun, hard, but you know, good story driven one. And by the time we'd finished, it's like, whew, that was tense, but that was definitely worth it. So it, it just it just I forgot about the trade hall for the whole day. Like I was like, oh yeah, there's a trade hall next door, and it's like didn't care. I was too engrossed <laughs> in the scenario. Where did you have it? it? It was in some room, was it? No, it was in the Fantasy Fly organized play section. Ah, okay, it was there. Yeah, they yeah. had several stuff. I mean, we had to put up with the occasional annoying announcement from the X-Wing lot, but... <laughs> yeah, and it's a bit loud probably there also. It was not too loud that we couldn't hear ourselves sing. It's actually not as bad as you might think, because, I mean, you know, they'll be playing the games, but I don't think everybody's crazy loud and open gaming is a bit far away from where we were anyway because we were we were kind of near the wall in a sense not far off from the wall section of organized play so we were far enough away from the trade hall to not really hear that but no i think i think we were able to hear each other just like next door to each other we didn't have to care what the other groups were doing per se so as long as we could hear each other speak we were good Okay, that's good that you were there. I thought that you were in the middle of somewhere, so that would have been more difficult. But near, near the wall probably was a good place to be. Um, what do you think that could have been better in the expo this year? Is there something that could be improved? Or I don't want to say, what the, do you have a negative experience? But well, is there something that could be improved for the next year? Well, the Brain and Buy can always be improved, but I just think that's an impossible task. It's too big for what you can physically do with it and no matter what security checks you put on it there'll still be thefts uh no matter when you get there you'll be queuing i literally now drop a i drop a bag in there on thursday evening of stuff that i need to sell enough that i can pay for my trip to the expo that's pretty much the deal it's just a it's just a self-funding thing and i drop it in and i forget about the whole thing for the entire weekend i don't even visit it now because i just can't be bothered with that queue (laughs) you know i hate queuing (laughs) I forgot to go there this year, actually, but on Thursday evening when people were queuing to drop the bags, it was crazy. They were already queuing mm. at 7 o'clock something. When the pre-show opened, they were queuing. Yeah, it, There was this huge queue. I mean, I get it done on Thursday night because it's like, well, I'm not doing much else on Thursday night, so now's the time. If I'm going sa- to sit in a queue, I might as well do it now. But, yeah, that's true. But the only alternative is to carry a bag of games with me around the press event and then the second it opens leave the press event and quickly get in there but mm. you've got to time that right and obviously you're giving up time at the press event for it it's just yeah not as where and i don't know how they're going to be able to sort that out but that's it's got to a point now where i just don't care about the bring and buy actually shopping around it you know it's like 
but there's loads of bargains in there. Yeah, but I'm not exactly short on games. <laughs> it's not like I desperately need them, you know, secondhand or not. I just need to be able to say, right, sold all my games, which I did, and now I paid for my hotel. Sweet. <laughs> that's yeah, all that's good. good. But eh, negative-wise, or things that can be improved, well, air conditioning. <laughs> it was a bit hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was on Saturday. It was really hot in the evening. I don't know if it was in the way you were sitting, but in the hall one, it was very, very moist and heavy air. I think the organized play section was better because it was more spaced out and there weren't as many people. But yeah, I heard reports about the trade hall area on the Saturday. I can imagine yeah. there is a selection of gamers who I swear the the act of bathing is a secondary concern. Seriously, don't. <laughs> like, don't. Don't say such things. Come on, they might listen. It's a, they're around. I mean, everybody's <laughs> known them. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a case of yeah, bad air conditioning and a lot of sweaty people walking around a convention does not make for a good experience on that front. So whether they would whether it wasn't working well or they didn't crank it up high enough or it's just ineffective, I don't know. But they seriously could up that one. But yeah. otherwise. Otherwise, they tend to organize the expo pretty well. It works yeah. pretty smoothly. You know, things get sorted. It's getting bigger each year, but they're upping the space to accommodate it. So even though Saturday is busy, it's not un not completely unwieldy. It, it to say it just works. I just hope that maybe if they're going to carry on at this rate, that they don't get too big for their britches. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the numbers for this year? Yeah. Again, more growth compared to last yeah. time, and it's always a tug of war between us and Origins as to which one's like the third biggest in the world and that but it's like you know just but i i think uk games expo is bigger than origins already i think it went over forty thousand now this year it's it's kind of it's weird they huge. they keep t they keep sort of going back and forth like is oh, oh it's the third biggest then origins sort of pips it when it gets its figures and that but i think i think for the most part games expo is bigger than origins but i don't want it to get too big i don't need like yeah. a second essen <laughs> and three days won't be enough I already thought this year that it's not enough time to do everything that I want to do that, I, I really ran out of time that is true actually I mean if you're going for just a day you better know exactly what you're doing and hunt down the specifics you want and just accept you won't see everything because it's just not yeah. possible three days is enough for me to get stuff done if I wasn't doing the Arkham event two days wasn't enough and so there would be stuff I missed out. But if I had the three days, I reckon I could cover anything that I was interested in. Bear in mind that, I, I mean, I walked up and down a good selection of Hall 1. And it's mostly just uh, miniature stuff or uh, art and memorabilia stuff. And, you know, it's nice to look at the arts in a sense. But I don't really sit by the desk and do a lot. And retailers, I give them a quick look see if there's something that I fancy buying but I don't stick around them for too long because not like I need to buy that much anymore so really I'm more hunting down the stalls where it's like right I want to see what demo games you've got on, on the list and there you go and some demo stands I don't need to go near because it's like alright so what are you doing oh I already know those games right, fine then <laughs> yeah that's true three days but also uh, sorry. no no carry on uh, I noticed on Sunday there were lots of new people coming and buying tickets. There were very long queues on Sunday. Families were coming for Sunday. And it ends at 4 o'clock, so it's a bit early. So when the families came even at 2 o'clock or something, they really didn't have time to do anything. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to so, do for two hours at the no, thing. But no. I mean, why, why would you not book your tickets in advance? I don't get that. It's uh, But they still have to queue to get the tickets. With the code. Maybe they had the pre-booked tickets and then just got the Sunday tickets and they just came a bit late. 
No, you, 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 the Sunday, yeah, you're Sunday right. could be open a bit longer. It it closes a bit too early, but it seems everything in the UK closes at, at four early o'clock. On yeah, it's a, yeah, it's annoying. It's, it's Sunday trading laws. I wish it was open longer than four o'clock because that seems to cut it short a bit. But the, I mean, the advantage of it shutting at four is that shortly after, usually the uh, Dice Tower lot and a few others go out for dinner and the cinema trip. So I join them for that. Couldn't join him for the cinema because, annoyingly, I had to get a train back to the car and drive home and work the next day. So it's like, yeah, I can't stick around here for too long like I've done before. But especially as I had a big deadline this week. But at least I stick around for the meal and some silly fun in the arcade machines, which was a good laugh trying to watch Tom and Z play these stupid arcade machines. But Where is the arcade there? Is it in the resort world or where is it? Resort world, middle floor. Um, there's one at the back. So... Yeah, it's a bit of a laugh, it's nothing major, but it's just like, there's a few silly things in there, and I think just watching Tom get into all these silly games just to have a laugh is quite amusing. Though we did have quite a heated uh, table hockey game. <laughs> there was like a multi-puck one where it was like 2v2. Tom and I won that one, and then the two of us went on a different table hockey thing to have a head-to-head like for the winners, and it was literally like, you know, 2-3, three, 3-3, three, 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 four, 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 four. It was It was constantly like neck and neck throughout the entire thing I've never had and it went on and on it normally the it cuts <laughs> out after about a minute and you're like oh that's it this one just kept going on until we were something like about like nine nine and then I think I won it at the very like the last second or sorry but it's just like I'm just like end <laughs> I can't my heart <laughs> cannot put up with this it's too tense but it's a good exercise also <laughs> it felt like it kind of running yes. around like crazy but I, I was determined not to lose but neither one of us was letting up there was no there was no like lead victory it was just two tens but no that was a a good laugh in itself but you know we're trading off again what was it oh yeah the <laughs> the timing of the the expo yeah i mean i'm probably a bit biased because i buy my tickets in advance and get them on the thursday before the press event starts so yeah. naturally it's a lot easier to get them i suppose with a lot of people you've got to turn up on the day you can't download them in advance so yeah you 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 kind of the best advice is that you have just got to get there early <laughs> you've got to be yeah, prepared yeah that's for... true we actually don't we had a train from birmingham at eight o'clock to london and we were flying from there in the monday morning we thought that we will sit in the research world and eat and everything but they closed at five and we didn't know it beforehand we were like what is this what's happening we didn't go to this arcade but all the shops and everything cafes and they uh, those places they closed at five the shops and that did yeah i don't know but i think the restaurants would have been open though wouldn't they yeah, maybe at the bottom floor, but we thought that maybe we just go to the train station and eat at Subway or something. Because we thought that we can still hang around and do some shopping for the home and everything, like if we want some clothes or some kind of souvenirs, but they closed at 5. Not, at sun- we were like, not, on, a s- <laughs> not on a Sunday evening, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we didn't know that before. Yeah, if you're going to do stuff like that, do it on the Saturday, I say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it, it's a bit funny that it closes earlier we had the same in finland a few years ago that everything was supposed to i mean be, places were not even allowed to be open on sunday but it's all the time become looser and looser now everything can be open whenever they want they can decide you can be 24 hours open if you want to and it's a bit ridiculous also that way it varies. i mean I'd, i've got nothing against them wanting to be open if that's their choice you know convenience stores can be open on a sunday evening like sunday night which is quite handy, but most stuff will shut at four, which can be a bit of a pain if Sunday's the only time you can go shopping. But, you know, I've been to places 
like European places and that where it's just like, oh, so you literally shut everything on a Sunday, full stop. There is no leeway, and it's like, cool, blimey, it's like the place is dead. Is <laughs> a is a, a ghost town where nothing is open on the Sunday. But, yeah, but it's good that there's some kind of a forced holidays mm. for the entrepreneurs also. Otherwise, they would have to work all the time. So, in my opinion, it's good thinking the um, health of the people who have those shops and everything. So they have to, they are forced to take one evening off. Yeah, it, it, it is a good thing. I've got no problem. Although, if you're traveling to that location, you want something to do. So you better have something <laughs> to do on that day. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. UK Games Expo, would you suggest it to someone who hasn't been to a bigger expo yet? Um, I'd say you could. It's going to be the kid in the candy store feel, which was basically like me when I went to my first Essen. But I think you just need to be prepared that it is the biggest one in the UK. So it may get a bit overwhelming, don't try to do everything you won't. Just see if you enjoy it for that period and go with it. But if you want something a little bit smaller on those same lines, then maybe you could consider something like Aircon. Um, A-I-R-E-Con. Uh, a friend of mine, Mark Cook, runs that up in Harrogate in North. That is kind of the next level down, and it's a step down. I mean, it is a big gap between that one and the Games Expo in terms of size. But they have a few designers there showing off some stuff they have a smaller bring and buy which actually works you know because of its size they have a few retailers and like publishers come in to show the stuff and they have a lot of open gaming so it has most of the stuff that the expo has oh yeah and even some podcast stuff so yeah they've got pretty much what the expo has just on a smaller scale but it works it's smooth and you can get a lot of open gaming in and there's a little bit of a shop experience a little bit of a bring and buy experience so if you want to get an idea of what the expo's like, probably go to that one, see if that's a decent level for you, and then just accept that if you want to go to the expo afterwards, it's going to be probably like 10 times bigger. <laughs> you, know, you know, will that be too much for you? But it's difficult to prepare for the expo, really, because there's just such a huge gap between that and the next thing down. You know, certainly don't go to Essen as your first one. There's a <laughs> I was just going to ask that. What if you're going, uh, coming from abroad? Like, let's say that I'm coming from Finland. If someone wants to go to one big expo, like let's say GenCon, Essen, Origins, this PAX Unplugged seems to be good nowadays, and then UK Games Expo and Dastarcon is probably too much or too small. Maybe it's too oriented for the gaming to compare with these other ones that have some kind of a economic aspect as, aspect as well. So which one would you go to? Well, Dice Tower Con is just open gaming, so that one doesn't yeah. really fit. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have not been to an American convention. I want to, but I don't want to pay the money to fly all the way over there just to another trade fair. So I don't really have an interest in going to Gen Con. I hear PAX Unplugged is pretty good, but again, is that trade or open gaming? I'm not sure. I do want next year to work out a way to go to Dice Tower Con, though. You know, go there, open gaming, spend a week in America, survive a nine-hour flight. Don't ask me how I'm going to do that, but you know, I would love to be able to go to Dice Tower Con. It's just a case of being able to afford it. But for those, Essen is just too big. Do not go to Essen if it's your first one. You will be overwhelmed, I guarantee it. You could try Origins for the US or PAX Unplugged, one of those two. Don't go to Gen Con as your first one. Again, you'll have the same problem. Uh, in UK Games Expo is a good first one. If you're thinking about going to all the big conventions, then try UK Games Expo because that's kind of in the, you know, it's below Gen Con in Essen and just above Origins. So maybe Origins is a very good one. Packs Unplugged. 
Yeah, pro probably those three. Origins, Packs Unplugged, Games Expo. They're your three choices, I think. Gen Con and Essen when you're a bit more used to it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I'm asking the question, because the UK Games Expo was the, the first big one for me, and I thought that it was really good, because they have this, in my opinion, I haven't been to the others, but it, there's like this great balance between demos, playing full games, open games, and the selling part. I mean, there is very good balance in there. You've been to Essen, so you probably know, but I have that that kind of view from Essen and Tencon that it's just a trade fair, that buy, 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 buy. And then Origins would be closer to UK Games Expo, and Pax Unplugged would be even more gaming than maybe even in UK Games Expo. That's the view I have. Yeah, I think I don't know a lot about what happens at Pax Unplugged. I hear it's mostly gaming with a few retailer stuff, but obviously the Dice Tower lot go to that one every year, and they're just praising it every single time, so... Would be a good one, although isn't that on the uh, west coast of America? So it'd be even harder to get to that one <laughs> then. Isn't it in Philadelphia? I have so no idea on the geography. East coast. I, I have no. I have no idea. My geography of the U.S. is bad, so I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> East and west, north and south, yeah. or something. Like I, that. I have only been to America for Florida holidays, so pretty much I know Florida, and that's it. So <laughs> you know, at least Dice Tower. Yeah, but it's, it's enough. It's it's enough. Dice Tower Con is there. I want to go there one day also, but maybe I'll wait until the kid is a bit bigger so we can go to Disney World and this Harry Potter at the same time and make it a, like a two-week trip or something. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like getting two weeks off holiday is uh, problematic with the sort of work I do, not to mention just what am I going to do for two weeks and no, we'll do nothing else in a year. But maybe, <laughs> maybe I mean, I've got to justify a flight to America, which is like a good nine hours. To go for yeah. just a week, I have to be certain I want to do it. You know, whereas if you go for two weeks, it's not so bad. And that's, the, that's what I'm thinking also, that if you go for a week, flying two days, because we have to fly, if we fly from here, we don't get, actually we have direct flights to Miami, but you probably have to fly to, can you fly to Miami or somewhere? I No, I think in the past we have flown direct to Orlando, providing we go to yeah. London. Yeah, it's usually been... Yeah, okay. It's, well, actually... In the past, I would have been living in Somerset, so I guess we would have gone to Bristol Airport. I don't know, but yeah, you know, we can fly direct to Orlando. I don't think that's a problem, or Miami, yeah. where wherever the Dice Tower Con is. But uh, yeah, so that's not a problem. It's just the fact that it's a good nine-hour flight. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. You can sleep. Probably, hopefully. possibly, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, American planes are more spacious, you know, in terms of flying there because they're designed for long haul flights. But even then, it's still a, it's still a confined space. It's still nine hours sat down. I mean, you have to get up and walk just to move, you know, just yeah, to straighten your legs. These days, maybe it was a bit easier because I mean, in the past, I would have literally just had whatever rubbish was on the TV and book if when I used to care about reading and that. But those were the days before major smartphone integration in that lot so i probably would have had a limited scope for what i could enjoy myself as particularly as a teenager at the time but these days i could basically go right here's my tablet pick a board game <laughs> so, yeah. which one <laughs> yeah, of the many true. board game apps am i going to play and i could probably spend the whole nine hours just playing board games so it, maybe yeah. it would be easier this time who knows yeah at least more entertaining than earlier yeah probably but I, do, I certainly don't want to fly there for nine hours and then miss the first day of the convention due to jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it would be a good trip for two weeks. Like, you could see all the other things in Orlando also. 
so you don't have to go there again. <laughs> no, but you don't have to fly there to see these things if you want to see these things, like Disney World and such. Mm, it's been a long time. I've I've been there. I've been there. I think three times already. It was only because of kid holidays, but obviously things would have changed a lot in the last twenty years <laughs> of my life since I was probably last there. So there's there'll be new stuff to see. So it could be worth doing that. Who knows? But it would, the problem is, is that it would be a solo trip, which obviously gets a bit more expensive. You know, trying to find somebody who's available to travel for two weeks to America is a bit of more yeah. of a hindrance. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do you want to say anything more about the expo, or do you have any thoughts? Uh, if you would have to close the experience with one sentence, what would it be? Uh, if you're thinking about going to the expo, then by all means go. You know, you'll you'll get a good feel for it. It's a good laugh. It's great fun. Just be prepared and you know enjoy yourself. Try not to get too overwhelmed. Yeah, we forgot to add by the way. The people are really nice in the expo. Everyone I played a game with or everything, they are so kind. I didn't I didn't meet any who was some somehow obnoxious or annoying or anything. The people in general in UK seem to be quite nice and polite and everything. So I really enjoy the expo also for that. It's a there's some rare cases where you get those sort of players but yeah it's generally i mean it's not even a uk thing it's just a convention thing if you're going to a convention you're generally going to be in a good mood to play games with people you've never met okay so you're not letting me praise the nationality i'm trying to say that i'm not going to leave out i'm not going to leave out things like essen you know for the most part because i've played with some hilarious people at essen before and you know i'm sure it would be no different if i went to any other sort of european convention or the like it's just i think when you go to a convention setting doesn't matter what country it is everybody's just in that frame of mind yeah that's true uh so you will probably be listened by some finnish people so if they don't know your content can you you can promote yourself if you want to and tell me and tell us all that where you can be found and what to expect when they find you <laughs> what to expect um, <laughs> that's a scary <laughs> thought that just you know if the Broken Meeple is the name of the channel. Broken Meeple on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, on SoundCloud is where I host the podcast. But for the main part, if you just go on YouTube and look for The Broken Meeple, you'll find that logo with the big red meeple with a crack down the middle. That's the blog. That's the YouTube channel. Just by all means, check out some of the video content. It's all sorted into playlists for whatever you fancy, really. Just note that it has gone through three seasons, and certainly the quality has improved over the course of three seasons. You know, you can tell when I used to do it in a flat in bad conditions with, like, the most basic of tech to nowadays where I've got, you know, Adobe Premiere Pro to do editing and some better equipment and even then there's still room for improvement because I'm still buying stuff and tinkering with it at the moment so you know it, it's you can certainly see the progression but yeah there's a lot of content on there I like to respond to comments when I can even if it's in one big bulk just go along watch the videos and hopefully you'll have a good time you know but just get involved you know comment talk about the games you know say what you think good or bad you know I like to hear from you all right so, thanks so much, Luke, for doing this. And I hope to see you next year. Maybe we're coming again. I don't I don't really know, but let's see. Yeah, hopefully you are. I mean, I'll be there next year. I've already booked my accommodation, so that's a given. <laughs> it's a bit early, come on. Uh, no, <laughs> you <year>. need to. <laughs> Booking accommodation early is a good idea. <laughs> but but it's too early already, one, one year. <laughs> yeah, Maybe in the autumn. 
we were able to get uh, actually rooms in January. We booked in January, and there were some rooms. If if you're willing to go from a bit further afield, which to be fair, I'm doing now as well. You know, I'm not standing mm. right next to the expo. It's just too expensive. Yeah, we stayed at Crown Plaza, but it was really expensive. We stayed in the center of Birmingham for three nights, and then went to uh, Crown Plaza for two nights to be a bit closer. Mm. But it worked well one year ago from the Birmingham center also, so... I don't know. It, it's a valid option. It's half the price. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, thank you for doing this and have a nice summer. <laughs> Hope you get some holiday also. Uh, nothing's planned, but uh, there's some more conventions coming up in the UK, so I'll be attending a few of those and it'll be good to see people. But now, nah, cheers for having this chat. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Yeah, bye-bye. So, that was... Luke Hector the Broken Meeple and it was very nice of him to come and chat with me. <laughs> we didn't really stay on topic but at least you got some kind of insight into two babblecasters' minds and I suggest that you watch his videos and listen to his podcast but he should make more episodes actually. Like me. But let's get on with my experience on the expo. On Thursday evening I went to this pre-show I had a press pass this year. I thought that I'll just apply it. Let's see if I get it. Well, they gave it to me. So I went to the press event. It began a bit late. So it was a bit boring for me to sit alone there. I didn't go to talk to anyone. I saw some people, but I was so nervous for the press show for some reason that I didn't want to talk to anyone else before that. It was very good. There were lots of publishers presenting their games. And they were on, a ta- on tables and in my opinion it was a very nice thing. Except that whenever you looked at someone, they began talking about their game. And you would have had to say that, so- sorry I don't have time now, please don't tell me about the game. But I listened to some games and some were quite nice people also. And some were quite nice games also. There was a map before the event and I marked to that map that what places and what publishers I should see and where to go but some places were not correct so I didn't find the publishers from where they were supposed to be. I made an Instagram post on the um, games of the pre-show that were interesting to me and you can look it from my Instagram if you want to see the pictures and some details on the games. My Instagram is mitapelatan. Please follow me if you haven't yet. But to quickly go through There were some really nice children's games and I noticed that the component quality in most of them, it's really nice and they are making these children's games toy-like and presenting them there. It was something very interesting to me, but of course the prices are then a bit higher if the component quality is that high and good. I looked at Star Wars Outer Rim, I know people have already got it and played it now. But then it was new and they had it for sale there also. To me it seems like it's Firefly but it's somehow condensed and might not be as thematic. But I'm really interested in this game and if I get it for cheap I will definitely get it to myself. Because it might be a good idea that it's shorter than Firefly and it might be easier to get people to play it because it's Star Wars. And Firefly needs so much table space that it's not really an option to 
carry it anywhere, I have to play it at home. Star Wars Outer Rim probably would fit to the board game club's tables also or somewhere else easier. So I'm interested in that one. Uh, there was this pandemic rapid response. I thought that, oh my god, no, 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 not a new pandemic again. Enough pandemics. But um, this was a surprise how it was. It's by Ken Klenko, so it's not a real pandemic, so to say. But it's a real-time game where you roll dice and you fly around in a plane and deliver things to places that need the things. And it seems to be very, very interesting and I want to play this. I'm not sure if I want to get it, but I want to play it. It seems like between Pandemic and Pandemic The Cure, which is the dice game. And it might be a good game, really. Uh, there was a game called Lander, and the designer Daniel sent email to me beforehand, probably sent to many people, but it was written in a personal way, so I thought that I'll have to check it out, because it wasn't this generic email that I have a game, come here, or dear press person, come here. It was written in a way that I thought that it's personally written, and I went to see the game, and... I think it might be too heavy or too long or too convoluted for what it is. But what is great, he has this idea that play before you pledge. Uh, so he's sending the copy of the game to board game cafes around the world where people can play them before they pledge the Kickstarter. And that's a great idea. And in Finland you can play it in a cafe board game Helsinki. I don't know why Taverna doesn't have it or is not in the list, but to Cafe Board Game Helsinki they are sending the copy. So that's in that campaign, play before you pledge. So if you want to see Lander the game, you should go to the Cafe Board Game in Helsinki if you live in Helsinki and check it out. It might be good for you if you like heavier games. It has different methods of play that are either short or medium length or long. But I don't think the short game is for anyone who has played games earlier. At, at least any heavier games earlier. Because you are the longer the, you make the game, the more you add to the game. So some components will be missing from the short introductory game. It has some good ideas and I suggest that you play it and try it. If you have any interest in a space colonizing game. And I'm just afraid that it might be too convoluted and too difficult to get a grasp on but 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 you really should try it if you have any interest it it's a good idea great idea also actually but try it before you pledge because it's possible uh, the same thing with fire gangs 1840s it's a card game but that might also be too convoluted. I'm afraid that it has too many, too much stuff going in it for it to be for the people that it tries to be. It's too light for heavy gamers, but it might be too heavy and too difficult for light gamers. It seems to be a very interesting card game and you should also check it out if you feel like it, but it's not for me. The presenters were <laughs> dressed as a firefighters from that era and had an axe and everything it was very fun and the guy was so enthusiastic the designer was explaining the game he was so enthusiastic but that's a thing that might be also negative 
Because if he's so enthusiastic, he might want to add everything to the one game. He doesn't even think, maybe, that there could be something like a bear game. And then you can add expansions or you can add modules to the game that add this if you want to this. It seems that he just put the whole package together and there might be too many mechanics and mechanisms and things in there for it to be a good game. I hope not, because when someone is so enthusiastic as they were, they deserve to get some kind of credit for it. And I really wish that it takes off and it finds its audience. But it's not for me, it doesn't seem to be for me. It's too convoluted for what it is, as it was there. If they change it a bit, maybe then, but at the moment, no. Then, <laughs> the first designer or presenter that caught me, I didn't know yet that if I look at something, or if I stop, or if I look at someone, they try to attack me and talk to me. So, East Street Games, the designer of Robot Royale, caught me, and I thought that, oh no, I don't want to, this looks lo- so silly, it's a small game, 4 times 4 grid, um, and each grid has 4 squares, so it's 8 times 8 grid, with some walls and holes in the middle. And then you have robots, and you battle with the robots. But, it's kind of a Dungeon Twister mini. I haven't played Dungeon Twister, but I've played the card game, and I know how the game works. So you move the, turn these tiles and such. Here you also turn the tiles, so it gives that kind of similar feeling, but it's smaller. And I actually, I like the game a lot more than I thought I would. And also I think because it's small, it's more easy to get to table and you can carry it everywhere. And it's just basically robots shooting each other and moving around. And I might, I think that it might appeal to many people. I also looked at this Bret Aporter new edition, it looked so fantastic and cool. The Kickstarter is beginning somewhere middle of July, so you have time to pack it if you want to, if you listen to this early enough, but it's soon up. I think it's 18th or something like that. I might be wrong, but it's still in July. Addition in the edit on the correct dates of the Kickstarter. It's 8th of July and it seems to end on 20th or 21st or 22nd, something, because it just shows me that there is 10 days left. Ending transmission. Uh, Moonbase from Itten Games looked interesting, but I have no idea how to play the game. It's one of the few games that when you look at the board and the pieces, I have no idea how it works. I tried to get a demo during the expo, but I was not able to do it, so... I still don't know how it plays, but it looks really interesting and strange. There was also Imperial Settlers Roland Wright. I got to play a full game of that during the expo, so I will talk about it a bit later. And I met Iraklis from Finland, who's the head of Ludic Creations. And he showed me this on the underground new version of it, and he actually said to me that hey, you are Mitä Pelata, you're from Finland and such, I didn't know, because I didn't meet him earlier, I didn't know how he looks, I just noticed the name from the list, and I thought that I have to go and say hi to him, and we tried to make fun of Luke Hector in Finnish, but 
his vocabulary didn't last long enough for that to happen, but it was fun, and he seems to be a nice guy. And the new print of On the Underground, it looks really, really good. Although people are saying that it looks silly and the old one is better, but it's always that when you reprint the game. I'm sure people are complaining about Dimacher also, and it's on Kickstarter now, this special edition, or limited edition. I'm not going to back it because I haven't played the game and I don't want a minimum three-player game to myself that I don't know if I will ever get to the table. I don't care how limited it is, I'm not a collector in that way. I want games to the shelf that I will sometimes play with someone, for sure. Uh, I have to give a shout-out, of course, to Pegasus Spiele. This Queens from Shut Up and Sit Down was talking there about this new Undo series of games. And they had this demo there with huge cards and tiles and such. And I went to listen because they just began explaining the game to Queens. And it seemed really interesting. And then I stayed there after a while. And I have to say here that I didn't really like it that... Quinn's listened to the game and then said, do you have a copy for me? I have to go. And they just gave him the copy. I mean, of course, if you are busy and you get lots of free copies, that's what you do. But I thought that it's a bit, how can I say? It seemed a bit rude. I would not be able to do that. That I just listen, ask a few questions, say that, do you have a copy for me? I will go. I mean, it's not the way to do it, in my opinion. And... I don't know if everyone does it, but I didn't like that attitude. But it's a personal opinion. And I don't know the guy, so I don't know how they do or what they do. But it was a bit rude to me, in my opinion, that you stand there for a while to get something for free. And I stayed there and asked questions and was wondering how it works. And then the Be- Peter Berenaser is the public relations manager of Pegasus. He asked me that where I am from and such. And I said that I'm from Finland and this is my channel this Mitapelatan and he asked that do I want a copy I was like what yeah okay I can I can get a copy I wanted to get this game anyway so thank you uh, uh and I didn't know how to react because I didn't ask for it he just asked that do yeah I want it so okay I took it and it's a small box so I didn't <laughs> didn't take pay, space from the luggage but I can't thank enough for that occasion because he was so kind and it came from them that they gave me the copy. So I really appreciate their, mm, how can I say, their approach to the thing. And they didn't have a pile of them on the table. They had just a few and he took the game. I noticed that he took it from under the desk and he put this brochure in it also for the new releases, other releases also. And they have good releases coming actually. But this is not an advertisement, so you can check them out yourself. So that was the first review copy I ever got from anywhere. And I didn't ask it. So I thought, that, wow, this is great. Thank you. And I didn't really know how to react, but I just said thanks. And I sent email later and said that thank you so much. It was so important for me. Because I don't really know, but it's nice to get some free games. <laughs> Although there is limited shelf space, but still. And it was a game I was already interested in. Sometime afterwards, I went to... Uh, Space Cowboys and Days of Wonder. I tried to look at their this new ticket to ride London, and the lady who was there presenting the game, 
He, she basically asked any, every, anyone and everyone that do you want a copy, do you want a copy, do you want a copy? And I don't think that's a good way. So I saw that she's doing that when I was talking in the next booth. I was saying to Space Cowboys that they're coming up with too many unlocks, that they should slow down a bit. <laughs> I still didn't play the second newest one because they came up with the new one now in the summer and they have even more coming. And that guy, that guy tried to show me the deck. I said, don't show me the deck. He showed the backs of the cards because he had a first version of English translated cards for the upcoming unlock box and he was trying to show them to me I said come on put them away I'm not going to look at them I'm playing the game and I like the series so I don't want to be spoiled yet and then I noticed that on the next table there was this ticket to write London so I listened while the uh, lady was explaining to someone else that game and then I said that okay it's interesting that I haven't played the New York and such and she said that do I want a copy so Okay, I took the copy because I might have wanted to play that also, but I got the copy. So that was my other review copy that I got from the expo. I didn't get any else because I didn't really ask. I would have expected for Fantasy Flight Games to give away those new Keyforge decks because they had a box of them. But it seems that they didn't give them and I didn't want to ask them. Because like I said, I don't think that it's it suits my character that I'm saying that can I get something for free. But I should probably do that to get something for free. And I think some people with the press pass, they got huge piles of games from there. But it's their problem in a way. I couldn't have taken many anyway because I had limited luggage space. And I wanted to buy some games. But that Keyforge deck would have fit anywhere. And I could have fit maybe one more game, but not more than that. Uh, Renegade was supposed to have 1828 sorry the revolution of 1828 the new stefan fell two-player game there but the lady said that she forgot to take it with her and she promised that it would be playable at the expo they had lots of games at the renegade booth they had some cool looking terror below and power rangers games but they don't seem to be interesting to me they also had lanterns dice and she explained me how to play it in case I would go to play it during the expo. So she explained the rules and how it works. But as I said, the Revolution 1828 was missing. There were lots of interesting games, kids games especially, but I didn't want to spend my time looking at them. But one that I saw was this Pegasus. And <laughs> it's basically a game where you try to match bodies to heads of different animals and it's actually a very interesting idea and it might be even a good game I think it might be a good game they also had this other game that you're trying to save your sheep from the wolf it's a farmyard rush or something I might remember the name wrong I will check it for the later part because we played it with the with my daughter during the expo and it looked so good that I thought that now we have to find this when we go on Sunday with the daughter and we have to try this because it looked really nice and I wanted her to see the Pegasus also and we did both on Sunday more on those a bit later but that's about it for the pre-show I stayed there almost the whole time I left a bit before it closes and I didn't really talk with people I talked with Luke, Hector and Dave Lusa but Dave didn't seem to remember me 
and then she was there also. She said that he had played this, um, she Garcia that is, he had played this pandemic rapid response and there's a review coming up soon or that day. I think it came on that day or the previous day. Uh, but he didn't tell me his opinions. I said, did you like it? He didn't reply. I don't know why he didn't reply. Maybe he wanted the video to be watched, but he said he had played it. Uh, yeah, I didn't really talk with many people. Uh, I went to talk with Bess, Shariari. Uh, they have this stuff by Bess uh, company, making these small games and quite interesting uh very, how can I say, interesting mm, card games and other types of games that have this word building stuff in them and they had them for show there and I tried to look at them and I went to see them because uh, they sent an email to me earlier saying that they like the show that show and I mean show and show that they like the podcast that I'm doing and would want to talk with me if it's possible. But I thought that I would have time to arrange these interviews and meetings during the expo, but uh, then I found out that it's not really possible this year because I took a different approach than last year. But let's see, if I go next year, maybe I do some kind of a combination of doing the interviews and actually playing some games because it seems that you have to choose one, you can't do both. But I really appreciate that she sent me email saying that she wants to meet and I should meet with them and it's nice coming from a designer and that also like the earlier email that I mentioned this lander they seemed personalized but this even more because she actually referred to the show and I noticed from SoundCloud that she had actually listened to episodes so it's really nice thank you Bess so all in all this pre-show was a good thing uh it was a bit, how can I say, frustrating that it began a bit late because I rushed to be there in time. So basically I just waited for half an hour because I came by train from the center of Birmingham. I could have come a bit later and not be in a rush. Then I got bored of waiting and began eating and then <laughs> they decided to open the door. So I was in the middle of eating my sandwich and... Ah. Yeah, but anyway... It was a good place to be. If I'm going next year to UK Games Expo, I'm definitely applying for press pass just for this event, if not for any other reason. Uh-huh, another visitor. Let's see who it is. Who are you? Wow, it's a scary question. It's, it's something I don't like to face myself. But my name is Ben Maddox. I'm an actor, teacher layabout and i also make a board game podcast that is absolutely in no way the same as desert island discs on bbc radio 4 all right i would have asked that what do you do next did you miss something that you do or did you just give all the information right away well you know i i think be concise be direct and to the point and that's the important thing get as much information out there as possible as quickly as possible that's how you make the bucks. That's a good opinion. But what makes you special or your uh, media special? Well, what makes me special is, is what I've done. Is I have built up a reservoir 
of anger, frustration and bitterness over the years. And rather than, you know, deal with it in a healthy way, I've swallowed it down deep, deep inside and I've pushed it as far inside me as I can. So one day when you've published this podcast, what's going to be amazing is that you can say, here is my interview with famous spree killer Ben Maddox after he slaughtered 95 people with a single knife. But... I'm not that slow at editing, sorry. But I'm not Richard (laughs) Simpson either. So let's see. But what makes my show special is very simple, really. It's the people that I speak to. So I, I speak to some of the best known names in board gaming. I've spoken to Rainer Knizia. I've spoken to Richard Garfield. I've spoken to Ignacy Trevicek. Uh, my last episode was Elizabeth Hargrave, who designed Wingspan. And if I have a talent, I guess, it's the ability to get those people to speak about things they usually don't talk about. I'm, I'm really not all that interested in marketing. So when I speak to these people, when I interview people, when they talk about who they are, it's, I mean, part of it is clearly, you know, I've got a new game coming out, but that's only a small part of it. It's, it's very, very different to most other board game media in the sense that they don't come on my show to sell games. They don't come on to sell their new project. They come on to talk about themselves in a three-dimensional manner, so who they are, what they care about. And I I think the show gets into stuff that is away from games. I I talk about mental health, I talk about depression, I talk about politics, and all of those sorts of things, because we kind of forget, I think, that the people whose names are on boxes are three-dimensional human beings with all the hopes and dreams and aspirations and frustrations and angers that we have. And I guess I try to open a door to that aspect of who they are as people, I guess. So you're trying to make them human instead of a name? Exactly. I think board gaming is slowly dragging itself out of the sort of ad hoc and amateur into the professional. And and not just in terms of great production and all of that, but in terms of being thought of as something more than a childish pursuit sat around a table. People are beginning to think about it in terms of an art form, I guess. And I like to, you know, these people that are responsible for so much fun that we've had in our lives with regards to games, I like to know what their process is, who they are as a person and how that contributes to the things they create. And it's interesting because you have a demarcation often between if a person has been around in the industry for a long time, they tend to look at games much, much differently to people who are just entering it and approaching it now. Yeah, I totally agree that you're able to do that in your show. You're not just trying to do it, you're able to do it. At least all those episodes that I've listened to, you're doing it very well. Well, that's that's the hope. Uh, what color do you play when you play... I always play... If you have to list three in order of... Yeah, I can list three easily. Red, red, and red. (laughs) So you're like me. Yeah. That's good. The problem is, it's not... It's got to a point now, if I don't play red, I move other people's pieces. And so I I, I have to do it. 
And so, yeah, it's it's just, I, unless, the only time I don't play red is if a game has sort of different characters that you start with and they have different powers. And so their color is connected to them. So I want to try the different characters with the different powers. So one time I'll try the yellow one, but I'll always start off with a character that's red. And if a game doesn't have red in it, I'm extremely put out usually. I'm exactly like you, except that if I play these different power characters that are not red, I will still move the red. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely, I do it all the time. It's bloody terrible. And <laughs> that's why that's why I have to play red, essentially. And yeah. often I'm the one who's got the game. It's my game. So if it's my game, I play with my bloody color. Exactly. Uh, which colors you don't want to play? If you have to list three, what colors do you dislike playing with? Um, blue, blue, and blue. Because blue is the colour of the British Conservative Party. It's also the colour of Everton Football Club. And so I have absolutely no desire to go near that vile hue. Blue is the worst. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, this. If you ever have a choice in, in life, if you ever have a choice between red or blue, often, often you're you're struck with sort of fifty-fifty decisions. And often with colours, it's red and blue. Always go red. Never go blue. Very deep British hatred against some blue, blue stuff. Absolutely. All right. Uh, What's the hottest game for you at the moment? If you could immediately play something without any constraints, you could get as many players as you want. You would have time that wouldn't go from the clock and such. What is the hottest game for you at the moment? Well, it's my favourite game, and it's the game that I think about almost all the time. And also, I got a sort of sneak preview of some of the expansion cards that are coming out at Essen, and that's through the ages. It's the game I want to play all the time. It's it's so wonderful. I think the, the longer I'm into gaming, two designers really stand out for me, and that's Vlada Chavatel and Rainer Knizia. And if if you wanted a second game that I really wanted to play, it would probably be Modern Art. I mean, just just these two games are absolutely brilliant. And they're, they're kind of conflicting in a way, because Vlada likes to stick everything in his games. And Through the Ages is just an absolutely perfect work of engineering with so many different moving parts. Whereas Rainer Knizia is the king of efficiency and the king of minimalism when it comes to games. Very few rules, but with just a singular twist that promotes all of this crazy depth. And yeah, so modern art are through the ages right now. Any of the games, I sort of, I really want to try Res Arcana because everyone says that's absolutely amazing. And also I got to play Escape Plan the other week. And that's really stuck with me. I really enjoyed Escape Plan. That kind of depth, I guess, is my wheelhouse. That sort of medium to heavy, but not super heavy kind of game it is really, really where I love playing. You know. Have you played other Vitala Saradas games? I've played Lisboa. And what I'm the thing is, I'm someone... What's, what's the language requirement on this? Um... Let's see. I might have a sound effect to beep something. <laughs> well, it wasn't going to be the big one. Uh, but, you know, I'm shit at games, right? I don't win. I, I'm not very good. And so I, I can see if someone's a min-maxer and someone really loves 
extracting every last point that Vital Lacerda games could be bogged down by, you know, the absolute labyrinth of choices. But what I've noticed with Vital Lacerda games, to play them, actually, you don't do very much. So Lisboa, essentially, you do one thing. And from that, a lot of depth comes. Escape plan, you move and then you do an action. And so I don't find them crazy difficult to play. I, I they, they strike me as actually to play them fairly simple. That being said, I usually come super last in any game that I play because I don't think into the depth of the game that a lot of people do. But then again, I played Escape Plan once and Lisboa once, so that would come, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've read many Vitala Zelda's rules, but I've only played Vinyos, and that game is one of the few games that I couldn't understand in the first playthrough. So I definitely right. have to play it again, because the, it's so simple and easy, and what you do is easy to decide, but everything is connected to each other. And I think Lisboa is the same, yeah. and also Kanban is the same according to the rules, that whatever you do... Affects to some, affects something else, and then it makes everything more difficult. But playing is not difficult. No, and and, and that's the thing when they say Vita Lasada's games are super, uh, are super heavy, and I, I guess they are, but they're not heavy like an Ameritrash game, which has a hundred rules and a hundred exceptions <laughs> to every rule. You know, to, to pick up and play, they're pretty simple. I think. Yeah, I agree. Are you playing through the edges on the app? Or just the physical version? No, I I haven't I I haven't downloaded the app. And frankly, I played one game. There's a, there's a, there's a website. It's called like bg bgwebsite.com or something. <laughs> where and all that is is through the ages. Uh, but I played one game through the ages on that. Frankly, I've tried with board game apps, and I just can't. I had the Carcassonne one. I had the Elder Signs one. And frankly, I don't get along with them. I I just don't like playing I like playing computer games but I don't like playing board games as computer games so everyone says it's wonderful I've no real desire to play it on the app and also it seems to me especially with something like through the ages that I love so much you hear people say all the time oh I'm kind of burnt out on that game now because I've played it 300 times on the app I don't want that to be the case with me I've got the game in a box I'll play it in a box yeah that's a valid point I have the app, I've played the app once, but I want to play the physical game. I haven't played the physical game, the new one, I played the old one, but the new one I haven't played physical, but I have played with the app. Yeah. And I want to play it in the physical version next, before I continue playing with the app. Yeah, it's absolutely glorious. It's, it's, I think it's almost unarguably the best game ever made. It's it's absolutely genius. And Vladar Chivatl, his breadth of games, that he designed simple word games and things like Through the Ages, is just it's just absolutely amazing. The guy is an absolute genius. And if I've spoken to a few people who've worked with him on projects, and all of them, to a, to a person, say, the thing about Vladar Chivatl is you come with an idea, and then he takes your idea and very politely explains to you why it's shit, and then does something <laughs> with that idea that makes it astonishing. I mean, I think in terms of true sort of board game design geniuses, I think there's there's no one to compare with him. Yeah, I think I agree with you, because he can design every kind of game and do it well. It's yeah. very rare talent amongst the designers in the board gaming. And, and none of them feel like... 
sort of academic exercises yeah. or sort of intellectual mucking around. They all feel like good, deep games that make you feel good to play, you know. And all of them are different. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's great. Uh, what's a game you don't want to play at the moment? You wouldn't play even if someone paid to you to play it right now. What game do you loathe? <sighs> There's one game that I absolutely loathed. I played it once... And I knew by the second turn <laughs> that I hated it. Like not even my turn, the second turn of the game. I was in. I was. I was playing last, and by the time it got to the end of the second player, I thought I really hate this game. And that was. Uh, oh God, what's it called now? It's just gone out of my head. That's terrible. My bro, my poor old brain. That's called. But isn't uh, it a good thing if you forgot it? <laughs> um, Except that you might play it again if you forgot the name. What's what's the Chinese bribing game from Andreas Stedding that just came out. Uh, Chinese bribing game. Uh, Gugong. Gugong. I hated that game. It seemed every design decision was there to limit what you could do, <laughs> but not in an interesting way. It was utterly frustrating. It, it was really long, and I found it insufferable. And... I haven't got as angry, and I didn't do that badly. I didn't come last, I came like second or something. But I just find it an utterly insufferable, frustrating, miserable experience that I do not want to repeat anytime soon. And I'm, I'm, very, I'm very eager to give games more than one chance. I, I played The Last Will three times and like it very much, and then on the fourth time, something clicked, and now I love it. But with Gugon, not a chance. Absolutely. That's, that's two and a half hours of my life I'm never going to get back. I've heard so many mixed reviews of that. Some people say that it's great, and some people say that it's absolutely shit, as you say. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, dreadful. And the thing is, he's designed one of my favorite games. He designed Hansa Teutonica, which is brilliant. But Gugon, not my thing. All right. So let's move on to the experience part. So ex- expo experience, <laughs> I guess that's fine. Um, did you go there this year? How many days did you go? Did you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yes, I arrived in England on the Thursday night. It's sort of like I got to the hotel at sort of 10 o'clock. And yeah, I left on Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, you didn't go to the pre-show on Thursday. Did you apply for the press pass? I, well... Um, no, I didn't get there on time I, because of my flight. It was oh. late. So I didn't get a chance to go to the press event. I went to the press event last year. Quite honestly, it's not very interesting. It's it's like every press event at a board gaming convention. I've been to a few now and it's people with their games laid out on the table and you can go and speak to them and ask them what their game's about. And that's it, really. It's it's, it's singularly uninteresting. What What is brilliant is what they do in Essen is they have that sort of thing. And then what they do is they leave all the games out for like two days. So if you've got a press pass, when you can go out from the convention, you can go to that room and it's super quiet and you can go around and sort of look at the games at your leisure without... And especially, I mean, the worst thing as well, you know, you've got all of these people and they're so eager to explain their game to you. And frankly... 
I can't judge if a game's any good unless I play it. So they can... And so I hate standing there for 20 minutes with someone going, and you do this and you do this, because I have no idea if it's good or not. I have to play it. So, no, I missed the press thing, and that's no bad thing. Yeah, I went there. It was my, my first time that I had a press pass anywhere. So, But I had this Finnish tactic. I was looking at the floor when I was walking. So I avoided right. many of those people, but they were so eager eager to talk. If you look at them immediately, they're saying that now this is my game, blah, blah, blah. And then you're stuck for 10 minutes at least. Yeah, yeah. But it was actually quite fun. I mean, it's nice, right? Having a press pass and getting to walk around and feel like a sort of journalist and things. I mean, all of that's great, of course. Yeah, at least it's an experience, if nothing else. For sure. How about your Friday? What did you do on Friday in the expo? What did I do on Friday? That's really interesting. Um, I sort of, well, I don't know if you've listened to it, but I released a show. So I walked around and just... I just just noticed it today. And it's yeah. two hours, so I, I didn't really listen to it yet. Well, well, you should, you should because it's all sort of five to ten minute interviews, so you can stop at any point. Ah, okay. So it's not just like one big show. I, I go around and speak to a lot of different people. So yeah, Friday was going around, getting interviews, speaking to, you know, people I've met or people I've only known over Twitter, you know, and actually getting to see them in person, which is great. The thing is, with the whole expo, I didn't play any games. I don't play games at conventions. Because I play games a lot at home. Conventions is about meeting people, drinking beer, and having fun. So rarely do I play games. Oh, I did play Letter Jam from CGE on the Friday, which is a sort of another CGE word game. And it's quite cerebral in a way that their other games aren't. And it was fine. But, you know... But you had to do it. I just want Vladimir Battle to do a big Euro game again. Paul Krogan made you do it, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> what was your best experience on Friday, if you can find from one day some kind of good experience? Or what was a good moment for you on Friday? Friday was really... The evening was great. And I, I'm finding this more and more with conventions. It's the when you leave the convention, it's it's sort of more fun. But Paul Grogan had this um, this sort of party at one of the hotels, and I, I think actually the highlight of the evening was watching the bar staff. I have never seen a stupider group of people in my life. <laughs> It's incredible. There were four people at the bar and it took them 20 minutes to serve four people. And there were three people behind the bar. It's absolutely incredible. Where they got these people from, I've absolutely no idea. It was quite astonishing. But that was really nice because there was loads of people there. And the thing with conventions is they're always really sort of spread out and it's sort of difficult to get people together in one place. But when there's an event, it's great because there are people just in one place and you get to fritter around like a butterfly and have a chat with all these people that you only get to see once a year or twice a year or you've never met before. And yeah, that night, the Gaming Rules sort of meetup was was great. Really, really nice. And did they make organic beer? They're like growing their own hops after you order or brew the beer after that or something maybe. That's why it took time. I mean, it certainly, it certainly felt like it. I mean, <laughs> I went to the bar and I looked at the guy and he said, yeah, what can I get you? Yeah. And it, it seemed like he didn't know what he was doing there. And I said, can I have a pint of cider, please? And he went, yes. 
<laughs> and then walked out of the bar. He just walked out of the bar. And just walked around somewhere for five minutes, then came back, then asked someone else what they wanted, then went to the till, then poured my cider. It was the, it was the bizarrest thing. It was almost as if it was some sort of performance art piece that they were putting on. It was super interesting. Maybe it was. Maybe it was planned by Paul. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was the gaming rules performance art evening. <laughs> yeah. Event indeed. Uh, how about Saturday? How was your Saturday? Did you go to any seminars during the well, Saturday- expo? No, I, I didn't go to any. I, I went around and interviewed people and that was about it, basically. And it, it sounds terrible because actually the highlights of my convention weren't at the convention, I guess. Because Saturday night was the Champions League final. Oh, yeah. And I'm a Liverpool fan. And Liverpool won the Champions League, which was absolutely amazing. And Gavin Birnbaum, the designer of QE, was at the bar with us, and he was a Tottenham fan. And I am a dreadful human being when it comes to football. And I shout, and I swear, and I'm aggressive. And the poor guy, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aggressive towards him, but he got the brunt of sort of my frustration and joy. (laughs) But yeah, watching Liverpool win the Champions League, surrounded by friends, was absolutely wonderful. And yeah, it was... I watched the last 10 minutes at the hotel. Yeah, I mean, the game was... the match. I forgot all about the match. The game was terrible. If you were a neutral, it was 90 minutes of the most turgid crap you'd ever wish to see. But (laughs) as a non-neutral, it was absolutely fantastic. It was actually interesting. We went back to London because we were flying off from London Sunday Mm. evening and there was a train full of Liverpool fans coming to the... Houston station and they were singing something and people were making path to them so that they don't collide with them or something I don't know what they were singing they didn't sing this you never stand alone they sang something else it was some kind of celebrity song celebration song I didn't hear it earlier I haven't heard it earlier what they sang but it was very interesting train full of red shirts coming there were a few Tottenham fans also but they were silent (laughs) (laughs) must have been a nice train ride but yeah, congratulations if you're a fan. Yeah, yeah, amazing. How about Sunday? Flight Sunday. <laughs> uh, Sunday was really nice actually, because Saturday was super busy, and I find that I'm getting a little bit. You get tired, right? And it's super busy, so yeah. I managed to get a demo in of Mega Cities Oceania from Hub Games, designed by Mike Fox. And it's a sort of city-building dexterity game. And it's it was super good. It took about 45 minutes. It felt like a real communal thing because you're all building the city together, although, you know, you're scoring points independently. And it's that whole thing that hub games are trying to do, to sort of shift the focus in games towards sort of real communal gaming. Because... I think this idea that gaming is a social thing is a bit of a misnomer in many ways. Because if you're playing a Euro game, often people will walk in, they'll go, hello, they'll look at their player board for 90 minutes and they'll say goodbye and then they'll leave. That's not socialising, that's playing a Euro game, right? Whereas, um, <laughs> whereas you know, Mega City Oceana is, is a genuinely interactive, social game. And it's really super interesting, super slick, super efficient in its design but really entertaining I, I enjoyed that immensely and then this is the first time I've been at a convention where I've stayed over on the Sunday night and that's really nice after the convention sort of 
finishes, all the exhibitors sort of pile out and they go to their hotels and you get to you get to sort of have that it's very zen, very relaxed. People wind down and you get to play a few light games and have a chat and yeah, Sunday was really lovely. It was probably my my favourite day there, I would say. Uh, did you find any gems, like hidden gem games or some games that you already knew that you want to look at? You said that you are not going to play them, but you went around interviewing people, so probably you went to interview some designers or publishers. So did you find some kind of surprise games or something yeah. that you knew beforehand I'm- that was good, but maybe it wasn't that good as you thought or something? Can you name a few? Well, I can name one that was, it was especially interesting, and I, I think... He told me that I was embargoed. I did an interview with him about it, and he said, you can't say anything until this date. But he's been releasing information about it, so I think I can say something a little bit. And this is um, Isle of Cats. Isle of Cats? I think that's what it's called. And I don't know if you're familiar with City of Kings? I've heard the name, but I haven't played the game. I might have seen it, but I haven't played it. Yeah, it's this guy. He started this publishing company about three years ago, and... He's a real force of nature, Frank, who runs City of Games. And, you know, he did City of Kings, which was a really super punishing co-op game, if I'm honest, not really for me. Felt like a sort of very much a planning, sort of inspired by a video game sort of thing. But then he brought out a lovely little card game last year called Vidoran Gardens, which kind of feels a bit like King Domino, kind of... And it's sort of a tile lane card game that's that looks super light, but is actually very thinky, but very nice, very rewarding game. And then he's coming out with this new game called Isle of Cats, which is a polyomino game. And you're sort of and he's developed this mythos, this universe, and all of his games are set in this universe. And it's about sort of extracting these cats from an island before this evil person kills them and you have a boat and you have to fit them on your boat and they're polyominoes and you have certain sort of goal cards on, and, and it looks, what it looks like is a really nice mid-weight sort of spatial Euro game and it, with with Frank, his production is always astonishing the art is always super beautiful and I think City of Kings is very much an acquired taste. Also, Vidoran Gardens is a little slight game that might not get an interest. But this is slap bang in the middle of medium weight Euros that are so popular. And I think it may do really, really well. And it looked like a super interesting game. I think I read it. From Twitter, some other people were praising that also. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of cat game there was at least. That was a big hit to many people. But it, I don't know if they were advertising it or if they just gave their opinions. You, I listened to your review clip today. That I managed to listen yeah. that you just recorded. But it's super interesting, yeah. It, it seems super interesting. I mean, the thing with the UK Games Expo, there's not loads of games released there. It's not like Essen where you have a thousand games released, you know. But... Um, yeah, I mean, the UK Games Expo is getting bigger and it's getting more sort of relevant and a lot of American people are going over there now, a lot of sort of American companies. And I think I think before long, sort of everyone will go, it'll get big. Yeah. But I like in UK Games, Games Expo that it's not like 
fully this selling or like a game fair that buy 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 or right absolutely such but there's also focus on the gaming and i think they have a really good balance that's my opinion i didn't go to any other bigger cons yet yeah i mean essen essen is not about gaming essen's about buying and maybe demoing i mean for me essen is about meeting people that i meet once a year you know uk games expo is less full-on than Essen. But Essen's magical. I, I always love going to Essen. And I think UK Games Expo is a bit relaxed convention in a way that... For sure. And, and people people are also relaxed. They don't seem like they are stressed or such. Especially on Sunday, they are so peaceful and relaxed. I mean, the one negative about the UK Games Expo is that it's at the NEC in Birmingham, which is kind of a self-contained kind of resort place. And you kind of get fed up after three days of being in a very, <coughs> excuse me, what feels like a kind of, I don't know, ev- all of it feels kind of like an airport. Yeah, that's And, true. you know, after about three days, you're like, okay, I've had enough of this. You know, everything's slightly overpriced and slightly lower quality because that's the nature of that thing, right? So after sort of three or four days, you're very happy to get out to a place where people actually live. But no, I think the UK Games Expo, I had a really good time this year. It was, I was pretty impressed. What's the best experience you had this year? If you had to pick one moment. At the Expo? Yeah, at the Expo or during the Expo or related to the Expo. Maybe not evenings, but <laughs> during the Expo. You know, I think it would have to be Mega City Oceania because it was a game that felt truly social in a way that uh, in a way that i haven't felt with probably any other game i've ever played it's really it's really original i think hub games i think their aspirations are super super admirable super interesting and i think they're going to end up being a big name at some point and and they're both really nice people which is nice was there something in the expo this year that you thought that could have been done better or handled better or what they could improve for the next year? You know, there was this big scandal <laughs> yeah. with this guy who did a role-playing game and it was... That was ridiculous. I mean, what he did was absolutely ridiculous, yes. Yeah. I mean, my God. <laughs> but at the same time, throwing him out of the expo, banning him from the expo... You shouldn't be condemned to death because you're an idiot. You should have your wrist slapped because you're an idiot. And the problem is, you see it You see it everywhere now. It's a real issue because people are so scared about what is going to happen on Twitter that they go to the most extreme form of punishment imaginable. I, I think what they did, the way they handled it, in the sense of the press release that they did. All of that was super slick, super clever. But I think they over-egged the punishment on the guy. You know, I think he should have been taken into a room and said, you know, what the f*** are you doing? Never do this again. It's moronic. But, you know, to kick him out and ban him and you're never allowed back and all of that. It's just, yeah, people are so scared of Twitter that they go to the most extreme forms of punishment and I, I think, uh, I, I hear so much. I, a friend of mine at the moment is having an issue with his firm. Not with him, but with some people did something that's dumb in their firm. And they've been fired for it. 
And, you know, it's being condemned to death for being a moron. I think you should be given a chance. If you do something dumb, you should be given a chance to prove you're not always a moron. Yeah, that's actually a good Putting point. someone in front of a firing squad is, is very... is dangerous. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Maybe they let the guy to plea or something. Maybe they will lift the ban or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, this is the hope, right? Yeah. But that that's actually um, a very sh- good viewpoint that you made. That, And I agree that people are so afraid of how the social media will react to something happening somewhere. And even media people who are making board game media, media and such, they are also thinking, what can you say? Because someone might attack with the dogs or such. I mean, I, without I think, naming names, but yeah, still. People are so f- scared now. People are so yeah. scared of saying something and having the, you know, having the pack descend on them and rip them to pieces. And it's it's concerning because I think on both sides, and I think it's an American thing by and large, Yes. but on both sides, it's so bloody dogmatic, right? And you have to... You have a checklist of things you have an opinion about, and you have to have this opinion about this checklist of things. And if you don't check one of the box, well, you're thrown out of the group, and you're you're completely cancelled, and no longer have, you know, the ability to comment anymore. Yeah. And that's hugely authoritarian. And I think, I think Twitter is becoming a very authoritarian place, and it's you know to some degree the tyranny of a mob. And I think that's deeply dangerous. And I I felt it and I, I'm starting to care less about yeah. that now. I'm I, I'm pretty sure that I don't hold beliefs that are objectively horrendous. And so I think when I talk about things Yeah, I, I'm just very big on there are people who don't agree with you, and just because they don't agree with you doesn't mean they're a dragon. They're still <laughs> yeah. a fucking human being. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe maybe some sometimes it seems that there there are people who have a list and maybe once a day they make a search that who wrote something about something and then they go and get annoyed to those people or they make themselves sad and then they attack and such. I mean it feels sometimes very very wrong kind of a behavior in the Twitter. You know I I I used to do it myself. I mean because of the anonymity because you're not face to face with a person it's so easy to fire yeah. off an angry tweet back at someone. Yeah. And it's so easy. And you've, the, the, the problem is, if someone says something dumb on Twitter or, or someone has a belief that you shouldn't... I mean, the great example is that guy who does the alien cartoons. Yes. Now, the guy who does the alien cartoons is a pro-lifer, right? Yeah. And I don't agree with that. I think, you know, I think that's something that is... I think that attitude, that, that, uh, that view on sort of abortion is deeply dangerous. But that's one aspect of his personality. And to completely cancel him and call him evil and an asshole and no one should go near him. He's just objectively insane. You know nothing about the guy. You know nothing. You you don't know why he's reached this conclusion about this particular issue. And just because he has this view on this particular issue doesn't mean that he's then instantly a Nazi. But this is what... 
the internet says, and you should. And, and the problem is, you go on the internet, you say something worthy, a thousand people like your tweet, and then that turns into the reason why you do it. It's nothing about making the world a better place. It's about getting that notification on your phone and that fire of endorphins in your brain that makes you feel better, right? Yeah, and also that tweet that they dug up from his past, it was from 2017, beginning of 2017. So it's already two years old, This from this Nathan... We pile and and and, and this pro, quite, pro quite frankly, it's a it's an old tweet. Someone dug it up and then they threw it at him. And quite frankly, you're getting your fucking cartoons for free. Do you like the cartoons? Who gives a fuck yeah. what he thinks about abortion? Quite honestly, <laughs> you know, you're not yeah. you're not feathering his pocket with this. I mean, it's just yeah, and you don't know him. And to judge per, to judge people based on one aspect, and I understand, I understand that people say, well, this attitude is dangerous. But why do they hold that attitude? Find out. To what degree are they virulent about that attitude? Find out. You know, it's it's always leaping to the most extreme conclusion. It's over massive overcorrection. Yeah. And the reason is, is because the more extreme you are, the more exclamation marks you put at the end of your tweet, the more likely you are to get a whole row of people liking your tweet. And that makes you feel good at the end of the day. Yeah, and the pro- biggest problem, in my opinion, is that you are going there and shouting with the megaphone, and you have headphones on, and you don't listen to anyone else. You have your opinion, right. and it's the correct opinion, and there is no changing it. If someone disagrees with you, you just block them. It's it's not a proper way of communicating, because every interaction needs both sides. It needs listening and talking, otherwise it's not an interaction, otherwise it's an action. You know what every interaction doesn't need? It's... Twitter. Twitter's a terrible place to have a discussion. It's an appalling place to have a discussion. So don't have a f***ing discussion with people on Twitter because inevitably it'll end up becoming angry because 280 characters isn't enough. <laughs> and it's not an interactive tool anyway. It's an active tool. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We a bit went to from rails maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's normal in the evening. Uh how about, would you suggest UK Games Expo for someone who hasn't gone to a bigger convention earlier, as the first convention to go to? You know, my first convention was Essen, and there's not one bigger. I I mean, I think it depends kind of what you're going to the convention for. I, I think if you're just getting into, if it's your first convention, it's very likely that you're just getting into the hobby. And you've got that wide eyes and you're really enthusiastic about everything. And something like the UK Games Expo is great because you get to go around these stands. You get to see all of this new stuff. You get to play games with people. And I mean, one thing I would suggest, play games with strangers. You know, don't just go and sit in a clique with all your your friends because the one thing conventions do... Why a convention is better to play games at than games night is because you get to meet new people. And that's a really valuable thing. And if, you know, if the reason you like gaming is because of the social aspect, then there's nothing better than that. Yeah, go out, meet people, and, and do the exciting stuff. Do the demos, go to the panels, all of that. Take it all in. And the UK Games Expo is very manageable as a convention. And the only and also the people are very nice in England. Yeah, I mean it's it's when so... you play with them, they are very they're super kind. You know, there's such a there's such a imbalance between 
the way people vote and the way people are that depresses me so much sometimes. But British people... You have to pull the politics in. Come on. <laughs> the British people are super nice. They're just yeah. idiots when it comes to general elections. <laughs> but they shouldn't be punished for it, so they shouldn't vote for Brexit. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How about if a foreigner, let's say, I came from Finland, so if someone wants to fly to a convention, uh, should they rather go to UK Games Expo, SN, ChenCon or Origins? Well, it depends what you want, right? Um, I think people tell me, I've never been, but people tell me that basically UK Games Expo and Origins are very similar. Yeah. Sort of similar in size, similar in attitude. So that's a geographical thing. If you're in Europe, go to the UK Games Expo. If you're in, you're closer to North America, go to Origins, right? No. Um, if you're a gamer and you're really into gaming, I think everyone should go to Essen at least once. It's a, it's a real experience. Everyone's there. It is the center of the gaming world. It has, you know, all of the European publishers, all of the American publishers. It's huge. It's exciting. It's really, really invigorating. And yeah, Essen is astonishing. Gen Con, I've no idea. I've never been. I'd love to go, but it's so expensive. Yeah. And the thing, the thing with the UK Games Expo, the problem with the UK Games Expo is the problem with the Anglo-Saxon countries is that as soon as they realize something is popular, all the hotels ha- hike up the prices. So I was at the Ibis Styles. And on the, I got there on the Thursday, and there's a sign saying rooms from X amount of money, and it was like rooms from 120 pounds a night, right? On the Sunday, when they knew the expo was over, I, I saw the sign, and it said rooms from 70 pounds a night. Yeah, and and that's actually reasonably cheap. The the Hilton, I the first expo I went to, I managed to get in the Hilton for 30 pounds a night because they were having some special offer, which was amazing. Yeah. Now, now the Hilton's absurd. It's 200, 300 euros a night, uh, 200, 300 pounds a night. It, it's absolutely insane. That's the problem with it being at the NEC is that you're kind of bound into going to those hotels and they're fleecing people. Yeah. It's just inevitable because capitalism is absolutely dreadful. Yeah. The great thing about Essen is it's happening, but much, much more slowly. Essen actually is much, much cheaper than the UK Games Expo to go to. And it's cracking. And if you're into sort of board game celebrities, if you're into seeing sort of all the designers you love, they're all there. Yeah. We actually, last year when we came, we stayed in the center of Birmingham. It was 80 pounds a night. This year we stayed two nights in Crown Plaza. It was 200, but we had to take a double room because they didn't let our kid to sleep in the same bed with us. They said, no, you need a room with two double beds, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Would we put the three-year-old to a double bed alone? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> so insane. they forced us to take a bigger room. That's why it was a bit over two hundred pounds per night. It's too much still. Yeah, it's too but, much. It's too much, yeah. and unfortunately, it seems like the UK Games Expo kind of, as an organisation, aren't doing anything about it. I mean, I don't know if there's anything they can do, but you know, there's yeah. They are promoting their discounts, but the discounts are not really there because they are first added to the price, and then the discount is from the added price. Right. So. I think that it's the price that they would sell the rooms anyway. Yeah, and and the, the point hotel. is, I, I wonder whether... I mean, sort of, I was there as a guest of a publisher. So had it have been... I wouldn't have gone to the UK Games Expo had I have had to pay the money that it cost. I mean, it's so bloody expensive. 
but the flights are very cheap from here. We got the flights for less than 150 back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, return flights, they were really cheap. We wouldn't have gone if they were more expensive, but they were so cheap that we decided that we'll go. Right. Uh, is there something you would like to add on the UK Games Expo or what we have talked so far? Yeah, I think the UK Games Expo, I really had a good time this year. I think it's a really nice balance between a sort of intimate con and a bigger con with sort of events and interesting stuff. But... The only caveat is accommodation is expensive and there's not really there's not really many other options. Unless the problem is you wanna be at the convention, but if you want accommodation that's not crazy expensive, you you have to leave. You have to get on the train and leave at the end of the night and go into Coventry, which is not far, it's thirty minutes. Birmingham, which is even closer, but of course the problem is you're then not at the convention playing games till two o'clock yeah. in the morning, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's either or. If you want to save hundreds of pounds, you stay in the even Birmingham Centre next to the train station. Yeah. Or then you pay more and you play more. Right, exactly. That's what you have to choose. So I think we are done, but do you want to say where you can be found? Of what course. We, we, which kind of podcasts, what are the names where you can be found just Feel free to promote yourself. Okay, so basically I run what is called the Five Games for Doomsday podcast. And so basically the premise is is that there's been an apocalypse, you've had to flee the city to a cabin in the woods, and you can only take five of your games with you. And from that, a whole world of interesting facts blossom. Then I also write reviews that I'm, I'm sort of particularly proud of, of all kinds of games. I do convention coverage when I go to conventions, so I interview people at the convention, usually in varying states of inebriation. And also I have a show that comes out every other Wednesday called The Guild, and that's basically where I put a question up on my board game Geek Guild, and then I get a guest, and we go through the question, we talk about it, and we see the answers that the listeners have done. And yeah, so you can go to fivegamesfordoomsday.com, Listen to every show there. You can follow me at Five Games for Doomsday on Twitter. And yeah. And if you like the show, get a Patreon. Give me some money. <laughs> Why is it a Finnish person listen to you? Your guild guild and the cabin, they are in the England. So why is it a Finnish person listen to you? Well, firstly, you love cabins, right? So <laughs> yeah, that's true. You actually. should feel at home with that. Secondly, my show is not just for one type of person, it's for everybody. No, seriously, the guests I get on are so forthcoming, so interesting, we talk about so much, that they're not just artefacts of board gaming. They're also great general listening too. And I think I think what I'm trying to do is chronicle these people so there is some record of who they are as people, not just the games that they publish. And I think if you're interested in interesting stuff, you should listen to the show because the guests I get on are super interesting people. And The Guild is also a good addition. I really like that show, personally. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Ben. It was nice having you chat. Yeah, yeah, you too. So... Go back to your cabin and maybe there are some zombies or 
Sat. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to go and kill a lot of zombies tonight. You know, it was exciting at first, and now it's just basically like doing the washing up. It's, it's very dull. They are like the pack in the Twitter. First it was interesting, and now it becomes so boring. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good night. Have fun with the zombies. Night. Let's hope that Ben can manage to get rid of those zombies at his cabin. Also, it's very interesting that he only dropped five <laughs> F-bombs during the whole chat that I found from there. So thank you, Ben, one more time. You didn't make me do much beeping for your speech. Let's go further with the experience of mine. On Friday morning, we changed hotels from the center of Birmingham to uh, this neck area we stayed at Crown Plaza the prices were ridiculously high everywhere but Crown Plaza seemed to be the best one price quality wise if going next year I think that with these prices I would stay in the center and what's funny is that they I mean we were coming with the kid and it, she's three and I sent email to the hotel that if we come with the kid, we want one bedroom. Because when you check from the page, they kept two double bedrooms. It's ridiculous. I mean, do they really think that we put a three-year-old kid to sleep in a double bed? I mean, it's it's completely... and It's, it's nonsense. I mean, if I reserve a hotel from Finland, I choose... I mean, I can choose. If you put a child age to a certain age... You choose, does he sleep or does the kid sleep with the parents or in a separate bed? You choose it. Here they automatically assume that we need two double beds. Who the hell, sorry, who in the world needs two double beds for three people? If one of the people is three-year-old kid. And no, they said that no, we, you have to get double bedroom. I mean, it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> the price goes up, up of course, and it, it, was a bit, it was a bit silly how they handled it from there and I, I really don't understand what was wrong with the guy didn't understand that the kid will sleep with between us of course I mean I don't think are there any parents listening to this who would put their kid to sleep in alone in a double bed or is there a parent here who would make it so that one parent sleeps in one double bed one in the other double bed and kid sleeps with one of them I mean I really don't understand maybe it's some kind of a British thing but it's not understandable to me here actually the trend is even that the kid would sleep at home with the parents until they want to sleep in another bed. I mean, it's encouraged to have this family bed. That there's a big bed, everyone can sleep in the same bed. It brings closeness to the family. I mean, the kid has her own bed at home, of course, but every morning, some before we wake up, she comes to sleep with us for a few hours. And so I, I really don't understand. But then again, it can be our problem rather than the hotel's problem. Anyway, we changed the hotels and they were kind enough to let us check in at 12 o'clock. But normally it would be 3 o'clock, but they said that, okay, we can make a room ready at 12 because we went there after 11. So we waited a bit and then we got our room. And then we went to the expo area and I think I got into the expo, what was it? Maybe afternoon one or two or something like that. And... Of course, I had to go and watch this 
live show, so I went to watch this Dice Tower top 10, and I, I mean, my friend also came there to the expo, so we were with him some for some time hanging around in the expo, and we went to the top 10, and <laughs> we got the front row seats. I later found out that they were actually some people's reserved seats, but the lady who was guiding people to go to their places, they said that there are two seats empty in the front, so we went to the front. <laughs> it was a bit interesting to be in the front row, right in front of them, when they were giving the top ten. But it was nice, and you could really see their faces and everything during the top ten. It was a good top ten, a bit better than last year in my opinion. At, le- at least it was very funny. And on Friday, just mostly hanging around, checking the places, what is where, what games can you play, and what is available, and how much they cost, and such. We played only one game, we played Smile, and we compared it with the um, No Thanks a bit, that how it works and what it is. I don't know which one is better. No Thanks is easier, Smile is a bit... No, well, there's not really that many rules that are more different, but it has more rules and I don't really know which one is better. Both are so similar to each other. Then, ah, one more. Who might it be this time? I wonder, let's see. Who are you? I'm Tom, and I make a series of videos on a channel called Slicker Drips. Uh, It's mainly playing through board games, and I give my thoughts about them and stuff, and there's sometimes top tens and things like that, but mainly playing through games against a glass cat. Alright, what do you do? Besides this board game media, you don't have to tell if you don't want to tell, but if you want to tell. Uh, I, I work in a record shop outside it. That's my main job. That's cool. And this side job is kind of r- running the risk of overtaking it. <laughs> but this is all done in kind of evenings and weekends and one day in a week. Uh, what makes the content special that you make or the channel Slicker Drips? Besides the name, what makes it special? <laughs> Well, I I like I like playthroughs more than anything. They're the kind of thing that I always used to watch. I I started out like probably most people watching reviews and things, and I still watch them. But the main the main help for me when I'm trying to get a feel for a game is watching playthroughs, and so that's the kind of thing that I wanted to make. And originally it was supposed to be like a solo channel for doing videos just for just for one player, and it's kind of it's kind of twisted and well, not twisted. That's a that's a bad way of putting it. It's evolved, kind of beyond that, and it's 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 a mixture now of mainly two player, and I still try and do solo because there's a lot of people that just want that. But uh, yeah, and it's it used to be from kind of a handheld perspective, but now it's I'm I'm experimenting at the moment by trying to make it all look nice by putting it on tripods and things. But yeah, going all the way through a game and trying to not have a, a kind of how to play tutorial section but trying to teach the game as you're going through it but yeah never 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 trust my teach 100 <laughs> percent yeah i'm I, there for the feel that that's my get out clause i'm there for the feel of the game not I, the rules i like the two player stuff that you do i watched a few but not the long ones i don't really have time to watch the playthroughs but the yeah. overviews the two player overviews yes. they're quite good yeah, so, some of the playthroughs go to an hour and a half or more. They get pretty long, especially if it's a complicated game. Yeah, that's but true. Yeah, I, but I it, like that 
It, all, the ones that I would watch, like say say a Rado video that I would watch, if you would get really into the game, often he wouldn't go all the way to the end of them, and so like that would that was kind of the part of the idea originally that I really want to see the end of these games. I'm really invested in it right now, and you have to cut off and go to the next one. But I, I want to see how this one goes. But yeah, yeah at, at the same time, I can completely see why he does that because it takes ages. Yeah, true. But it's like electric cut in a cinema. If you're watching a movie and then you cut electricity yeah. goes, so you don't see the ending. Yeah, yeah. You want to see how this all goes. If if, if like it's a it's an engine building game or something, and you yeah. want to see how oh he's just he's building this thing up. How does this turn out? Yeah, or any so, Euro game actually. If they have enough strategy, you just yeah get the feel at the end of the game, not in the beginning or during. Yeah, you want to see how it all pans out towards the end. Yeah, so there's like they they get split up now into I try and make just a video where it's maybe the first round or two to give you I try and do most of the things in that first video as well try and show off most of the bits of the game so that if you if you do just want 20 minutes or something then hopefully you'll get an idea of the game in that and then if you want to go all the way to the end there's a separate video for yeah. that that's that's the that's the huge chunk yeah the short ones are actually good to help teaching the game when you're learning the rules you can look at those and then you can use them to teach the game to others yeah it's it's good as like it's it's how I'd I'd used playthroughs before I made them as well that they they don't necessarily teach you the game totally but if you watch a playthrough and then read the rulebook you've got like a frame of reference for everything that the rulebook's telling you you've kind of seen it set up and you've seen the flow a little bit so when you read it it makes it makes a lot more sense to me anyway yeah that's true as long as you make less mistakes than Rado does then it's fine slightly fewer <laughs> slightly <laughs> One it's it's am it's amazing how much you miss when there's like a camera between you and the game. It's really surprising, even for <laughs> even for games that I know and I've played so many times. Like like I think R Roll for the Galaxy was one I did recently. That's a game we absolutely love, and I set it up wrong. <laughs> and so like you've spent hours filming this thing, and you're like, you forgot to give you forgot to give the players two extra dice at the start. Yeah, but that's also because no one is commenting if you make a mistake. Yeah. If there are others commenting, then you can handle those mistakes. But you're alone, then there's no one to help you in a way. Yeah, you, you only really... F that's that's kind of the trouble of it. You, f you only find out you've made these mistakes after you've spent hours and hours filming it and then editing it. And yeah. so then you have to decide what's what's the threshold of how bad is this mistake? Will will this ruin the game? If, if, I've, if I've played something and... I've completely misrepresented the game. Then you've just got to you just got to do it again and forget that first one ever happened. But yeah, that's true. Like hopefully, as as long as there's a message on the screen saying I messed that everybody should have one more dice. Just bear that in mind. I've made the game unnecessarily harder for myself. Like, when you play it, it will be a lot easier than this. Like a lot, a lot of the times, that's okay. Or or if I'm forgetting to if I say I'm doing something and then don't pay for it, then. Yeah, it's 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 not going to teach you the game wrong. It's just me being forgetful. Because I I play two player games. Just it's just me playing against myself, essentially. So it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in each other's strategies, and you're trying to make them play different things. So it's easy to forget what one was doing, or that one was getting ready to pay for this thing in the next turn. It all turns into a big jumble sometimes. Depends how complicated the game is. Yeah, of course. Uh, what colors do you want to play with? If you have to choose three colors that are your favorite, oh. 
I try and always choose red. Good. And then it's orange. And I quite like I quite like playing purple, but my my girlfriend Rachel that I always play with, that's her colour, so that's kind of off limits. But usually the usually it's red or whatever's closest to red. And then if someone else chooses red, then I'm gonna be moving the I'm gonna be moving the red pieces regardless. And yeah. having to having to be told off constantly. It's the same. So I'll never problem. remember that I'm green for this game or something. Yeah, it's really difficult, especially in some games that where they have this variable powers depending on the color. It's really difficult yeah. not playing red. Yeah. Uh, what are your three least favorite colors to play with? If you can avoid some colors, what do you want to avoid? I don't really like like when when games have like kind of muted colors and it's like. They have brown, or they have like the unpainted wood and things like that. I don't and white. I don't. I like it being colourful, really. Like those the the plain ones, or maybe the really dark ones. I'm not really that into when it's it's when it's kind of variations on wood shades. Like they're, they're probably the ones that I'd avoid. But generally, and anything colourful, I'm okay with, as long as I can remember that that's supposed to be me. <laughs> okay. Uh... What's the hottest game at the moment that you would play immediately if there were no restrictions, no time restrictions, or you could get as many players as you wanted at the moment? At the moment, it's probably Midara that is it's getting a bit of buzz again now because it's back on Kickstarter, but we, we got the first box a couple of months ago, I think, maybe a little bit longer, and we spent at least at least a month just constantly playing it. It's a, it's a great big dungeon crawling RPG game with a you know a huge textbook storybook thing so it's like it's something that demands your time and your attention and a lot of it and it's uh, we're really into those kind of games and at the moment it's kind of gone the way that our the same thing happened when we got Gloomhaven and that's that's our favorite game like still now and I think we, we got maybe two or three months of constant play out of that and we played it every day and then at a certain point it had to be put off to the side for me to film something or to play something else and then it's kind of stayed that way and that's kind of what happens just because of you know you need to play the next game you need to the next kickstarter needs to be done in the next couple of weeks yeah. you need to get things ready and so at the moment we're at the stage where i'm worried that that's happening to madara because it's been it's been about 3 weeks probably maybe a little bit longer since we played it and it's all kind of set off set up off to the side somewhere and like yeah, I'm, I'm worried that it's just going to stay that way. But hopefully, like if it, I need to, I need to grab that time from somewhere because yeah, Kickstarters and everything got in the way, and you've got to film the next thing. But I want to see what happens to all of our characters. We're really invested right now, and we can. It's all fresh in our minds. Is it story driven also, like Gloomhaven? Yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's there's a lot more story than Gloomhaven. In that, like, there's there's um, there's sometimes pages of story in between the scenarios. There's a, there's a there's a free kind of companion app that's got an audio book to it, and not not for every scenario, but there's been times when it's been kind of thirty minutes of story in between the scenarios. So it's it's a lot of story, like enough where I can understand the comments from people where they're like, "That's way too much. <laughs> I don't want that." But yeah. for us, we've we've been really. I suppose it depends on whether whether you get hooked into the story whether like it's grabbed you and whether you're invested in it and we we were pretty quickly and so we're okay with 
just sitting back and listening to what's going to happen. And we're only, I, I, I don't, we had, we didn't count how many times we've played it, but we there are five chapters in the game in this great big textbook of a scenario book, and we are one. We've done one chapter of it, and already spent so many hours playing it, and then realized, oh, we're, we're a fifth of the way through this, so we've still got. <laughs> Like we, we've still got plenty to save up for the future, but then, oh, we've we've got plenty that we we might never play if we forget about this. Yeah. And then the, the thing that's on Kickstarter now is like two more boxes of that size, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a in an ideal world we would be playing all the way through that and finding out all of the story and stuff. But yeah, in in reality, I'm worried that it's it's gonna get kind of shelved for a little bit, but. Yeah, it's maybe a it's it's going to be a summer project to get these games out and get remembering them again. Because for, for Gloomhaven, an expansion's just come out. Yeah, that carries on from the main story. Did you finish we, the main story? No, I think we 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 definitely got. We're about past halfway. I think I did look at the flowchart kind of with my eyes blurred a little bit, so I didn't <laughs> spoil myself too much. But just to see how far we are. But we we got. We definitely get very wrapped up in doing. Oh, we've got all these side quests available. The yeah. main quest can wait. Kind of the, the we're both used to play a lot of kind of the role playing video games, and both are terrible for getting completely distracted by side quests and little optional things. It's like, well, it's there, so we have to do everything. But then you realise, oh, we've well, all of this time we should have been doing the main story. Now we we could have finished it in all of this time. Yeah. But yeah, we Gloomhaven would be a great one to bring out again as well because not only do I want to find out what's happening to that world, there's an expansion to it now yeah. that we, we can't get because I don't want to spoil ourselves on the main thing. Yeah, that's true. But it'd be some combination of those things. Actually, same happened to us with my wife with Gloomhaven. We played it when it came like one and a half years ago in autumn or summer. I packed the first one anyway. And yeah. then we managed to play it in the autumn we put it inside the table and we played, played, played a few times. Not that much, but for a two-week period of time. Yeah. And that's quite often for us. And yeah. then we just closed the table and it's still there. <laughs> that yeah. same scenario is set up and we didn't have time to open it. Yeah, it was it was kind of permanently set up on our table for such a long time and kind of shoved off to the side when I needed to film something. Yeah. But yeah, it's been, it's been put away for a while now and really that's that's one of my main... That's not a regret because I can still fix it. But it's yeah, one of the main things that I think about. That like, if we could pull anything out, oh, I want to. I want to get back to Gloomhaven. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Maybe next autumn. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, what game you don't want to play currently? What What do you dislike the most at the moment? I I don't think any particular game. I don't think there's anything I've played recently that I've really hated. Like I tend to. The worst that we tend to get is something that's kind of disappointing and kind of average that we thought was going to be really great. So I try and I try I try and I spend a lot of time reading rule books and talking to like if I get asked to do a game, talking to the people, talking to the designer or something, and saying, "Is this going to be for us?" So I don't think we ever play anything that's completely the opposite of what I like. But it's generally if we, if we get something and maybe I haven't done all of my due diligence and there's a lot of kind of fighting in it like we do we really don't like that we like incredibly extremely peaceful players and to the, to the point where when a game's got it 
in there and it's got a little bit of stealing or destroying the other player's stuff. We know that neither of us is ever going to do that, and so it kind of... Through through no fault of the games, we know that we're not playing the game properly, and we're not kind of getting into the spirit of it, because we, like... If, if the game's supposed to be like Scythe, a lot of the game is kind of the threat of violence between the players. Not not so much of the fighting, but kind of the the threat that it might happen is a lot of the game, the kind of mind games in that. And when both of you know that the other one is never going to do that, it kind of it, it it guts the game really, and kind of feel sorry for oh we're not we're not giving it a chance to shine here. You really so like British Radar. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's that's kind of that's. It's definitely the the most similar to my tastes, and I think sometimes I think we've kind of we've gone off the deep end with this uh, Care Bear stuff. That it gets more and more extreme. That like we when we started, we were playing things like um, Small World and the Back to the Future card game. That's quite a take that game, and now I would never even dream of playing anything like that. I think it's the more we the more games we play, the the more that we hate that kind of stuff. So you don't have any game that you don't want to play. It doesn't have to be a new game. I don't think you're too political, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm too nice and diplomatic about it. I don't. I don't really remember them now. You must have played like, some crap game, like, really, so, in your life. So social deduction games are ones that, like, again, that I, I I really like watching them being played, and then people have a like through politeness and wanting you to be involved. People are like, no, no, play it, play it. We don't. You don't want to just sit there on the outside. You've got to play these things, and I'm just absolutely awful at them. Like I, I just, I, I, I don't understand what is supposed to be going on in there and how we're supposed to be figuring out who's lying and stuff. And that you, you're not going to believe me anyway. It just, I can't see. Like it's, it's just, I'm, I'm just seeing the, the matrix code of the game, and it's just all symbols to me. I'm not seeing the, the magic that everyone else is seeing behind it. And I know that it's something that I'm missing because there's clearly something there, and everyone else in the room is having a lot of fun. I'm try I'm trying to do it. Whereas, yeah, I know some people that kind of just if if you put me in this game, I am I am not going to do well in it at all. I do not want to participate in these. I'll try, but I will be terrible. I'm a terrible, especially if I'm on the bad guys team. Kind of think the good guys should win this. Like, is it worth me lying too much? <laughs> yeah, I'm asylum, but I don't want to break the ship. To the, to yeah. The jump. Yeah. I, I wish we had a chance to play Battlestar Galactica. Actually, like, I, I don't. I think we really wouldn't like it. But there's kind of it's. We we both loved the show, and yeah. we ha we had it. It it was one of the first games that we got, and we never ever got around to it. I think we 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 made serious plans to do it a few times at a game group, but it was always going to be too long for the time we had. Like at at the pub for for those sessions, but like maybe maybe that'd be one to watch. It'd be a long one to watch, wouldn't it? It's about three hours or something. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but it's a, it's a good game if you uh, play it without any rush. You shouldn't play it if yeah. you have a rush somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that would. I think in the in in the end we ended up trading it away or something. But that'd be kind of one that maybe one day we'll go to that. I think that I think the the battle star theme might be enough to get over our social deduction awkwardness <laughs> yeah that, like, that's true but, but now so it's good. it's crazy rare isn't it now yeah it's been out of print for so long that it's 
it's like I, this whole thing. I actually thing. saw in the UK Games Expo, this is a good segue actually, to the <laughs> experience part, but there was one for sale in wraps for 170 pounds, I think. I think Satu had it. Wow. They had it un- unwrapped. Yeah. And Just just for the first game, is that? Yeah. Wow. Or, or then I remember the price wrong, but already last year in the, in the bring and buy, there was one copy and it was really expensive. I don't yeah. remember the price. I didn't go to bring and buy this year because it was too far. Yeah, we should have go. we should have held on to our copy for a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet we just I bet ours was about thirty pounds or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We we went to the bring and buy this year, and it's kind of I, I know they're doing the best. I don't want to put down the staff there. They've made they've made more space every year. The bring and buy is a bit bigger, but yeah. it's it's so crazy there. It's so packed with people and games everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so I could, yeah, I could totally understand not wanting to go through it. Yeah, last year already was bad. I tried to go there five times, but Sunday morning I managed to. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, they they had a whole half a hall behind it. Maybe it's maybe it's pr- money saving not having the whole hall, but they they should just do a massive space for that yeah. boy. Yeah, it would it would be queue. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, there's just no space to walk around inside it. And like they, they can't really do that much with organizing the games, so they just have to be on great big tables and stuff. It's yeah, I, th- I think either problem wouldn't be so bad. Like if it, if it was packed but it was organized really well, yeah, it would be better. But who's got, who's who's got time to do that? But then if they were all kind of laid out on tables and there was a lot of space to move around, then it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, that's but, true also. Yeah, I, d- I don't know how they go about so solving any of those problems because it seems the more space they give it the more games get put in and the more people yeah. go. So they're kind of stuck at the moment. Yeah, but it's good that they're arranging it, actually. Yeah, and, and it's... Uh, I, th- I think that all of the fees and everything that they take, or at least a lot of them, go to charity. So yeah, that's it all great. works out really well. So anyway, on the experience, or experience, you went two days, right? Yeah, we just... We were, we were casual visitors this year at the... UK Games Expo. Like normally, we like to do the whole thing, but we we couldn't uh, we couldn't manage it this year. So we were just there for kind of the just while the halls were open, just for the Friday and the Saturday. Saturday was <laughs> it's, it's if you can only go for a couple of days, then try not to go on the Saturday <laughs> because that's the that's the crazy day where it's absolutely packed. But those are the days that we could make it, and we wanted to make the most of it. What was the best thing happened to you on Friday, or what was the best moment or experience or memory from Friday? What did you do on Friday? We played. I think we played most of the games on Friday. We played Letter Jam. That's a new game coming from CGE, a party game. That is, I think, is really weird, but in in a good way. <laughs> it's it's not like anything else that I've played. It's not like a word game that I've played or a party game that I've played where like you've got a you make a word out of some letter cards and then you give it to the next player and that's their word and they don't know what it is and they can put a letter up from it. Everybody's got a letter on a stand and then everybody has to give clues using the letters that they can see. So everyone else's letters, but not theirs. And you are giving these clues to to let everybody else guess what their letter is. And so through doing that, eventually, everybody's supposed to be able to guess their words. It's It's a really strange one and... I'm really looking forward to that coming out because I was kind of I was surprised at how different it was to like I haven't played that many word games paperback and hardback and uh, Scrabble 
Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing like Scrabble. Does That's it have my like Hanabi feeling? Have you played Hanabi? Kind of. It's because you you don't know what. The only thing you don't know is your letter, and so when someone gives a clue, they kind of they've they've got some numbers. So if they give a, a clue that's five letters long, they put the numbers in front of the letters. And so if you get a number put in front of your letter, you know what all of the other letters are because you can see them. And so you're trying to deduce from that, okay, what do I think my letter is then? What what do I think the clue is? And so if the clue is this, my letter is this. And so if you get a few clues that all point to the same letter, you can say, okay, I'm locking that one in. And then you, you pull your next letter up. And that's the one that everybody uses now for their guesses. And the aim is in the end, I think there's 10 rounds in the game. By the end of the game, everybody is supposed to be able to guess what their word was. And so if, if you can do that, great. And, and it's good because it kind of balances out everybody giving clues because a mistake we made was I, I kept giving really great clues, like, a, like a, not, not loads of them, like maybe two or three really good clues for other people. But in doing so, I was, like, if I'm giving the clue, my letter isn't included in that because I don't know what it is. So like, I'm kind of taking time away from being able to guess my own words. So it's a nice balance between that as well. It's not just about, like, who can do the best clue in things. It's about, or who can come up, like, usually word games are about who can come up with the, the best word that uses the the hardest letters or the most obscure word or something like that. And this is very much about, like, which which word will make everybody guess their letters the best. Like, not repeating, uh, like, or maybe repeating a letter loads so you, so the person can't mistake it for any other word. So you know that, okay, okay, it's got to be this, so I've got to have this letter. It's really, I don't know when that's coming out, actually. I assume it's Gen Con or probably Essen. CG's things usually come out at Essen, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm hastily clicking through as well to see what other games we played. On for Oh, we, we played. I've, I've never played um, Imperial Settlers, but we played its spin-off, uh, Empires of the North. And that's it's a bit different because it's not just... I know that Imperial Settlers is card-based. It's yeah. all about building your engine through cards. There's still cards in it, but there's also a board where you'll get a couple of workers to place every round. And so it's like we... You, you've still got you know completely different factions that behave in different ways. And you can... He said that one, one thing... One big thing with Imperial Settlers was you can't save your stuff between rounds... So you have to kind of plan just then when to do it. Whereas in this new game, it all carries over. So you can kind of build up for these huge turns if you've got a lot to play. And it's it's still about kind of leveraging the power of the cards that you've got or the, the actions that you can take. But yeah, I, I, can't, I can't compare them much, but I really, really enjoyed it. And there wasn't really... Uh, the the thing that put us off about Imperial Settlers is hearing that you know the the fighting between the players and destroying stuff is you know inherent in the game, but in this, I think the worst that you can really do is you can the you can do a similar action to destroying the person's stuff, but it just kind of exhausts the card for the round. It doesn't destroy anything. It's it'll be back the next round if you want to do that. But that that seemed really good as well. We only like we only saw one faction each. We just played a two player game. Well, Ignacy kind of watched over us to make yeah. sure we were doing it right. But really enjoyed that. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's coming out quite soon. 
I, sh- it, I should have gotten these details, really. <laughs> uh, uh, it doesn't have deck building, right? Like the Imperial Settlers does. I don't remember someone who I interviewed said that it doesn't have this deck building. No, you do, you have um, you do have pre like I'm not again I'm not I'm not sure how Imperial Settlers works, but you do get we just got given a, a deck of cards that was specific to our faction, yeah, shuffled up, and then each round I think you had I think you drew four cards. And then you were allowed to keep as many as you want, but you had to spend workers for every one that you wanted to keep. So you were kind of you know, torn between wanting to use your workers in the round and giving them up so you could have the cards to use in the round. Like that was another good part of it. And you could kind of you could get a I think it was food was the resource where there's a little circle that you do your actions on. Like maybe six different actions in this circle. And if you had food, you could take a worker that you'd already placed and use it again, but you can only flip it kind of to the left or right of the action that you took. So that kind of added to, it's not just a worker placement thing where, oh, I need to do this, so I'll go there. You're also thinking, well, I've got food, so where do I want to go to, I might not want this action the most, but then I can use my food in the next turn and flip the marker over and get to do another action. That was a cool little extra thing on the worker placement of the game. But it always I've always thought that even though we haven't played Imperial Settlers, I always thought it looked really cool. It's got a really nice cartoony, cute art style. Yeah. And it's it's nice being in that world for a little bit. Yeah. I heard that it's a good game also, this Empires of the North, the new one. But in the Imperial Settlers, if you get the expansions, you need to modify the decks of the factions. If I understood right. I didn't really right. play with the expans expansions. Yeah. yeah, I know there's a lot of them now. Yeah, like I, I assume many. that I assume that would happen to Empires of the North if it takes off. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like there's little packs, there's kind of playing card size things that are just like little extra factions, and then loads of kind of medium sized boxes for it. It's one yeah. of it's one of those games that kind of the the collector part of my brain really <laughs> wants Imperial Settlers. So you have this great big collection. Yeah, but kind of thing that yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we didn't. I don't know if it would be a game for us. <laughs> It would definitely be a game that we could collect a lot of stuff for. Yeah, that's true. But but it should be a good two-player game. But yeah, you can destroy the buildings there, so it might not yeah. be for you. Yeah. If you are Care Bears, it might... Yeah, it, it might end up being one of those things where we it, we kind of spoil the tension of the game because we know neither of us is going to do it. Yeah. Like, ev- even to test the game out. Yeah, or you just have to play with factions that don't really need to do that to be cool. Yeah. Like maybe with all of the expansions and things, maybe it's gotten to the point where there's enough that don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I sold my copy because it didn't get to play it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I need I, some, I we need it. some Imperial Settlers experts to listen and <laughs> let us know. Can you do that? Because I would yeah. be interested. Because I've got... A, it's based on 51st State, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of reimagines it. And I've got that, the original version. And I think there's only... A couple of cards in that whole game that mess with other players, and so we just don't play with those cards. Yeah. And they made they made an amazing looking master set version of it with all the expansions and stuff and like pr- lovely resource tokens and everything. But I heard that that kind of mixed in a lot more of the Imperial Settlers. Yeah. Kind of negative interaction. Yeah, that's true. But I think in the fifty first state uh, expansions in New Era and Winter, I think. They came also, with yeah. That kind more that kind of cards, yeah. If I remember right, I only played it once, like yeah. ages ago. 
the original one, but I don't know. I haven't played the master set, but I yeah. think that it's made from Imperial Settlers back into that universe. Yeah. So. Yeah, it it makes sense in the kind of post-apocalyptic, you know, Fallout kind of universe. But yeah, we're playing a we're playing a nice post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the world's ended, but we haven't forgot our manners. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> Already nowadays, some yeah heads of states have lost their manners at least, if nobody else. But they are showing the example how yeah. to behave. Uh, anyway, uh, how about on Saturday? What was your favorite happening or best experience on Saturday? What did you do on Saturday? I think Saturday was a lot of kind of you, you can't really get a demo of anything on Saturday. Well, well, people do because the demo tables are always full. I think maybe if you're if you if you're willing to kind of queue up and wait, like kind of hover around the demo tables, you can get something. But overall, it's it's the same with Essen as well. The Saturday is so insanely busy and just dense with people that you you need you need pre-booked demos or something, or you need to take yourself off to the the Hilton and do some gaming. I think is what a lot of people end up doing. But there was a, there was a lot of roaming around and kind of saying hello to people. I don't think we re- we played we played a game. There's a little co-op game called Solar Storm. That's going to be on Kickstarter later in the year, I think, where you you're on a spaceship and all of the the power is failing and you need to go to these rooms. There's like a grid of nine rooms. You need to go to all of the rooms and they need a particular set of resources to get the energy from that room and send it to the core. But it being a co-op game, you need to draw a card every turn that's going to damage these rooms and make everything worse, and so you need to kind of plan how you're going to move around this spaceship. Once you fix the rooms, they've all got a special power to kind of teleport you around or trade cards with each other, that kind of thing. And so you're you're constantly trying to you know, spin the plates of stopping the ship falling apart entirely and at the same time trying to get the right resources to fix everything. That was a that was a really nice one. It's like a it's a it's quite a fast snappy co-op as well i think it was about it's probably half an hour or less just a small box game i should have all these things to hand (laughs) i can look at them in more detail but i think that's i think that's pretty much the only thing that we played on saturday the main thing the main reason that we went on the saturday is that uh paul grogan gaming rules expert uh was doing his uh his big live podcast for the for the expo and I was a uh, I was asked to be a co-host on that, so we we stayed late, and that was that was kind of the main highlight of Saturday. I'm not sure if I think that was recorded at some point. Maybe even when this podcast goes out, maybe that will be available somewhere so people can see it. I think they those... recorded all the seminars. It was yeah, too, too late for me because we were with the family there, and I didn't yeah really it was... to leave them alone. At the yeah, time. I don't think it started until eight or something. It was a it was quite a late one. Yeah, it was eight or nine. Yeah. I went to the seminars in the morning to this Dice Tower and this game is broken. I went to watch yeah. those. Actually, I got some demos. I got Sushi Roll played and Imperial Settlers played and uh, Lantern's Dice. I got played on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I'd, like to, I'd like to play Lantern's Dice. Yeah, it, it was nice. Yeah, we, re- we really like the original game. Yeah, it, it has a similar feel because you also turn the dice, you roll the four dice and then you roll them and the colors go similarly as in the in the in the in the original game because they when yeah. you take the tile people get the color that points to them it's the same way with the yeah. dice they made it that way 
and oh, it's right. interesting they managed to make it work. And what's interesting, yeah. they said there at the Renegade booth that all the papers are different. So every single paper oh. that you draw on are different. Oh, that's cool. I, I'm not sure if they <laughs> managed to do it. It was a big pile of paper, but all the bonuses, yeah. at least the ones that I quickly shuffled through, they were different. All oh, right, that's good if they pulled that off. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, really it's pretty standard to just have the same sheet yes. in a roll and write game. Yeah, but maybe it changes it because also you can't have the same dice rolls. So yeah, I don't know if it gives. Yeah, you've got to go in a different way every yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, that'd be good. But it was a nice yeah. game. But actually, yeah, on Saturday I thought that I wouldn't get any demos played. But when walking, there was people getting up from the table, and I just went. Yeah, so, you're always at the <laughs> so right it was time. A great timing. I didn't get to play <laughs> those that I wanted, all of them. But the small ones I got. got yeah, we play. we were hovering around pandemic rapid response a lot. I'd really like to play that. That that's coming out this week, so hopefully we'll get a chance to pretty soon. It looked really but, nice. I don't really yeah, like pandemic, but that one looked. Really nice. I played too much Pandemic, in my opinion. Yeah, but yeah, it, it looks quite different from any of the other. Well, it's it's, it's the first one of, of when when we first saw on Twitter that oh, there's a there's a new Pandemic game coming out, and it's not designed by Matt Leacock. First instinct was like sacrilege. How, <laughs> yeah. how can this possibly be a Pandemic game? But then uh, it's it's designed by Kane Klenko, who uh, is like a master of real time dice games. He did uh, Flatline and Fuse, and we love those games. Yeah. So, whether it feels like a pandemic game or not, yeah, I, I I don't mind that so much. I'm excited the most to play a, another King Klenko game, and he had another one there as well, though, that we didn't get a chance to play. The Proving Grounds that was at Renegade. Oh, I didn't see that. That's uh, all I know about that is real time dice game, but it's solo only. Ah. So that'll be interesting, just because yeah, just because and anything that he makes. I'm I'm pretty keen on just based off Fuse more than anything. Flatline is fantastic, but Fuse we could play forever. I think it's some kind of a British thing that all Brits like this Kane Klenko games. I don't know why, but all of you played <laughs> them. I haven't really played many. I don't know how many I've played, but maybe a few only. Yeah, F- Fuse for a long time was kind of art. I need to. There's another one that I need to get back out as the regular thing. But when, when we used to go to a game group, it was kind of always in the bag. If there's ever a 10-minute period to do something... Well, Fuse takes 10 minutes. We'll, we're all going to play Fuse now. Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's definitely the only game that we've got that we ended up playing, like, more than 100, 150 times. Because we just... For some reason, there's something about Fuse that we never get bored of. That's quite a lot, actually. Yeah. For any board game. For it helps that it's on... Even. It, it helps that you know that the maximum amount of time it can take is 10 minutes. Yeah, that's true. So like it's it's better for like if if the game says twenty minutes on the box and you know you've only got twenty minutes you kind of like is is it really going to be that long? Whereas <laughs> no. a, a real time game you know no. that yes absolutely it's there's a ten yeah. minute timer we're starting it can't go past this yeah we'll Except lose with, in ten minutes with all the talk before before and after that yeah happens. but yeah the game doesn't take longer. Uh, what was your best experience in the whole expo? Was it that Paul Krogan show? Or? I think so. Yeah, I re- I really like doing that. I don't I don't do much stuff. Like Paul's asked me to be on the podcast. Of, I've I've, been, I've probably been on it about ten times or something. U- usually with uh, Matt from Creaking Shelves, we end up on there every few episodes or so, or we'll do with the Essen show and things like that. And Paul did a show last year 
at the expo that I was on, and now this year, and I think he's he's not going to be doing another one, which is a shame. But yeah, I've, I've been on that, and then I've been on the We're Not Wizards podcast. Richard was kind enough to ask me on that last year, and you're now the the only other person that you you're a rare podcast that's got <laughs> an appearance from me on it. But at the same time, I, I don't think the demand is there. It's it's not like it's not like I'm some Hollywood celebrity that's in demand <laughs> on every podcast. I don't podcast. think anyone on the board game media. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but Tom Vassell. Great guy. I was Surely the Tom Cruise of board game media. But yeah, um, I, I really like doing that. Like it's 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 just cool to hang out and talk about games with uh, with Paul and outside the live show when like the the podcast match usually on. I think we've got a good uh, we've got a good chemistry and it's it's always a good atmosphere. Like I I don't listen back to the episodes. I really don't like like that it's I've I've gotten a bit more used to it now, but I still don't like watching myself when I have to edit the videos. Never mind watching them back like in the future. So I don't listen back to the episodes that we do. But I always remember like it may be through arrogance, but I always remember just laughing through most of the podcasts and them always being like really fun experiences. So like that's that's one of the best things that we do really and it's it's hard to it's hard to find time when like everyone's free to do things like you've, you've all got to be there live to to do the podcast so it doesn't always line up and yeah. like if if anyone listening knows of paul grogan you know crazy hard working man always got yeah. a million things on the go so i it's was great. supposed to i was supposed to interview paul actually last week Oh no, the beginning of this week, but he got delayed in Origins. It yeah. seems his trip was a bit longer than expected. He said that he won't have time. I'm going to ask him after this interview that uh, do you have time beginning of next week or do I begin recording or editing? But he yeah. has this uh, his own convention coming up. This yeah yeah not, grid con. This is not a grid con. Yeah, yeah yeah I think this is the the sm- the smaller one before the yeah. great big grid con in November. Yeah, if anyone's there. in Devon and interested in a board game convention, then yeah. Are you going there? No, it's unfortunately it's it's too far for us and our travel funds are not enough this time. Maybe in November. I'd love to go. We used to Paul used to this has kind of evolved from Paul's kind of Essen gaming weekends where he would invite a load of people to his house to play all the games that came out came out at Essen. And we went to I went to one on my own a couple of years ago, and then Rachel and I went to... I can't remember the times now. Rachel and I definitely went to Paul's house, and there were loads of other people there last year at some point. So we, we, we've we been in the past, and it's always been great, even in that kind of... You know, it's 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 Paul having a get-together in his house. So I'd really love to be there, but we can't make it this time. But hopefully, we'll move heaven and earth to be there in the future. Because, yeah. yeah you you can go into autumn. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I think it's November, because... Yeah, it's it's kind of a, that that one's going to be like an extension of his. Instead of inviting a load of people to his house, he's inviting a load of people to a convention, even more people. Yeah, and it has to be after Essen, so yeah. it has to be November. Yeah, so everyone can bring all of their shiny new games that they're desperate to play. Yeah, I I hope Paul gets to free some time so I can interview him because it would be really good to get his opinions here also because he yeah. was demoing this letter jam most of the time. Yeah, he's he's got it from. 
he's got the kind of other side of it is the experience of an exhibitor. Yeah. As well as being the... I don't, I don't know if he does... I think he, he talks to people about uh, reviewing for his channel and stuff because he does reviews on there. Yeah. But main, mainly he's got his CGE hat on at the at the expo. Yeah, yeah. That's why it would be very good because it would give another point of view to the expo. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like a staple of it. The first one we ever went to was, it was the last year it was in the Hilton Hotel. So the expo was kind of, it was bursting at the seams of the hotel, but it was still a lot smaller than it is now. I think, was that three years ago or four years ago? And maybe it was the year after that. The thing I remember about Paul, either way, never mind what year it was, it was the year that Prodigal's Club came out. And so Paul was demoing it because it was a few months before it came out and he was dressed in, I think he is in his video for it as well. He's kind of dressed in kind of a formal suit and a top hat and stuff. And that's kind of, even all these years later and all the times I've seen him in person since then, that's whenever I think of Paul Grogan, it's man in top hat. Yeah, but it's always the thing. When you see someone first time, you remember him or her. Like they look the first time you see them. Yeah, if, if if more people went around the expo wearing top hats, I would remember a lot more people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the key to it. Uh, before we knew who he was, he was, it's that guy in the top hat. I know he's doing it for the game, but that's memorable. It would have been really interesting to see, interested to see people in the 1800s or not, <laughs> because everyone were wearing these hats. Yeah. Yeah, seeing what the expo would have been like <laughs> in the, if everyone was Victorian. During the time of brass or something. <laughs> uh, do you think they have something to make better for the next year in the expo? Was there something that didn't work out as well as maybe should have worked? You already, I mean, we talked about this bring and buy thing. I didn't go, so I don't have any experience from this year. Yeah, I would like to, like, at the same, like, all of the things that I would kind of like to improve, I realized that. I, I, I think they've already tried to improve everything. Like when you say that like you can't really move on Saturday, I don't think there's really a solution to that. Like because Essen is is it is it the biggest one still? I think it's yeah. the biggest board yeah. game related convention out there. They've got that exact same problem. I think that's just a kind of that's a convention thing. Everybody's free on Saturdays. Well, more people are free on Saturdays than any other day. That's that's kind of the way it's going to be. And I wonder if, like, our solution of thinking, oh, there's this, there's, there's a whole half a hall not being used behind the bring and buy. We, we should mm. use that for it. I suppose that, that makes other problems that you need more staff and stuff. And maybe if, maybe every time you make the bring and buy bigger, even if you made it 10 times bigger, you would just get 10 times as many people and games in it. And yeah. so it would just be the exact same experience. I, I, I don't know, but I, I wonder if it would be like that. In general, I think that, I think it's run quite well that's like I think only little like complaints that you hear are kind of more about the NEC's policies rather than anything that the expo people are doing I think they're they're doing a pretty great job yeah. that the the best thing would be that they should team up with a English YouTuber that makes a great little list for the expo and they should yeah, make it, I, I they want, should make it I official why they didn't I think they they, they, they really were should. they were trying out their they had a little text box on their website where publishers could kind of submit their games if it if they were new. Yeah. But the problem with that is that it was just kind of a the the title of the game and the company that sells it it doesn't really 
that doesn't really tell you much from the title yeah. of a game. It could be anything. Yeah, I tried to look at the list that they had in the app and also on the page, but it no, it yeah. was just text. And yeah, no. you need you need more than that. Yeah, and there's I like the, if someone does a geek list to board game geek. For well, this. there's there's like the 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 one that I've done for the last few years is kind of it relies on people submitting the games to me, like I email everybody and then everybody that emails back. Which surprisingly, mm. there's there's some big companies out there that. You you could be on this list. I'm not asking for money or anything for it. Like you can advertise your games if you tell me about them. But yeah, everyone that tells me about them goes on this list. And then tabletop together. Peter is a great guy that does. Uh, I think for every convention now, he kind of takes from the the main board game geek the official list they do for every convention. Yeah. And then they don't do it for the expo because they don't go to the expo. Yeah. And so he pulls from my list. And this year he pulled from the the official websites text list as well so you can make your wants lists and stuff from there yeah but he there was lots of prizes missing for the games that were for sale yeah and last year i think that there were more prizes i think that you get the prizes but the ukt doesn't get the prizes to the list or something like that yeah so so from this peter's tool there were some there was one with the prize it was villagers 20 yeah. pounds <laughs> nothing else was there with the prize yeah, it's it's I surprising that, that I, I suppose like it it's it depends on whether publishers know when their things are going to be delivered and when they're getting stock and stuff. They like there's a there's a lot of you know we're hoping to have this there, but it depends yeah. if the freight gets delivered in time. So there's kind of a lot of uncertainty about when they're going to have stuff because yeah, I don't, I don't think I got many many replies with um, with prices and things on there, but I think that's there's, there's a lot more. I think it's it's a lot more established the say the Essen or the Gen Con list yeah. because Board Game Geek are doing it officially yes, themselves yeah. that publishers are more used to the way that works and maybe for a bigger convention they've got their prices kind of set in stone beforehand. I'm not, I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah, it would be not it would be nice to have more information just thinking of it as just a visitor. It would be nice to have all of that laid out so you could kind of you you can you can get an idea at Essen. Not, not all the games have got prices, but you can get a good idea of like ninety like percent of what you want to buy has got prices for it. So you can kind of make an idea of how much you you're going to be spending if you want all of your must-haves. Whereas at the yeah. expo, you've just got to make a list and hope that you've yeah. got got enough for it. Yeah, that's true. But like, I'm flying there. I mean, I flew there, so it would have been nice to know if something is much cheaper than in yeah. Finland, so I could have reserved space in the luggage. Yeah. Not necessarily the money, but space yeah. in the luggage. So that's more important. Yeah. But this year, the uh, games lord was actually willing to post uh, whatever you buy to one box. You can send oh, to yeah. Finland, but it was thirty pounds. So, yeah. Um, not not really. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Uh I think the postage is a bit crazy in America as well, sending out, sending to other countries from America, but definitely the, the prices in the UK are pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah it's and really like, expensive to send some something abroad from Finland also, but I'm yeah. not going to pay £30 to send a few games. Rather yeah. I will well, order like the, them online and I can get them with the cheaper points. Yeah, yeah they've, they've, got, they've got a similar thing they've done, been doing for a few years at, in Essen, where a big stand does it. And I think it's it was about thirty euros there, but it was a it was a huge box that I put about fifteen or twenty games in there. So it's oh, kind of it's still huge. it still stings a little bit that 
you got to spend all of that money on postage, but at the same time, they wouldn't let me have... It would cost a lot more trying to add, add those onto your allowance in a flight. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. And and it's good that they give that service, because if you want... I mean, if you have 15 games that you have to get home, of course you pay for that postage. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it was really quick as well. It, ca- it came in a few days. I was, I was really surprised. There's, there's kind of like... I think you could spend more time packing your games and arranging them really neatly. Maybe you bring your own bubble wrap and stuff if you're really, really concerned. But in general, I, I kind of just... I didn't have time. I had, I had places to be in essence, so they kind of got put in the box as best I could, pack it up with paper, and a couple of the boxes got a little bit knocked, but I think that's a, a, that's, that's a small thing for yeah. for all of that stuff coming from Germany to England so quickly. I yeah. didn't think it was that big a deal. And it's only a box. Yeah, I'm a lot more like that's maybe maybe feeling more blasé about it that I have all of these games everywhere now, all over the house. But yeah, I think that's that's definitely cured my kind of perf- like wanting everything to be pristine and perfect. It's definitely yeah. like that's that's not as big an issue anymore. And and being a completionist about everything, wanting every promo and wanting every little bit for every game. Just, there's no time for this. I can't, I can't keep up with that need. So that's just that's just gone now. How about would you suggest UK Games Expo for someone who hasn't gone to a bigger convention earlier? I think so. Yeah, like the, I I haven't really been to many because I've I've been to Manacon, which is a smaller one in Leicester that's coming up soon. I think in a few weeks this year. Uh, that's that's kind of purely game playing there's i think there's one or two stalls that uh shops that sell games and there's a little bring and buy in a room but mainly it's you know a a few great big halls playing games is the focus for that one and then expo is they want to be a lot more about they want to be a lot about playing games but there is still halls full of stands from publishers and shops selling their stuff so that's kind of like a mix between them. But there is a lot of space if you want to go for... They are really trying for giving you a space to play your games. There's like the separate hall for it. There's the Hilton for as long as they've got that. Uh, so th- And they want to make it a, a family place as well. There's, there's a lot of... There's a, there's a great big area in one of the main halls for, for family gaming. And people... like There's menus on the tables and people ready to ready to teach people these games i think that's really good like you know if if you're if you're euro gamers and you know what you're doing then you can take yourselves off to the the open gaming area but there's also you know if you're if you've just seen these adverts on the internet that say the expo is great for families it's it's good that there's like there there are dedicated people to if you were brand new to board games then yeah, you you could get a great start there. You're getting shown some some great games, and there's people that know what they're talking about teaching them to you there as well. I think like it it could be it wouldn't be as overwhelming as going to say Essen as your first convention. I think that that is like it's just the scale of things. I think it is kind of just massive, and there's just stuff everywhere, and there is for there's for the expo as well. But I think there's. There's enough kind of places to just okay we've we've got our stuff now let's take ourselves off and and play our games for a bit. I think that's a that's a good part of the expo. Yeah, I actually agree with you on the how expo feels. I really like that it's a mix of playing and selling or buying. 
Yeah. It's not just one of them. What if someone comes from abroad and they think that now I need to go to one convention this year? Should they go to UK Games Expo or Origins or Gen Con or Essen? I don't know about the American ones. I would really like to go to one one day. But, yeah, the flights from here to there are crazy expensive at the moment. But one day I'll go to those and be able to report back from them. So I think, yeah, I, I would... Given, given the choice, I would like to go and see one of them because, just because I haven't seen them, or a BGG con or Dice Tower con or something like that. Maybe one day. But yeah. I think still, like, it's 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 a bit different for me because I'm Essen, it's the expo a little bit as well, and definitely Essen, they turn into kind of work things. Not not in a really bad way, not, not in a way that I don't enjoy them, but, like, compared to the first couple of times I went to the expo and maybe the first time I went to Essen, like, they were just pure, like, no one knew, like, I had, like, a few hundred subscribers and stuff, nobody cared who I was, or, and if I went around asking for copies of games, I probably would have been told where to go. Uh, but, <laughs> like, more and more, it ends up being uh, meetings and stuff, which are great in their way, but I think that kind of, it changes your perspective of it, that it's not this, you're not going in this wide-eyed, like, running around shopping anymore but I, yeah. I definitely still i still remember like the like kind of it was last minute and it was partly because i had the channel that i kind of made an excuse for myself to be able to go even though i was still very very small then i'm still pretty small now but i was minute the first time i went to essen and so i could kind of just go there as they're just in wonderment at it all and i think still that is the one that... It, it depends, I suppose, what kind of games that you're into. If you're into more of the Ameritrash kind of stuff, then Gen Con is still kind of the the home of that, isn't it? That's that's the the announcements and the releases and stuff and all of the Fantasy Flight stuff. That's kind of the hub for that. And if you're, if you're like me and the main stuff is the is the Euro games, then Essen yeah, is the still... Games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essen is still the shining beacon for all of that. That's when most of... I don't know what percentage, but a huge portion of the games for the year, everything that's announced is just like, yeah, it's co- it's coming at Essen. Like if it's getting yeah, released anywhere, is coming. there, yeah. And so it's kind of just, yeah, it's it's Christmas for Eurogamers. It's just yeah. everywhere is uh, is full of the new releases, and so that is still, yeah, nothing nothing can really compete with that just because of the sheer number of games that are my my kind of thing. It's just wall-to-wall in Essen. And it's nothing really compares to the scale of that as well. That it's that, that can maybe be a downside for some people as well. But, yeah, it's, it's what, five, six halls of Essen, and they, they're enormous. It's, it's such a massive convention centre, and it's just packed every inch with, uh, with stalls of every kind of game that you can imagine, really. I think that's still, still the most impressive. Yeah, maybe one day I see that. I don't know when, but one day maybe. It's in a very bad timing. It's in the middle of the semester, and yeah, I'm, I mean I'm teaching at the university, so it's at a very bad time. So yeah, like if this year I want to go, I would be back on Sunday maybe or Monday morning, depending on the flights, and I have to be teaching on Tuesday full day. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I should I prepare that, yeah. everything before Essen, and I would be dead on yeah. <laughs> Monday and. Yeah, my my girlfriend's a teacher, and so it's the exact same for her. That one, I think, two years ago, the stars lined up, and 
it was the holidays in the same time as England as it was in Germany, so she could go for that year. But that's that was a rare thing, and every year now it's like, well, I could come with you on Friday night, and we could go to we could go for like two days and then come back on Sunday. But then I've got to be at school on Monday, and so yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you oh. you need to somehow get back from the Essen mood and everything. Yeah, you need one day at least one day. Yeah, yeah, you you don't want to go straight back to, it, especially if you're in charge of teaching yeah. people. You don't want to be there all exhausted and not knowing what you're doing. So yeah, I com- completely understand why games. I'm going solo. But yeah, <laughs> G- Germany needs to line their half terms up with us just so that we can go to Essen more. Yeah, it's a silly timing. I don't know why it is that kind of timing. I think it's end of, end of October or something. I mean, I, th- why? I think it's I think it's always for their half term for for their school uh-huh. holiday. I think I'm not sure on that, but I think it always lines up with the the weekdays of Essen are kind of holiday, holiday days. days for a lot yeah. more people in Germany. Not not tons because it's still quite quiet on the Thursday and Friday. I, I say quiet; it's relatively quiet compared to the Saturday. That's still the the great big crazy one, but yeah, it's it, I think it's based around theirs more often, and yeah. and our holidays just kind of it's like every five years or something it will kind of everything will come into alignment again, and yeah. maybe we'll go maybe yeah <laughs> somewhere to go with again. So that's the other thing. So, my Essen at the moment is running around with great big bags <laughs> full of games trying to. Use my puny strength to carry these around and run to the next meeting. That's that's my Essen experience at the moment. But it's better than no experience, actually. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, and it's you still... get your exercise if nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely the most exercise of the whole year. Like I get my whole year's allowance just in those few days, <laughs> yeah. and then rest for the rest of the year. Do you have anything else to add on the expo experience or experience? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. No, I, th- I think uh, I, it was a shame that we didn't get to see as much as we did in the last. I think every every year that we've gone, we've tried to. Apart from the very first one, we only went for one day in the very first one, but we were pretty new to board games back then. I think yeah. twenty fourteen might have been the first one, or twenty fifteen. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame we didn't get to go for the whole thing this time. I think that's that's my main takeaway. I would like to have seen more of it. And uh, I think we missed out on seeing a lot of people as well. We kind of had maybe pe- people flying past and saying a quick hello to people. But yeah, usually that that's kind of the another big thing of conventions. It's nice to just kind of go to like not just like designers and stuff it's it's nice to run into just people that you know from online it's it's great that there's this kind of hub where a lot of us are so you can kind of uh, you can have a chat to all these people that usually you only you only talk to on twitter or something like that so i think that's that's the that's the main thing that we missed out on this year i think but yeah it's, it's time and stuff we can't do anything about that next year yeah. hopefully we'll be back to normal and we'll be there constantly it seems very few people were actually able to meet up with others, like yeah. the me- media people. It seems that everyone were complaining, not everyone, but most people, many people were complaining about the internet, that it's not very good. I don't yeah. know, uh, how do you do in England, but we are using 4G or that kind of internet in Finland everywhere, and it, we almost never have a problem with them. Yeah, it's, it, maybe it's not it's, that common in UK, you use this wireless. It's, it's not great in the... In 
It's not great in the convention center, no. Yeah, it's... the wireless was horrible. Though. Yeah, I couldn't use it at all. I had to use the 4G. Yeah, yeah. It's. I'm not sure how that. Surely there's something special that they have for conventions where they know there's going to be thousands of people there. Surely yeah. the technology exists. Yeah, that w- that would be something good to improve. Yeah, that's that's actually true. Uh, so. Thank you for your time. Do you want to say where you can be found, who you are, what do you do? Why should Finnish people check out your stuff? <laughs> oh, you should check it out because you, you find out about hundreds of board games. I've got, I'm coming up to 300. You may you may just be in time to see the, the 300th episode spectacular, which I've, I've got no idea what that's going to be yet. But uh, yeah, I am on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com slash C slash Slickerdrips. And that's where you can find me on there. I'm on all of the social medias and stuff. And if you if you already know who I am and you like what I do, then recently we started a, a Patreon account instead of our usual Kickstarter. If you'd like to support the videos and stuff, it's patreon.com slash slickerdrips. And that's where I am. And you can watch me playing through, surely through 300 of them. There'll be a game you like in there somewhere, I hope. You made your top 50 videos. Top oh, yeah. 50 yeah. games videos just lately, right? Yeah, we did that. That was kind of uh, five videos in five days. That was yeah. I, I began watching them, but I'm not. I haven't finished the first one yet. But I began them. They are in. They the get. List. They start out reasonably length. I think. Like I get. I get through the games pretty quickly in the beginning, and then by the end, I think the last turn was like an hour long. Yeah, it's always the same. Because apparently always I couldn't shut same. up about them. But yeah, yeah. yeah if you, if you if you just want a quick a quick way of knowing if we like similar games, then yeah, I've got I've got a. The whole top 50. Or you could just watch the top 10 if you want to. But, yeah, you get a feel for the kind of games that I like. And there's there's playthroughs for some of them. Hopefully, that the longer that I can keep doing this, the more I can fill in those gaps, and there'll just be a playthrough for everything that's behind me in the in the videos. Yeah. You, you can actually begin calling yourself European Radon now that he moved <laughs> back to USA. Yeah, he's, he's in Seattle now. Yeah. He's, he's got the US cool. market. He's left the entire entirety of Europe for me. <laughs> in entirety of the Atlantic also yeah. this side so not not a big mass of land yeah all the way up to China it's yours yeah <laughs> anyway thank you so much for joining me oh, thank you for having telling me. your experience bye 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 I hope the rado of the east side of Atlantic Ocean continues doing what he's doing because if people want to watch playthroughs, I really suggest that you look at Tom's stuff. Also, check his top 50 games so you know if you like his taste or not. And they drip slicker. I mean, slicker drips. What a strange name. But anyway, let's get back to Saturday. On Saturday, I went in the morning to This Game is Broken live. And that was... Good, but it was too short. They should have had it a bit longer. It felt like it was cut in the middle. But it was a good show again, like last year. But I think last year was better. I don't know if it's because of Dan Hughes missing this year or not, but I think it was more structured last year. But it was good this year as well. But not as good as the previous year. I don't know why. Maybe because it was short or felt too short or something. I don't really know. But I think there was more structure in the previous year, if I have to compare this. Yeah, that might be it. And Saturday, the time went in those 
seminars. Also, I went to this Dice Tower quiz show and it was really difficult this year. It was more difficult than last year. Again, I was alone and it was a bit boring. I could, I should have found a group, but I was a bit rushing there because it was directly after the, this game is broken and I needed to stand up and walk a, bit, walk a bit to have some kind of a break before that next show. So I was a bit late, so I couldn't go to a team because I wasn't there waiting for a team early. Um, on Saturday, everyone says that it's so full you can't play anything, but on Saturday with my friend we actually played more games than on other days. We played Imperial Settlers Roland Wright, full game with two other people. It was nice, but I wouldn't buy the game before trying it. I have a mini review in Instagram, you can check it from there how it works and how it plays, but I think it's a, it is a play-before-you-buy type of game. Same with Lantern's Dice, Lights in the Sky, that's also, you should play it before you buy it. You might like it or you might not like it. If you like the previous Lanterns, the board game, where you lay the tiles and such, you might like this because it has the similar mechanism that you, there's a tray where you put the four dice, and when you put the dice, whatever dice faces to you, you get that color die to yourself and you can feel that color part in your bond. The next game that we played, it was the last game, was Sushi Roll. I insisted that we try to play this and this was the best game I played in the expo. Probably it's been the best game I played in whole tune. Let me see. Okay, no, there are. Yeah, we had a game day. We played Teotihuacan and Wingspan. Those are better at least. I'm not even checking if there are any more that I played after it, but Sushi Roll is a fantastic game. If they had any left, I would have immediately bought it. Um, it comes with lots of dice, and if you played Sushi Go, you know how the game works. But this is a lot better than Sushi Go, in my opinion, because you don't have anything hidden. In Sushi Go, you have the cards that you draft, so until the cards circulate back to you, you have no idea what the others have, so you can just guess what you should choose. Here you see all the dice in the beginning and you know that they are coming to you at some point, so you can strategize a bit. You know that if I take that, they won't have it, but if they take that, I can't have it, so what should I choose? Also there are these switch uh, die, uh, the tokens, that you can switch a die from someone else to yourself, from the plate. Everyone has a like a conveyor belt like in a sushi restaurant and it moves around it circles so the choosable sushis come to you and you then take one of them and then it moves again and i really liked it i'm, I'm going to buy this game when it comes available i like sushi go as a gateway game a lot but this is 10 times easier to explain because everything is open you don't have to explain the drafting the drafting might be strange to someone who has never played games ever earlier with some kind of card mechanism but this is so easy you just roll the dice you put them to the plate i mean to the conveyor belt and then you can explain this does this this does this and everyone has a sheet where they see that what gives what points and how many of what there are and so the dice faces i mean it's so easy to begin but it's actually quite deeper than it looks you can make good decisions that affect your future or you can make bad decisions that affect your future and I really like this game, really. I should write a review to the Instagram, but I just haven't gotten around it. 
holidays that kind of a thing that you don't get to write long times because you have other stuff to do but i really liked it so zero was the best game of saturday in the evening we tried to find group to play with but we were a bit late because our dinner took over two hours or about two hours it's unacceptable in my opinion i it's it's ridiculous you you can't make people wait that long in a table it's it's there's no no reason we went to the the Pizza Express in this resort's world, before there was rush or queue, we went there before, we ordered, and we have a kid with us, waiting for the food. You really have to think, you, you can't make the kid wait for food for one hour, over one hour. You can't, there is no way. There are tens of people working, not tens, but maybe ten people working there, lots of people in the kitchen, and it's not that big of a restaurant. You have to serve the people in the order they come in, or... Then put the kids first. Now it seems that people who came after us get the food before us. They got the food so quickly <laughs> compared to us and it, it was really annoying me. It took so long to get the pizza. It's just a pizza, come on. It takes 15 minutes to make it. And I, I really... And the kid took pasta. They could have made the pasta at least. Come on, you boil spaghetti and that's it. Never ever this slow service in Finland. Even in a rush hour. Even in a... Fancy restaurant, even with the fancy food, never, ever. This is unacceptable. And I really think that the lady who was taking our order, she forgot to put it into the system or something. There was some kind of a hiccup because it's not possible that they don't even have queue for the restaurant and then it still takes so long. It's it's ridiculous and unacceptable. So because of that, we were one hour late to go to find a game to play. We went to hang around in the open gaming area then we checked the library the library looked very bad they didn't have any games that we would have wanted to play first of all and then it seemed that everyone were already playing something we went to one table they were planning to begin echidna shuffle but then they said they asked that do you want to play we said that yeah we can play they said that okay our friends went to get food we will begin in 40 minutes we said that okay no we are not waiting 40 minutes I mean, I had to go back maybe in one hour, one and a half hours to the hotel because I wanted to sleep a bit. We were coming back on Sunday and my family was there already at the hotel sleeping. So, no. Then we went to Hilton. It was so full and the air wasn't really good. And ah, and there also, there didn't seem to be any places for games and we didn't want to ask. And we just hanged around and looked at what people are playing. At least I did. Then I decided that I have to go to back to the hotel. And my friend stayed. He got to play some games. I think. Hopefully. <laughs> but anyway. I didn't get any open gaming this year either. Like last year I didn't get any open gaming. But this year I got some demos. I mean full games and demos also. Ah more people. Let's see who it is this time. Who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm Max Davey. Um, I have a number of connections, I suppose, to board gaming. Um, I am pr- principally a board gamer. I love board games. Uh, I play a lot with my kids. Um, so my sort of connection as a dad. I'm a paediatrician uh, by trade, and I work a lot with children with uh, autism or ADHD. Um, and that brings me to kind of thinking about the developmental 
benefits of board games, which I have talked about before and done videos about before. Um, and I have recently, I've done some videos, but I've, the, the thing I'm doing at the moment is podcasting about um, the joy of play with my uh, podcast, which is called uh, Play is the Thing. All right. I was going to ask that, what do you do? <laughs> but you already explained everything already. Sorry, yeah. Uh, what I am is, is what I am is what I do. Yeah. See. <laughs> it's good if you can do that. I mean, if you can be what you do, you can do what you be or what you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow. Exactly. Uh, what makes it special, the thing that you do? Um, I think each of those things are special in their own ways. Um, obviously, being a father is very special. And I think that playing games with children is special. I used to think that board games were especially special. But actually, I think it's just play. I think the thing that I was kind of thinking, why well, I was projecting is the fact that I prefer to play board games to other more, less tightly designed or, or more kind of messy games um, because that, because of the, my brain. But actually, it is just play. It is just play that is so beneficial and, and so wonderful. Um, the, the thing that's special about my job is the, the families that I get to work with. I work in a, a very diverse and... Um, quite deprived in places uh, area of South London and it's just wonderful it's just wonderful wonderful place to work um, and the families are amazing and and of course you know the, the kids are amazing and children with ADHD are my tribe they're my favorites um, uh, and I love the kids with autism as well there but but um, the ones with ADHD are the guys that I really sort of spend a lot of time with so that's magical um, and I think what's special about the podcast it, I think because it's about play and that's quite rare it's not about a particular product as in board games or video games it's not talking about it's not very it's it's sort of a bit more academic because i talk to lots of people who are in research but it's for a general audience um so it's just talking and thinking about play in general in different aspects so we've had um people from the board gaming world board game designers not but usually people who are board game designers but also do other stuff uh we've had a play therapist from my local uh, children's hospital and the latest we've had a professor of playful learning um so well, that's not her title but that's really that nick witten's big thing is is uh, combining play and learning in a really kind of interesting way um so yeah that's i mean that, that, that's lots of connections i have with, with the sort of world of play, I suppose. There's a conference coming also, right? Yes, the play, uh, the the playful learning conference is in Bristol in the UK, and um, it's yeah, no, it sounds amazing. If you are an educator and also a gamer, I think it's probably essential that you head that what, that way because then you can bring your two passions together. Is it a yearly um, thing or is it like? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's on every year. I think. I don't think that next year's day. I can't go this year, but I think next year's. I'm 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 already having a little bit of a squinting at next year, optimistically whether I can get you know manage to get the time off. Yeah, I'm asking because I'm also in the academy, and you usually have to know one yes. year beforehand before you plan to send a paper yes. or something to those kinds of things. So that's why yes, I'm asking well, for the next year. Absolutely, yeah. No, you should definitely do that. And they'll, they'll open abstracts. I'm sure they'll open for abstracts. They do things obviously because they're playful. They will do things quite differently. Yeah. But I'm sure you'll be more than ready for that. Yeah, but it's better to do things <laughs> a bit differently <laughs> than normal conferences. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, most academic conferences are so terrible. I mean, just awful. And I think that's part of what really excites me about that Nick. You know, that kind of thing is doing thing. You know, is 
taking a playful res- so it's not so just to just to explain to the audience so it's not the same as what you would say kind of gamification sort of making kind of making an activity uh, more motivating by using in- incentives of some of some kind it's completely different to that it's taking a playful approach so it's challenging people it's taking them outside of their comfort zone and nick as as nick um uh, slightly unfortunately put it to me exposing yourself to the audience which i'm not sure she quite quite what she meant um <laughs> yeah um, but that's true um but i think it is right it's it's, it's making yourself it's it's introducing more danger in uh, in a way and and the possibility of everything just falling flat whereas most you know most conferences and presentations are really risk free they're really kind of you know dull really most of the time yeah and you risk an embarrassment for yourself if you do this playful way yeah absolutely yeah yeah i completely agree but you need no it's, it's yeah you need to on. have a very good self confidence when you present something and you do it in a playful way uh, I compared think to something I've, that you have a paper that you've gone through hundreds of times and then you present that yeah And I think there's a general point because a lot of the bits, the sorts of play that I'm exploring are quite different to board games in that they're very social, they're very loose, they're very uh, improvisational. Yeah. And I, you know, and I talk, went back and talked to Dan and, and Mike about that on Sporadically Bored. Um, and I think the point that they made was a really good one because you have to be a particular sort of person to like those games. You have to have quite a lot of social confidence, whereas actually you don't have to have social confidence to play board games and that we shouldn't take that away we shouldn't devalue that just because these other kind of play are out there so i will definitely come back to talking about board games uh in the podcast but i just wanted to start off in a different yeah. place yeah yeah um i've been following the facebook page that you have since the beginning yeah i, I i'm which i'm neglecting rather yeah i noticed <laughs> <laughs> but at least you're recording something and doing something with the yeah, children we that's are, the most we are, important we are. thing Yeah, yeah. Well, we do. We got Jason Perez coming up next. So he from Every Night's Game Nights. So he's a board gamer, but he's also a family therapist. Well, he has a different t- title, but that's how I think of him. Um, uh, sort of psychotherapy, psychotherapy background. Um, so that'd be fascinating. Um, how he uses play to um, help children who are traumatized. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, back to board gaming. What color do yes, you want to course. play with? If you can choose, what are your three do favorite you know colors? To play with. I get excited if there's a purple option. Purple is my favorite color, and if there's a purple meeple, um, which is very rare, but if there is one, I'm I'm having it every time. Any other options when there are no purple? Uh, well, I like red or blue because they are. I mean, I'm not that obsessed with purple, but red or blue are both fine. Um, I don't like the other colors that as nearly as much. All right. What about what is your least favorite color to play with? If you have to list uh, three that you don't want to play with. I don't like playing with grey, sort of dull colours really, grey or brown. I like something that sort of pops on the table. So grey, brown or whatever other, you know, kind of yellow, dirty yellow. That would be a bit boring. <laughs> so almost orange. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. What's the hottest board game for you at the moment? What you would immediately play if you didn't have any uh, like time restrictions or place restrictions or player number restrictions gosh what you know what do you know what if i had no, all the time in the world and all the money in the world um and you know i didn't have my kids for a weekend i would probably play twilight imperium 4 because i've heard so much about and i'm sure that's a common answer to that question because 
Uh, it just intrigues me so much. It's not my normal kind of game. But, you know, in those circumstances when there is literally no limitation, yeah, let's go. Let's go big. Have you played the <laughs> earlier versions? No, 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 I haven't. I've played the um, third edition, I think, once, but I would like to play the fourth one as well because yeah, it's impossible yeah. with restrictions. <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, in, under that circumstances, you need to play an event game. Yes. There's no point, you know, playing a little kind of abstract filler. So that's your answer. Like a mega civilization also. Would be yeah, that does not appeal to me nearly as much. Oh. Uh, but but TI4 really does, because it's a single day, isn't it? It's not sort of a whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, or, or a week. Uh, what game you wouldn't play, even if people insisted that you would play? Is there a game Ooh. that you dislike so much? I dislike so much. Do you know what? I really hate Cards Against Humanity. Um, That's not a game. I think, well, that people, but it is in a box. You, know, well, you, you can always yeah. say that. You know, you could say that Uno is not a game because there are no decisions. <laughs> but I, I would... I would happily sit down and play Uno with a five-year-old because it would be, they would like it. Same here. Um, um, I just hate the, and this isn't about sort of being a social justice warrior or whatever. It's to do with the fact, or, you know, sort of culture, getting involved in culture wars. It's to do with the fact that the humor of Cards Against Humanity is punching down. It's, it's, it's attacking people who are vulnerable and weak. Um, and humor shouldn't do that. Um, particularly not in a game, so it, I, I I really detest that game. I haven't even played it. I haven't even seen it because I don't think anyone has it here where I live, and I, oh, right. I'm actively avoiding playing it. Yeah, I mean, it, hopefully that. Well, I don't actually know. I, I'd say hopefully that sort of thing is going to go away. I suspect that sort of thing will not go away in gaming as gaming becomes more popular. Yeah. That kind of college shock humor, uh, which. Uh, really comes from the United States, um, <laughs> is very popular and will be in games forever, I suspect. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, let's move on to the experience. So, expo, expo experience. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, did you go all days or did you just go one day? Or how? Did no, you I just went I just went on Sunday because I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not weaning myself off board games, but I'm sort of trying to move from being just quite so... I'm sort of making a conscious effort to be slightly less obsessed with board games. Um, so I, I also had quite a lot going on that weekend. So I just went on the Sunday, uh, which is a quieter day, and, and lots of people are very tired already. So it's, it's got a different energy, I think. But quite a mellow energy, which I quite liked. Um, yeah, So, but we, had, we also had... Um, we did a little show, which uh, I suppose we want to, to talk about. Yeah, I, I hope that you talk about it or summarize it, because I was going, I mean, we were coming there with the family and the corridor was empty, like 5 to <sighs> 11. You began it too early, I think, that you let people in early or something. There was no. there was some kid talking in the room and we didn't want to go there if, in case something is in the middle of something. Oh, well, I'm very sorry. No, on, no, no, on, our no clocks, on our clocks, we started slightly late, but never mind. Um, you could have, of course, have come in. Lots of people came in late. Um, it was marvellous. Um, I just want, I mean, I suppose the thing that, the, 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 the take home from the show was I did this sort of silly talk, which I'm toying with the idea of turning into a YouTube video, which is basically that uh, board games will, will save the world. And it sort of starts from the premise that the problems of the world, which I don't necessarily need to... Um, list are caused by people and specifically the current generation of people who are in charge who make bad decisions who communicate badly who don't plan ahead so you've got you know, climate change for instance which is a failure of planning um, 
And so basically, there's no hope for the current generation, which, you know, I'm sort of probably moving into that kind of, you know, there's always the people between sort of 50 and 70 who rule the world. Um, and so what we need to do is, is teach the younger generation. That, that's really, in the long term, the only plan is, is to teach the young, younger generation to make better decisions and to communicate better and get on better and be more empathic. And so I, I sort of talk about how you do that. And, and this, it's a mixture between silly and sensible. I mean, there's a, there's a grain of truth in the, in, in the talk because if you look at the evidence for how you improve communication in children, how you um, improve their planning skills, their um, what we would call executive function, um, how, you, uh, you know, how you get them better organised, all of those things... Um, it's all games. I mean, if you look at that, well, not all of it, but a lot of it is games. A lot of it is play-based. Um, and so I go on, and, and actually what I add in is empathy, because I think what play in person adds, that because video games will give you some of those planning skills, they'll give you some of those cognitive skills, but video games are, I think, very, very bad at fostering empathy. That's true. Um, that, would, that would be my view. Um, so you, but you need to foster empathy because none of none of the other things that you do will help the problems that we have unless unless we have more empathy in the world, which is, well, both a kind of hippie liberal thing to say, but also a completely obvious point. Um, so, um, but I think that playing with people in person really does foster empathy, and I think there's good evidence for that. Um, so, you know, what we need, and then, then I sort of pull the rug and say, okay. We all love board games, and a lot of the ex exercises that have been shown to work for these developmental skills are structured games. But really, it is play that will save the world. It will. It is people playing together. It is people coming together as people in person or perhaps online as well. But and playing together and understanding each other that will save the world. So that's that was the talk, and it was kind of mixture of. Lots of silliness, lots of silly jokes in, in between, but a kind of vaguely serious message. Because I do, I do think it's true. I think losing play, losing playfulness is where you start to go wrong in life. Yeah. Um, and I think what I love board games, partly because even if you're not socially that confident, even if you're not that, uh, you know, you haven't got that joy, that sort of bounciness of, child play child's play you can still play meaningfully in adulthood uh, in a way that really satisfies you and brings you together with people so i i i, I mean i do think that board games are part a part of it i have to say and um, that was part of, that was the first half and then there was a silly thing we did in the middle but the other thing i want to talk about was um our game idea competition so we're not i called it an elevator pitch competition but then no one really knows surprisingly what an elevator pitch is outside of kind of uh, a small number that's but not, it's basically that's not a bad thing actually no no quite um so the elevator so so the, it was basically i wanted to see once and for all whether children or adults have better ideas in a kind of scientific experiment but it, it had the trappings of a scientific experiment although i don't think it would have got through kind of an ethical approval um <laughs> Um, so we got a load of adults to send in game ideas on a, a Word document. So it's just an idea. It's just words. Just what, what's the most amazing game that you would make? And the adults sort of were kind of either quite serious or kind of adult humour-y. So they a little bit kind of risque or just 
they just anyway it was just very different and the kids came up with all of these crazy ideas and so we randomly chose well I chose three kids ideas and three um, I was going to say human ideas <laughs> <laughs> adult ideas and basically my daughter read them all out um, which she was cool with and she thought well they're all very funny even the ones that are a little bit kind of uh, edgy um, and it was obvious to everyone which were the children and which were the, which were the adults but it was strictly blinded, if you see what I mean, because it wasn't explicit who were the obvious, who, who it was. And actually both, I mean, I think the kids would have won even if they had been equal, of equal quality, but the kids were so much better. I mean, they absolutely trounced the adults. Um, so we now know scientifically, in inverted commas, um, that children have better ideas than, than adults, which is good. It's a, it's a, it's a, stride, it's a stride forward for, um, for science, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and for society. Uh, did you record the age of the children who gave the ideas? Yeah, so they were all um, t actually, they all happened to be 12 or 13, actually, um, just because those were the best ones. And they were still childlike. Uh, they had that energy, but they were coherent. Um, so those were the actually, that's almost, in fact, in a way, that's almost the best, the best, age yeah. to have ideas which is funny because we don't listen to 13 year olds very often do we they, they're kind of derided but but actually they may have the best ideas of all of us yeah in some ways i'm, I'm asking the age because i have this opinion on the society nowadays that the older you get the more closed your box is yeah when, when you're born you have 360 view of a perspective yeah and the yeah. older you get the less it is yeah yeah and i think that's true. it's really difficult to keep your eyes open so to say when you get older, because you are not allowed to, in a way, society doesn't allow you to throw ideas, because someone will say, that's stupid, don't yeah, do it. Oh, exactly. That's stupid, don't, it's not going to work. Mm. So, obviously, the children have better ideas. It's good that you scientifically... Yeah, scientifically, <laughs> scientifically. <laughs> proved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I, may, I, may, I might have to just write a kind of um, a, a, a jokey article about how I've scientifically proved it. That might be quite fun. I must get around. I, just, I haven't got around. I've been very busy since then. But um, um, yeah, yeah, no. So, so, so actually, that has um, led me to think about possibly another project um, because I don't have enough projects clearly <laughs> um, about actually just exploring more kids making up games and you know exploring and just to promoting their creativity and in, in making up games and. You know, there's a guy called Tom Corcoran um, who did a um, he did a workshop at the expo after me, but I wasn't able to go to it. But he he takes it a step forward. He helps children to physically make games. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting thing, and and that we may do something about that, and possibly another contest because the contest was so fun. But just leave the adults out because they didn't really add that much to it. And we can do maybe you know boys versus girls. We can do England, you know Britain versus. Um, well, yeah, maybe the EU versus Britain by then, um, if we're very unlucky. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too, but I think, suspect it's inevitable. Um, and, you know, the US, I don't know, we could have like an international, I don't know, we could do, we could, we could have some fun with it next year. Um, because that was, it was such a great thing, just they send in these things. And they were so delighted when they got their little prizes afterwards. Um, so, yeah, no, that was really, really fun. Um, Uh, I like I like this uh, collaborative learning. Actually, I'm thinking immediately that they could make it as a group. You could mix the age groups, like one yeah. five to seven, one eight to ten, one uh, 
preteens or something and there could be three yeah. people or four people and they would all throw the ideas and it would it might actually become really interesting oh i see so you have you make groups and you you actually have people like a mixed, mixed age, making age other group and yes that might ah. be interesting to make a two-hour workshop or something and say that whatever you want to do do and maybe collaborate with the guy who was after you and then ah. you you would make the idea and then they would make it in practice so the, the difficulty the difficulty is i think a workshop at some somewhere i mean you know there are game design workshops for adults but maybe a game design workshop for children because the other person i know who does game design workshops is james wallace um the um the designer um how interesting um the difficulty is, of course, I mean, we didn't have a great uh, attendance, and let's be honest, because even though it was really fun, you don't go to a games expo or a games conference to go. Most people who have children don't go to go and sit and listen to a seminar. If you are a gamer and you're there for three days, you've got time to sit in a seminar because you've got lots of gaming to do. But if you're going yeah. with a family, you're there to play games. And I get that. Maybe, maybe if you provide babysitting, they might. Yeah. <laughs> But the point is, it was the point is, it was very much family friendly. It was very much yeah, yeah. focused on the kids, and and I think the kids probably enjoyed it more than the adults, which is exactly how it should be. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, it was fun. We'll probably do something slightly different next year, but um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was uh, definitely an experience. So, what was the purpose of Matthew Jude? The what? What is the purpose of Matthew Jude? Well, what that was? is an excellent question. <laughs> I didn't well, it that way. <laughs> when it, many of us have thought about that for many a time. The purpose of Matthew Jude, um, who is a wonderful, wonderful man, and I'm very, very fond of him, um, was basically, I wanted some, he's got a kind of, I wanted a little bit of vinegar in with, in with the sweetness. I wanted a little bit of sarcasm, a bit of a bit of astringency uh, with the, everyone else who was being very kind of, who, you know, everyone's very kind of positive and energised. And, and he's very good at being not aggressive, not getting, any, not bringing anyone down, but being quite laconic. And I thought that was just, would have been a really, it was actually a really nice mix. And he didn't do a huge amount. He just told us what he thought of the different designs. But um, yeah, he was great. He was really, really great. It was really good to see him. Um, I completely forgot to plug any of his stuff in the show, um, which is terribly embarrassing because <laughs> i just get i just get in a flow and i was just talking and yeah. and everyone was like what are you doing oh and i just completely forgot until afterwards and then i had to send him lots of apologetic facebook messages <laughs> um but yeah he's doing some great stuff he's got a new podcast out if anyone's interested in podcasts death yeah, by monsters which i have not listened to yet but i think i'm very intrigued not about board games about monsters i think and uh, yeah. um so, yeah, do have a look at that, because I'm now, having failed to plug him, um, I'm now having to make up <laughs> plugging him, like, in the supermarket. Have you heard of Matthew Jude? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Matthew Jude. He's the guy with the beanie. No, no, he has a baseball he's, cap now. He's, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's losing the edge, actually. He's becoming too kind, in my opinion. He's more, <laughs> more energetic. He's not that gloomy as earlier, because he's meeting more people, and he understands that people are not that annoying and bad as he thought earlier uh, he's, he's, he has he has a, a much more complex personality and a, and, a, and a much more nuanced personality than he ever his that old persona of grumpy matthew ever gave 
Creedence, you know, was it ever reflected? He he's a, a very kind and thoughtful person. Yes. Um, uh, but who does genuinely find, and as many of us do, social interaction not very easy. Um, and I think, you know, that's one thing's really interesting about the board gaming scene, isn't it? That it's it is a place where people who don't find who who would run in horror from a cocktail party or standing sitting you know standing around having drinks and chatting, but who nonetheless gather in large groups um, and do interact. Um, and I think that's a brilliant thing about the hobby. You look at that, you know, you look at the, um, uh, you look at the, the hall of a, of, a, of a big games convention and there's a lot of very awkward people there, but they're all interacting and, and there's nothing, you know, that, that's such a beautiful thing. That's a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> uh, did you do anything else on Sunday besides the seminar? Well... So I am not a mass, I, I'm sort of trying to work out what I think about conferences, if I'm honest. Sorry, uh, no, conferences. conventions. Um, and I think I've come to this. I like playing games that I haven't played before and learning games. And of course, you don't have to pay for them. So the demoing thing is quite fun. The difficulty I have with that is that because I was going around with my two younger children, I did not have any choice about which games we played. And I knew that the games we played would not be that good because just on ballot, on average, a game is not going to be, it's going to be okay, but not good. Um, and so we played a lot of average games, um, but they were fine. Um, but also played Trap Words by CGE, which was actually genuinely fun. Um, uh, and I just wondered, so so that part, I, I think I would find more point to if I if it was just me or if it was me in a, You know, I'm one of my adult friends who could actually we could have a discussion <laughs> about rather than I want to play this. Oh, all right, fine. Um, and then halfway through something that I'm quite enjoying, go, I'm bored. I've got to go. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, so I think but I think what I love, I kind of grew to love about the expo was not the big stalls. It was the little guys who for, the, for whom this is their big day. This is their big thing. The little tiny two, one or two people um, games uh, companies. And their games might not be that great, but there is always a little sort of diamond in there. There's always a little, um, uh, you know, brilliant little nugget uh, somewhere there. So I think it's digging around that and it's just experiencing the passion of those people and having to disappoint them when you don't buy their game um, <laughs> because it's not that good. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Yeah, that's what I re that's what I like about the expo. I I can kind of take or leave the big corporate flashy bits, um, and yeah, open gaming is fine. Um, but I can do it. I've got quite a few friends at home I can do open gaming with. That's it's not something that will attract me to Birmingham. Um, it takes a lot to attract me to Birmingham. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of Birmingham. Um, <laughs> oh, come on, it's not that bad. Uh, we were there the second time. It was better this time because we didn't stay that long in the city. It was fun. It's... We actually went to Legoland and Sea Life, and both of them were fun. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. No. Well, that's not in Birmingham, so that's fine. You went Windsor if you went to Legoland. No, Le no, Legoland. no, no. They are in Birmingham, in the centre. Oh, Birmingham. there's a little one, is there? Yeah, there's the adventure. Oh, park. yeah, the inside one. There probably is good stuff in Birmingham. I just like having a go at it. I like, I like being rude about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And everyone seems to. <laughs> 
But I think I think to be fair, there probably is stuff in Birmingham, but it's you know it doesn't compare to London, which is a phenomenal city. Yes, and we have lots of other phenomenal cities in the UK: Liverpool, Manchester, Cardiff, Edinburgh, um, York, Leeds, which outshine it. So it's big, but it's not as exciting as any of those places, just in terms of history or um, just culturally or just in terms of how cool they are. Um, you know, they all they all kind of out trumpet in different ways. Um, we're very lucky, really, because we've got so, so, so many phenomenal sort of cultural places to, to kind of get to in a few hours, really. Yeah, that's true. And what age are your children that you were with? So I've got a 14 year old, a 12 year old and a nine year old. Um, so you would think that the 12 year old and nine year old would be able to be a bit less childish about their game choices, but they were tired. And actually, for children, you don't realize they find I th well, I mean, at least my children do. I don't know what other people think, but they find the whole ambience, the noise, and all the distractions much harder to shut out than adults. Yes, and there is probably something developmental about that. Um, and and so it is quite exhausting for them to concentrate in that setting um, so I kind of cut them some slack really so um, were there any other like gems or something than this trap words did you find any I really enjoyed trap words um, not really not not I could really recommend I was really impressed by um, the production of a game called Ninja Squad that my my younger son bought it was 25 pounds um you know in an era where you have 100 pound kickstarters every week yeah um it was 25 and you got some really nice components really nice boards and four little soda pop miniatures in fact they threw another one in um the game isn't great um, <laughs> but that was the other thing that I was impressed by and again it made me think actually these small guys They can really very. They can deliver really good value as well. Yes, um, sometimes that's true. Uh, did you play any disappointing games? Oh, I no, that I, well, I, I don't want to. You know, I mean, it's it's each to their own, isn't it? There's the thing is, there's so much. There's so many media of people discussing board games in podcasts and outside who say I don't like take that games. So mm. many people who really love games don't like take that. Um, So why do people who have been in the board game world for so long still make take that games? Because so many people will not like that. You're not going to get critically acclaimed with a strong element of take that, I don't think, in this world. So why are people still doing it? I don't understand it. And that, so that's code for I was forced by my children to play a number of take that games <laughs> that were not that good, partly because they had so much take that in them. Yeah, I played with my four three-year-old. This um, what is it called? Spring is it called Spring Games? They had this farm rescue, and then they had these other kids' games there, and they were actually very nice. Oh, good! This good Pegasus with the dog toy pig that makes the big sounds, and then you have the excellent. Uh, that was actually very interesting because it's easier for children probably to play than for adults because it has cards that are. They have animals combined of two different animals, so they're yeah, yeah. like the head of a pig. I don't know if you saw that game. No, no, no. The head no. of a pig so and the body of a snail, and then somewhere yeah. there's a head of a snail and body of a pig. Yeah, you have to find those. It's really difficult for adults. Well, and that sort of working memory yeah. peaks about 15, and then it's downhill from there. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was actually quite interesting, and some kids' games were very nice there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and did you find anything else that you particularly enjoyed? Were you there for the whole time? Yeah, I was there for the whole time. I didn't get to play that much, but I think Sushi Roll was the best game I played. In so the what Expo. was that? Sushi Roll. It's like the dice version of Sushi Go. Oh, really? Was that your favorite? It was What's... a superb game. Really? What? How, what have they done with it then? They made it into a dice game, and you can see what is coming. Like in the Sushi Go, you're drafting. You don't know mm. what is coming to you. In this, you'd also draft the dice, but you see what the die, dice are coming, and you can swap the die from someone else to your die, and then you mm. can pile the dice. I mean, it worked much better, in my opinion, because you could strategize better than with the card version. Mm. I really liked the game. I would have bought it, but they sold out on Friday, I think, already. That is interesting. I wouldn't, because I, I love the theme. I love, love, love the theme. It's sort of slightly faded for us. I think, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that would uh, bring it back to us. Ah, oh, such a good recommendation. Thank you. And, and I think that Sushi Go is a very good, like a gateway game. Everyone yeah. can play it, but drafting can be difficult for someone because you, you can't really help with the drafting. You don't see what someone has in the hand. But with no, the dice, no. you can say that you can do this with this die and this yeah. with this die. So, so you can help. Yeah. It's really easy to teach and it's very good game. Excellent. I, I don't really like gateway games that much because they don't give me much. But this one was very good. Wow! 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 Okay, well, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for that. Brilliant. You didn't get to play it. Maybe your kids no. would have been able to play it also because it oh, was I'm sure very... they'd be able to play it. They they do yeah. love they do love sushi. They love they love sushi go. Um, it just yeah anyway. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been good. They had one yeah, table yeah. where you can play it. I never, I never even saw it. But that's okay. Somebody will find it at some point. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of learning patience with games. You know, at some point it will come and it'll be either good or not good. And if it's that good, it will still be available. So we don't. Yeah. I, I've sort of, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of seem to be. I've lost my FOMO about games quite a lot, which is a great relief to me. Yes, definitely. I've been trying to do that for the last one year or half a year while I've been doing this own media stuff with the board games i was like i've been trying to get less and less games and i've tried to filter the games and i've tried to get rid of some games but yeah it's really how how can you say it's like relieving feeling when you don't have this fear of missing out that you don't get the newest one you don't get the newest one no but are you doing i'm sorry i don't really i'm not completely sure <laughs> what your angle is in, in your media are you doing reviews of new stuff or is that your main focus or is no. it I'm, I'm not really reviewing i'm just <laughs> talking I, okay. I'm, i have this babble cast in my opinion so i'm just talking opinions <laughs> and what i've done and such and of course i review but i'm not actively asking review copies or something and no i actually and got that... my first review copy in the uk games expo this pegasus, pegasus gave me undo and i was already going to buy it so it was nice that the there, what is this better something, head of relations or something, he just asked, do you want one? And I said, okay, give it. <laughs> it was really nice, Lovely. by the way. That's that really nice. That's great. No, I, 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 I have not gone down that route, and I, I did briefly do some reviews, but I, I don't find it that satisfying. So I'm, I'm going to plough my own furrow, do my own thing. I think it's too difficult to make a review for the word that it is because when you make a video if you make a video review i would want to make it too good so it would take a week to make one 
Yeah, I don't. I don't have that kind of time to spend. I will rather yeah. make one episode of podcast. Yeah, because you're up against people who make s- phenomenal videos, yes. just superb, funny, entertaining videos. Even if you disagree with them. Yeah, and um, there are so many. And there are so many people in the in the industry. I mean, yeah. just giving. They don't make any. They don't make much money, but they just produce this wonderful stuff. And and we can't. I can't compete with that. So I'm not going to try. I don't think there's anyone in the in the kind of children slash family game space that's that good. But I'm. I'm. That's not me. I can't do that either. So. Yeah, it's just I. I don't know. I. I don't really like reviewing that much either. Of course, I want to give my opinion and such, but. Mm. not in a detailed way and people are doing so good job that there is no point in competing with them because what's the gain you just even that Matthew Jude is quite a good reviewer which is annoying yeah Yeah. (laughs) he is quite good actually (laughs) sometimes (laughs) but he he made me buy Coimbra and High Society actually with his reviews because he was other people praised them and I heard that they are good but when he said that they are good I believed him do you not like them? Yeah, I like them. I bought oh, both of them fine. because of him. Yeah, yeah. I love High him. Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah, Coimbra it. is also good. I have not. I have not played Coimbra. I'm not. I don't. I'm not playing many kind of heavier games at the moment. I don't know if Coimbra counts as heavier, but um, I'm very much. I tell you what, I did play, uh, but it's not. It's from the UK. It was bought at the UK Games Expo, so it may count. Um, but it was played after the UK Games Expo. It's Museum. Oh, I didn't play that. Uh, I can't even remember the um, the designers. They're not. It's a, it's the, the, the the big name is actually Vincent Dutrait, who did all the all the art. Um, it's so beautiful, and it's actually really good. It's kind of set. You are a museum curator, and it's set. You're collecting artifacts, but there's it's it's kind of set collection. But there's lots of nice, quite crunchy little twists on how you collect them. Uh, you have to kind of put some in your warehouse to put some in your collection. Um, you can take things from other people's collections and put them in your warehouse. So if you d- sort of discard something, it may end up in somebody else's and give them lots of points. Really good. Um, uh, really, really, really good game. And it helped that I absolutely destroyed the people I played with. But, um, you know, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen actually good um, comments on it in Instagram and Twitter yeah. also. People yeah, are yeah. praising it. It's, so it, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it it. I think it may be a kind of sleeper hit. I don't really know. I mean, I'm not really keeping track on what's a hit and what's not a hit at the moment. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying what I'm enjoying. Yeah, but if, if you begin keeping track and following everything, then the well, FOMO uh, comes back. That's yes, how you get FOMO. Yes, exactly. Um, That's what I was going to say. That you, yeah, you're getting absolutely. back, or you will get everything, and it's not good. Neither is good. No, no, no. Exactly. Good. Uh, anyway. In in general, the expo was fine, in your opinion. Was yes, there something it, that they could have done better for mm, the next year? Not really. I mean, I think I think it's it's the the reservations I have about expo ha- are the reservations I have about every convention, um, which is I'm not that into the kind of consumption aspects of it and the pl- open play with friends aspects of it. You don't need a massive convention to achieve um i'm into meeting these small producers and seeing games that i would never otherwise have heard of 
Um, but then the risk of that is that some of them are, you haven't heard them of them for a good reason. So uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, I don't think there's anything wrong with what they did with it. Yeah. Um, and you know, they were great to work with around the show. Uh, they were very helpful. So that was nice. Um, would you suggest the UK Games Expo for someone who hasn't gone to a bigger convention earlier? Yes, I think it's very friendly. I think it's quite easy to get to. Um, I think, I think it's got lots going on, and I think it's. Big enough that it feels like a big event, but it's not overwhelming. My tip would not to go on the Saturday the first time you go. If your first experience of it is Saturday, I'm not sure how a great time you'll have. I don't know what you think. Yeah. How about if you come from abroad? Let's say that we came from Finland. If someone sure. decides that I will go to one convention this year from Finland, should they go to UK Games Expo or something else? Or Spiel. Yes, which one? Uh, should they go to USA? I or should it go to USA? Um, I don't know because I haven't been to any of the others. I don't think Spiel massively appeals to me because it's very much not about gaming; it's about buying. So yes. I don't think I've not really got any desire to go to Spiel. Uh, the US ones, some of them appeal. Um, I, would, I suppose I would. Origin seems like quite a similar thing to UK Games Expo, yes. actually. Uh, in size and everything, um, Gen Con just seems insane, and I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure I'm really up for that. So, I mean, you know, if I was in, I think you know, the ones that I really appeal to me are, you know, if there was a, a you know, a, a, um, a board game designer I really like, or a curator, or you know, a, a media guy who I really like. Like, I mean, you know, um, And and they were at a, a conference, so I, I quite like I like ludology. So if you know Gil Hover was going to a conference, and I could go and hang out with him for a bit, and then um, I know he was at UK Games Expo as well. Um, I could hang out with him for a bit, and then also be in a small, friendly place which had a real local character to it. You know that would be great. That would be a lovely if I happened to be in the US, and and I, I would love that. That would be a highlight of any trip to the US. But I'm not sure I would go to the US to. To attend something where, I, don't know. I mean, it's it's hard for me because Birmingham's only a, just over an hour from my house, so yeah, um, it's easy. Yeah, that's true. I think Dice Tower Con might be the best one to go to, maybe. If yeah, that's, that's not a big one, but there's Orlando, so you I, can go I to would, Disney yeah. World and everything. That's the only yeah. one I would actually yeah. travel to. I, as well. I, I would possibly do. I would possibly do that. I mean, I used to do quite a lot with the Dice Tower, but I stopped this year. Um, it's a Yeah, it's a great team. It's a really great thing. I just, I just, I feel, I feel disconnected from them. So it would be weird for me to go to their conference. Yeah, but it's just for the playing. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. In lots of ways, it is the best one. Quite obviously. Yeah. So, do you want to promote yourself or what you do? Why should the Finnish person listen to your podcast or? What should they? Why should they find you? Where can they find you? Uh, So you, I think the best way to find if you haven't looked for one thing which is i'm going to produce which might be interesting stuff it's it's play is the thing um so that's on facebook play is the thing and on twitter at play is the thing one um because the one without the one on it was taken uh and i do i just listen to the podcast because if you're interested in games you're probably interested in play even if you haven't really thought about the fact that you're interested in play and If you're interested in play, then there will be something for you in that podcast. I think that would be the pitch. Can people find you? Should they find you from Twitter or something? Oh, they can find me. I'm Max Davy on Twitter. That's at Max Davy. Um, M-A-X-D-A-V-I-E. Yeah, by, by, by all means. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I quite a lot of talking about ADHD, quite a lot of talking about British politics and and being slightly cross uh, about the state of the latter. So if you want that, if that's if that's your bag, then <laughs> by all means. Anyone do you want to add something? Do you have something that you forgot to say or no? Not really. Um, I'm I'm extremely I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. Um, I'm very happy to chat with them online. Um, and uh, yeah, who, who knows? I might come to Finland one day. That would be lovely. That would be actually cool. <laughs> we, have, we have some conferences here. Great. Oh, academic have, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have this educational research days every year, and that, this year it's actually in the in my university. It's in Joensuu well, this year, so. We are hosting are. it in the autumn. That would be delightful, but uh, maybe not this year. <laughs> maybe not this year. Anyway, thank you so much. Thanks for very much. All right. Coming. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers then. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was some very interesting stuff from Max. Not fully related to board gaming, but related to play. You should really check out his Facebook page and maybe listen to the podcast that he's doing especially if you are interested in play in any way or form or just want to know what the idea is i'm very sad that i missed the seminar but let's see how my sunday went otherwise sunday was a bit of a lazy day lazy day lazy day i tried to go to max davis seminar but i think they began it early because the door was closed and there was some voices coming from inside so i didn't want to go and disturb them i probably should have That should have been an interesting family gaming oriented seminar. I wanted to take my family with me because they had a ticket for the Sunday. I mean, wife had a ticket for the Sunday and of course the kid goes free every day if she wants to. But I decided that Sunday I go with the family and we look what there is. So we hanged around and looked at the things and the Habas kids plays and my daughter wanted to play the train there. And then we saw some games. I said, now we go and we look at this Pegasus and... She really liked Pegasus and she understood the game quite quickly, although she's three and we just played it cooperatively in a way. Then of course we had to squeeze the pig a bit because it's like a dog toy, it makes a big sound. And the quality was quite good for the game and the game was nice, but I'm not really sure that would it have a space in myself or the daughter's self. But yeah, it's a nice toy, it has a good toy factor. It enhances some kind of thinking different kind of thinking because you have to combine pieces from two other things like i said earlier you have to combine the head with the body and then you make the animal the animal drawings are quite nice they have head of a different animal and body of a different animal like this pegasus would suggest the other game i said already earlier i said it probably wrong but the real name is farm rescue There's a wolf running around the fence trying to get you to your sheep and you are the farmer trying to catch the wolf. Uh, the game works so that in the middle there are tiles that are face up and then you roll a die and when whatever comes from the die, if it's an animal or a color, you turn matching tile around. If there is not that kind of a tile open, you have to remember where it was turned. Uh, so it becomes a memory game with a like a randomized setup or such because you turn the tile when you roll the die and you, when you the tiles are turned when you roll the die off of something that is not showing you turn around the tile if it's correct your f- 
farmer moves one step forward to catch the wolf and if it's incorrect the wolf moves forward. If the farmer catches the wolf before the wolf goes inside to eat the sheep, you win the game. If the wolf goes inside, you lose the game. We played a full game with the daughter and we won it quite easily actually, because we were quite lucky with the rolls. There were only a few tiles turned when we got a roll that we were supposed to remember. But the component quality is fantastic. The farmer and the wolf, they are both like toys. They are really, really nice. We also played high school too, for a while not a full game, but I considered it a full game because we played with the daughter and she tried to do the flips and such and then the time was running out and we had to leave the expo because the expo was closing and I have a unwrapped high school, the first version, on the shelf. It's still in shrink, so I said to the daughter that when we go home we can play, but she didn't remember it yet so I still haven't opened it. But we have high school at home so we can play it when she wants to and i promised that we played half a game maybe so we flicked the penguins a bit and took some faces we didn't play with full rules of course but just the flicking and going through the doors and such and that was nice then after that we left the expo we thought that we would hang around in the research world we had reserved train to get to london at eight o'clock but research world also closed five i think so we had three hours of doing nothing so we <laughs> went to we were so disappointed we went to get the luggage from the hotel and then we went to the train station ate subways and then they even closed the subway at five o'clock or something six o'clock and that was ridiculous we there was basically no way to no way to wait for the train and it was i i didn't i don't understand why you have to close this train stations or it's also serving as an airport I think somehow why do you close them at that time then we took the train to London we went to the Houston station oh everything was closed there also because we arrived at 10 so we didn't get food from there that's great then the London tube map shows that it's an accessible metro station so of course we thought that we will go downstairs with the elevator but there was no elevator so we went in, then we went out. Then we had to walk to King's Crossing in the middle of the night. Not middle of the night, but 10 o'clock. Luckily it seems to be a safe neighborhood or something. And then at King's Crossing we did the elevator raster trying to get to the underground line to Heathrow Airport. And we didn't know when we booked this train ticket that it doesn't run after midnight. So we were in a bit of a rush because it was already 11 o'clock. After 11 actually. When we arrived to King's Crossing because... We got some sandwiches on the way and then we bought coffee from the train station and such. And we thought that okay we will catch the metro. Then we went downstairs and there was <laughs> two metros waiting at the stop. One of them said to that center, one said Cockfosters. And in a <laughs> we were in a rush so we ran to the Cockfosters because of course Heathrow doesn't equal to center to me <laughs> or to us. And I thought that it has to be the correct one because center is not it would say Heathrow if it's going to Heathrow not center so we went to the wrong metro and at some point I noticed that now this is not good the correct direction that we have to jump out that it's not good <laughs> that we are going this direction this is the wrong direction we were so, so tired already from the trip and we just stood in the metro and the daughter was sleeping we didn't even notice that we are going the wrong way but it seemed that because 
if you go to Heathrow direction, I would assume that more and more people are coming inside, but people were just dropping off. And I think we dropped off at somewhere, maybe it was Wood Green or Turnpike Lane, somewhere. But there was a very small metro t- station. There was no elevator either. So we had to take the pushcart in the escalator. And it was a bit problematic. And we tried to just switch the lane, but the <laughs> metro didn't go anymore. Because it was too late for the metro to go. And this is really not good that it doesn't go past midnight. And then we went to... Outside we tried to handle the situation. What do we do? What do we do? Then we went to some kind of a minibus depot. And it's very shady stuff. I mean, you go to some kind of a depot and they have a cafe there. And then they call someone, come and take them. And... Then we got a, we were so scared all the time that what will happen? We are somewhere in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and trying to go to the airport, trying to come back to Finland in the morning. Luckily, our flight was in the morning and not in the night. So finally, after all these struggles, I'm not going into more detail because it was a bit frustrating and kind of <laughs> scary. Even now, it's nice to na- laugh to it, but we were not laughing at that point. Especially my wife was not laughing and the kid woke up from the sleep and such. And we got a, I don't know what it is, like a blind taxi. And it was very expensive to go to the airport from that way. I mean, it would have been way more expensive with a proper cab, I think. But this was some kind of a minibus service. The lady at the underground station was able to help us and tell us what to do and suggest something. And... I don't know, the neighborhood didn't look really nice. I don't know about the neighborhood, but still, okay, we've <laughs> experienced that. So we were at the Heathrow Airport at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, something, somewhere in between. And the daughter was sleeping. I didn't sleep the whole night because we had the flight early in the morning and we thought that we will sleep in the plane. I played one game of Castles of Burgundy, the dice game solo. And then in the morning we flew back to Finland and... Of course, when we went to the plane, the daughter woke up, so we didn't sleep in the plane that much. And then we went to train, the daughter slept all the way from the airport to the train, and then in the train she woke up after a while. But we had other people in the same cabin with us, so other family, so we were actually talking with them. But I was so tired. Luckily, my family let me sleep after the others went out of the cabin, so I got got some sleep before we go home because I was supposed to still drive a bit. So the way back was very long and a bit scary and interesting, but I'm back. <laughs> we are all safe and sound and everything, but at least we have an experience to talk about in the middle of <laughs> some strange neighborhood in London that how can you get get out from there. Anyway, so that's about it for my experience on the expo. You can go to my Instagram to check some photos and such that I've talked about. I will write something on Sushi Roll later because I really like the game and I feel the need that I need to write something on it. Kind of a mini review or something. I have played the Undo and Ticket to Ride London after coming home. You can find those mini reviews from Instagram also. Let's see if I talk about them in the coming episodes. This has to be Paul. He made me wait a bit long, but anyway, at least he managed to appear here. Let's see if I'm right. Who are you? 
So my name is Paul Grogan. I live in the UK. Um, I've been a gamer since the 80s. So pretty much, wow. yeah, m most of my life. I started playing games in the early 80s. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, the Fantine Fantasy uh, books, and got into early board gaming, like th the really old games that were around at the time. So things like Acquire, Civilization, 1830, Axes and Allies, all of, all of those games. Um, I dabbled around a lot with various types of games. I've done wargaming, I've done role-playing games for 25 years, I've done collectible card games. Uh, in about 98, 99, I switched over to be board gaming completely. I say completely. I still dabbled with the occasional bit of card gaming here and there, but I, I you know, I didn't really do much else. Um, so yeah, so I've been gaming a long, long time. Medium to heavy Euro games are kind of my sweet spot, although I do branch out of that sometimes. And now I work full time in the games industry, which is the dream job, isn't it? Everybody seems to say, <laughs> oh yeah, working in the games industry is the dream job. So about five years ago, I started a company called Gaming Rules. Yeah. Um, and the original intention was that I would be creating a series of how to play tutorial videos because I love teaching people how to play games. Yeah. I, you know, even going back to the 80s, I, I was the one who people came around to Paul's house and Paul would teach them how to play a game. I, that was always the way. And at every gaming group that I've ever been a member of, that was kind of the default position because I like teaching games. I think I'm quite good at teaching games. And um, yeah, that, that kind of stuck. So I thought, I want to carry on teaching people how to play games. And my full-time career, I was an IT uh, person, I was an IT manager. Yeah. And my career wasn't going so well, there, there was various issues. And I kind of wanted something on the side just to experiment to see how it would work. I had no intention of turning it into a business at all. And then suddenly, it did. Mm -hmm. um, but now I don't just do the rule books. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't just do the videos. Yeah. I do rule books as well. So probably about 40% of my work is actually writing and editing rule books for games, which is teaching people how to play games. Yeah. Again, just <laughs> in a different way. Um, I also do a lot of demo work at conventions. So some of your listeners who've been to Essen or places like that uh, might know that I do demo work normally working for Czech Games Edition, but yeah, I do demo work at conventions. And then in my spare time, spare time, um, <laughs> professionally, I actually do game development as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm not just somebody who does the videos and does the rule books, but I'm actually part of the development team with a number of publishers. So I will do testing sessions, I will give my feedback, uh, and I will be involved in uh, a number of the games to some level. Sometimes it's just, you know, changing a couple of icons, and sometimes it's actually making quite big gameplay changes. But yeah, I'm actually involved in the development of games as well. And then putting all of that aside, I have my other hat, where I am just a member of the board game media community. I do a Patreon page, which allows me the funding to take time off my paid work, where I do reviews, podcasts, playthroughs, and a whole host of other stuff. Basically, games are my entire life. Um, <laughs> You're not bored <laughs> yet. No, oh, no, no, no. That's the really good thing. Now, a lot of people said, when you start working in an industry which is the same as your hobby, you're going to lose the love of the hobby, right? Yeah. Five, five, years, five years on, I am absolutely loving it. When people come around, games night tonight, right? It's games night tonight at my house. I can't wait. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to play games. Um, and we played games, we played a few games on Wednesday. I still love playing games. Now... What I can't do is I cannot turn off the editor in me. So if I'm reading a rule book now, <laughs> I, have, I have my editor hat on because I can't help. 
And also, I learn from people's mistakes. So if I read something in a rule book and it's not clear, then yeah. I will hopefully learn from that and it will help me get better at writing my own rule books. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I still love playing games. Um, possibly even more than I ever did. But yeah, yeah still yeah. love it. So long history in the gaming, so I thought that didn't you get bored yet, but it's good that you didn't. By the way, do you let anyone else teach you a game? Yes. Do it's you? rare. It's rare, but it does happen. Um, and it's interesting because... Um, I mean, recently, I've been taught how to play Space Corp 2025 to 2300 by a good friend of mine, Graham Charlton, at a convention. That is probably the only, and that was about two months ago. Yeah. That's the only time somebody has taught me how to play a game, possibly this year. So it's rare are when you it happens. Are you able to not comment on the teaching? Oh, well, <laughs> because it, it I, really... I've noticed it's really difficult because <laughs> I'm also usually teaching the games. If someone else is teaching, it's really difficult to stay silent. It is. And it depends how good they are. Yeah, that's Now, true. Graham was fantastic. I had absolutely no comments whatsoever, well, apart from positive ones, on his teach. It was all structured. It was in the right order. The flow was correct. Some of my other friends, when they've tried teaching me, I haven't been able to keep quiet. because, yeah. And it's not for the benefit of other people around the table. Yeah, that's true. And it's not because I want to be critical of them. It's because they've jumped in the, into the explanation by saying, right, there are four actions you can do in this game. The first action is you can move you. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. What's this game about? You know, yeah. I, I have no idea what this game is about. I don't know how to play. I don't know how to win. Don't don't start teaching me by telling me what the four different actions are. Tell me that this is a game where we're building trains across Europe. The game will last for six rounds, and the player with the most money at the end of the game will win. Tell me that first, yeah. and then tell me. So yeah, when sometimes when a friend is teaching me and they're not doing a very good job of teaching me, I will be basically interrupting the teach by asking certain key questions that, yeah. that I need. And it's not because I want to interrupt them and I want to be a dick. It's because what they're telling me, I have, n I, I have no context to put it in. So yeah. if you don't yeah. know, why do you want to do a certain accent? Then why would you want to know what accent exactly. you do before you know why to do the accent? Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. So I was going to next ask, ask that, to the, what are you doing? But you already explained what do you do? Did you leave out something that you want to add? Um, I've probably forgotten some of the things that I do. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of the stuff I do is background stuff. Yeah. And I'm doing less of this these days than I than I used to. But for example, uh, I do a lot of work with Czech Games Edition. Yeah. And when I attend the big conventions, so your Gen Cons, your Essens, Origins, for example, UK Games Expo, I kind of take the gaming rules hat off and I put my CGE hat on. And a lot of people who go to these events actually think that I work full-time for CGE because they only ever see me at these events yeah. and they see how much of a big part I have in it. So for the last two or three years, I've actually helped organize the CGE demo team at Gen Con and Origins. And that means getting the hotel rooms sorted. That means doing the, the staff rotors of who's on shift when, making sure all the games are covered and all of that lot. Now, I've handed that over to somebody else. Yeah. But I did that for a couple of years. And that is background admin work that I can do because I was an IT project manager. So I'm good at organizing and I'm good with spreadsheets. But it's not something which 
you know, the people out there who go, oh, Paul Grogan, he's the guy that makes those tutorial videos. What he doesn't realize is he's actually spent three days last week putting together a rotor of all of the demo team for CGE. So yeah, I don't do much of that now, um, but there is a lot of other bits of, you know, background admin stuff that I'm doing within the games industry. Um, a lot of companies who I've been working with now for a few years will consult me on various random things like, oh, here's the front cover of the box, Paul. We want your opinion on it. Because although I'm not an art person, they know that I'm brutally honest. Yeah. And I always have been. And if they send me something and I go, that looks awful, I'm going to say... <laughs> That looks awful. Yeah, but that's actually um, good that you are getting those questions because it might make you feel good because people trust you and oh, know that yeah. you are being honest. Yeah, it, it does. To be honest, I you know although um, I complain about a number of things on a regular basis, the fact that you know, and this is it. If I go back ten years to when I was just a gamer, mm. and these games were coming out by these designers, and I'm like, oh wow, these games are amazing. And now, on a regular basis, I am having development-type discussions and stuff with people like Vital Lacerda, Vlaja Shavatul, uh, the people from Watch Your Game I've become friends with. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I pinch myself sometimes. And the other, the other month, was it the other month? No, it was last year. Um, <laughs> this is a funny situation. <laughs> Isaac, Isaac Childress, designer of what is now the number one game on Board Game Geek, yeah. decided to come to the UK Games Expo. So this was 2018. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, if you're in England, you know, are, are you going to see any of it? He said, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fly over there and we're going to go to Edinburgh and we're going to see that. And I said, well, look, after Expo, if you wanted to come down to Devon, which is where I live in England, yeah. you're more than welcome to stay here for a few days. And he said, oh yeah, that, that'd be cool. Um, so I, I don't drive anymore, but a friend of mine drove me to UK Games Expo that year and had a full car because it was me and him and all of my CGE booth stuff. So the car was full. So I was like, well, how am I gonna get Isaac and his wife, Kristen, to my house after Expo? So I called around a couple of friends of mine and I said, um, I said, Ian, did you drive to Expo this year? Ian lives down in Plymouth, so it's a bit further than me. And he said, yeah. I said, do you have room in the car for two people? And he said, no, I don't, but I think Rob does. I said, right, can you contact Rob? Anyway, Chinese whispers, basically, Rob got a message that, open quotes, one of Paul's mates wants a lift to Devon. So Rob turns up on the Friday at four o'clock at Expo at closing time and said, um, so who's, the, who's this mate of yours that wants a lift? And I went, it's Isaac Childress. And he went, what, you mean the Isaac Childress? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Isaac and his wife got in a car with a friend of mine who didn't even know <laughs> that this was happening. Um, and what's really unusual is that I was still packing the booth up. So Isaac and his wife actually got here and arrived at my house two hours before I got home and was just sat here in the kitchen having, you know, a cup of tea with, with, with my partner. <laughs> and that, the reason I'm telling this story is not to come across as, oh, I know Isaac Childress, but yeah. it's the fact that that's just, that's just how it is now. And if you were to say to me 10 years ago, Paul, would you imagine having a cup of tea with the designer of the number one game on BGG in your kitchen, I'd have been like, no, you know, that, that doesn't, would you imagine having, you know, arguments with Vital Lacerda over whether should be, something should be two points or three points at two o'clock in the morning, the day before the rule book's going to print? No, I would have never imagined that these things were possible. But one of the things that I've learned from working in the industry and getting to know these people 
and this will sound weird, is they're just people. Yeah. And I'd put them on this pedestal 10, 15 years ago of like, oh my God, these are games designers. These are like gods of the industry. These are amazing. And they are amazing people and they're absolute geniuses. But at the end of the day, they're just people. Yeah. And I, I now have discussions with these people, not as if they are these, these gods of the industry, but just as if they're sort of, you know, normal people. And that, that's quite cool sometimes. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, one can imagine that could you talk to a movie director like that or uh, mm. some kind of a Hollywood celebrity? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously I wouldn't, but you're right. What happens if you work in the industry? I guess it depends where you are in the industry. Yeah, of course. So you, 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 your Brad Pitts and your, your Eric Nortons, they could probably have a chat just as normal people because they're on the same level. And I'm not yeah. saying that I put myself on the same level as them, but also a lot of people in the board games industry and the three names I've mentioned, Isaac, Vittel, Vlager, yeah. they are all people who are actually very humble and don't like celebrity status. Yeah. It, that, ma- it makes them feel a little uncomfortable. They ju- they're just gamers. <laughs> that, that, that's what I actually meant, that the board game designers and the board game people, the people in the industry, they tend to be humble. Yes. Usually. Yeah, and that's Because, a really know, good thing. It it, it is a good thing. What makes me a little, what makes me feel a little uncomfortable is a couple of people, including a, uh, you know some people who I'm friends with, yeah, think that I'm a celebrity, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm not in any way at all, and I don't want to be thought of one. And they went, but. You, is Tom Vassell a celebrity? And I said, yeah, well, yeah. And is, is Rado a celebrity? And I said, well, yeah, in their way. And they went, well, therefore, so are you. And I went, no, 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 I'm not. And I don't think of me in that way at all. And it actually makes me a little uncomfortable that people do think of me in that way. But if I was to take me out of the equation and look at me from an outside point of view, then I guess, yes. You know, yeah. and everybody who's got a YouTube channel and all of these people, we are, in a way... But, but, you know, one thing that I like is when people come up to me at conventions and say, hi, Paul, how you doing? You know, have a mint or, or, or whatever. And a couple of times I've got back from a convention and somebody said, oh, yeah, I wanted to come and say hello to you, but I was a bit nervous. And I'm like, why are you nervous? It's yeah. just me. I'm just Paul. I'm just, I'm just a gamer who happens to now do what I do. But, yeah, it's some people put you up there because you're on the telly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's it's actually great in this industry. I mean, in this board gaming media and everywhere, that people want to be seen as gamers. Most people. Yeah. Some might want to be seen as celebrities without naming names, but most people want to be seen as gamers and easy to approach, and they want to play with you. They don't just yeah. want to say that hi, here is my autograph. They want to play with you. Even designers seem to be like that. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's a great thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, just going back to back to watch your game. I found out yesterday, so I'm quite excited about this. Um, but I'm hosting my own convention in... That you forgot to say, actually. I was I going forgot to, to say, say that yes. you forgot <laughs> to say about Ding and Gridcon. I forgot to say that I host my own convention. Well, I haven't yet. It, it starts a week from today. So a week from today, yeah, it will. It will. I will be on my way there to start setting up tables. Now, to say that I've host, I'm hosting my first convention this year, so I've been hosting my own convention for 20 years, but it's always been around my house. And we joke that it's a convention because I've sometimes had 25 to 35 people here. That's quite a lot. 
which is quite a lot, which is why we joke it's a convention. But it isn't a convention. People come round. It's my house. The it's garden like, is filled like with It's like gathering tents. of friends. It's Paul, like Paul a gathering Grogan. of friends. Yeah. yeah. Paul Grogan is gathering of friends. Yeah. It used to be originally called Paul's Post-Essen Games Weekend. Yeah. I first went to Essen in, I think, 1999. Oh, and wow. a month after that, I invited everybody around, all my friends around my house to play all of the new games that I'd brought back from Essen. So that's how it all started. And one month after Essen, for the last 20 years, this has happened. And then for my 40th birthday, which was nine years ago now, I said, oh, you know that four-day games thing that I do a month after Essen? Well, yeah. I'm thinking of doing another one for my 40th birthday. And then after we did that, and again, the house got invaded with 30 people for four days, yeah. my partner, Vicky, said, this was just a one-off, wasn't it? You're not, <laughs> you're not going to do this every year. And I went, um... Anyway, so it's, it's been twice a year, once in July and once in November. So we've had summer... It used to be called Rune Meet, so it's summer Rune Meet, winter Rune Meet. So I've been running this event now for, yeah, 10, 20 years. But this is the year where I've basically hired a venue and it's actually a proper convention and it starts a week from today. And I found out this week, just going back to what I was saying a minute ago, is at this convention, I am currently supposed to be doing some development work for Watch Your Game. I am supposed to be helping out test the yeah. new expansions for Madeira and Zhang Guo. And I noticed um, they have the second editions of those also. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so second edition. Well, the second edition is actually just a component and graphical update. There's no oh, change okay. to the games. But the Kickstarter, when it eventually goes live, is going to contain these modular expansions. And you can buy the expansions separately if you've got the original game and you just want to improve. But basically, yeah, they I was supposed so, to be... I asked it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing development work for them on both of these expansions. And what that means is they've got to send me the prototype, they've got to send me the rules, I've got to learn the rules, and then I've got to run these testing sessions and gather people's feedback. A week before the event happening, they hadn't sent me anything. So I said, look, if, if you want me to do this testing, we, you know, I'm yeah. going to need all of this stuff as soon as possible. At which point they came back and said to me, we're actually thinking of coming. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? What's your game? Like one of my favorite publishers. Yeah, and I'm saying, this, I'm saying this as a fan before I started working in the industry. Yeah. What's your game? One of my favorite publishers make games that are in my exact sweet spot of complexity and depth are thinking of coming to my little 100-person convention in the UK. <laughs> um, and they went, yeah, we're, we're... So we spent a couple of hours looking at flights and travel and everything else. And then, yeah, the next day they said, right, we've booked it. We've booked the flights. And it's like, okay. So basically they are coming and they are going to be running the test sessions, which That's is great, great for me because I've, <laughs> it's less work for me to do. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really pleased by that. So we've got Richard Breeze coming, designer of the key games. Yeah. Uh, not Keyforge, for anybody listening. Um, key Market, Key Flower. That's actually key... the first time I hear that. He's not the, <laughs> someone said that he's not the designer of Keyforge. He's not the designer the of connection. Keyforge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've known Richard for a few years, so he's, all, he's, he's actually come to my house for a few of the previous events. So he's coming to this one. Frank West, designer of City of Kings and recently Isle of Cats, he's come in. Um, Ian Schofield, local designer, David Digby, a friend of mine who's um, got a load of designs that he's designing. And in the last couple of weeks, a couple of other designers have contacted me and said, oh, can I have a table to do demos of my game? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, 
so yeah, it's um, it's nice because over in Portugal every year there is an event called LyriaCon. Yeah. And I went to it this year. And LyriaCon is a board game convention where there's you know hundreds of people playing games, but there is a strong industry presence. There is a number of people there from various publishers that use it as an opportunity to play test their games and do demos. More so, I think, than other conventions. And I was talking with Vicky, my partner, last night yeah. about all of these people that are coming to GridCon and doing development and doing testing. And she went, this is kind of like LyriaCon, because she came with me to LyriaCon this yeah. year. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And that, that is quite nice, because there's so many of these conventions that happen in the UK every weekend. I mean, I'm clashing with two other events. That's how many there are. Yeah. And most of them are just rooms of people playing games. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I love them and I go to them. And then you've got things like UK Games Expo, which is, you know, that's an exhibition. That's in a completely yeah. different league. Um, but my event seems to have a relatively high percentage of industry people who are using it as an opportunity to test new games. So Richard Breeze will be there with his new games that he's testing. What's your gamer going to be testing? I'm actually running some test sessions of games that I'm working on as well. So although it's only going to be a small part of it, it's going to be a bigger part of it than I think a lot of the other conventions that I go to. So that, yeah, that's quite cool. How about in November, the one that is the real GridCon? The real yeah. GridCon, yeah. So... So this one, in, this one starts next week I've called Ting, which is This Is Not GridCon, yeah. um, which is very, very, very confusing. The real GridCon, <laughs> which I should have called the real GridCon, that's in November. Um, it's at a different venue, which is, uh, and that is going to be what hopefully what is my permanent venue for GridCon, which yeah. is why this one is called This Is Not GridCon. Yeah. Um, that's going to be about 150, 160 people. So it's still quite small. Um, tickets will go on sale for that. Uh, tickets are on sale for that now for my patron supporters, and they will be on sale for everybody else next weekend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's still in Devon because otherwise it wouldn't be called GridCon, which is yeah. gaming rules in Devon, um, if it weren't in Devon. But it's in a town called Tiverton, mm. uh, about 150, 160 people, and Vital Lacerda is going to be there. Oh, which that, is that's cool. Which is very cool, but he, yeah. I mean, I spoke to him and he went, oh, you're doing your own convention this year, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I've never been to a UK convention and I'd like to come to one. And I was like, okay, well, my convention <laughs> is, is like a hundred people in a room playing games. It, you know, it isn't going to be, you know, he should be going to UK Games Expo. If he wants to go to a UK convention, he should be going to that. But he said, no, 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 I'll, I'll come along. I'll support you. I'll bring Sandra, my wife. She can go out into town for the day. All right, Vittel, it's, it's Devon in November. <laughs> it will be cold. It will be wet and it will be dark. So he's bringing his, he's bringing his wife along to go sightseeing in Exeter and places like that. And I think, oh, well, I, you know, I kind of hope the weather's going to be nice for her. Um, but again, going back to Vittel, he'll be more than happy. He just wants a room of people playing games. Yeah. And he actually said to me, I said, oh, I'll make you the special guest and I'll announce it. And he said, no, don't. I just, I just want to be there and play some games. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I am not passing up an opportunity <laughs> <laughs> to not tell people that you're going to be there. So, um, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Yeah. But yeah, that's November. Got to get this next one out of the way first. Yeah, and you'll be playing the SN games there in November, I guess, I assume. Oh yeah, I mean that, that again. This started twenty years ago. It was Paul's post yeah. Essen Games weekend, so the the focus of uh, the events when they were held at my house is actually I had a rule, and the rule was that at the November Rune meets or the November Grid cons, 
you are only allowed to play games that have just come out in the last few months. <laughs> now, nowadays, it's more like a rule than an exception. <laughs> it, it, yeah, now I, I am going to allow people to play whatever they want because yeah. it's a public convention. But yeah, when yeah. it was at when it was at my house, I kind of had a what I what I didn't want is people turning up because I do the one in the summer where you can play anything. Yeah. The one in November is to play all of the new hotness that's just come back from Essen. And the reason why I kind of did that is, you know, me and my group, we bring back so many new games. It's quite hard, even a year on, to get all of those games played. Yes. So if I dedicate a three or four day gaming weekend and you are only allowed to play the games that have just come out at Essen, it gives you a chance to get through as many as you can. So the focus will still be on the new Essen games and I assume a lot of people will want to play the new, the yeah. new games, but I certainly won't be making it a rule. Yeah, but there are so many games coming out in Essen and during the year compared to, let's say, oh, 20 years ago when you yeah, oh, for yeah. the first time. Yeah, the graph is is exponential. Yes. And I, I remember, you know, when I first went to Essen and, and even in the first few years of going to Essen, I would have come back with probably the biggest games that came out that year or, or would have liked to have done. And if I missed something, I'd pick it up later. That's yeah. how it was. Now, no chance. Yeah. You've just got to pick pick the ones that will suit you. And if you try and keep up with everything, you'll just end up playing every game once. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've just come back from Origins and I've got, uh, I've got Pipeline, I've got Barrage. You know, I managed to get advanced copies of those. Yeah. Um, I have recently got the new Lord of the Rings game. I've recently got the new Star Wars game. I've got all of these games. And I'm like, well, these are amazing. But then I look back at games that I've had for two or three months and I'm like, oh, but I still want to play them as well. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's, it, it is impossible to keep up with all of the new hotness, as I say, unless you just play a game once and then put it on your shelf, never play it again and then get the new one. But yeah. It's really so difficult, many games. actually, because yeah. at least for me, I want to play new games all the time. And you just read four games from my wish list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, I want to play new games because I like learning and teaching yep. the new games and seeing the new mechanics, how they work and how the game works. And if it's good, I'll leave it on the shelf. If it's not good, I will sell it. Right. But it's so difficult to get all of the games played that you want to play. Yeah. It's it's really, really difficult. Yeah. I'm I think trying one this thing... year that I will play all the games that I have on the shelf and I'm trying not to get any new games. Pipeline wow. is coming though, but others are not. How, how large... Is your pile of opportunity? In other words, games that you have that you haven't played. I have maybe. Wait a moment. I'm trying to look. It's maybe between twenty to thirty proper, oh, okay. proper, proper games. I'm not counting. Quite a lot. This, I'm not counting Pixel Tactics two, three, four. Right. I haven't played them. Or some kind of small card games. I'm not counting them. But okay. twenty to thirty proper games. Yeah. See, I'm some people call this. Some people call it a shelf of shame. No, it's pile of possibility. Pile, pile of possibility or pile of opportunity. But you've got 20 or 30. Yeah. Okay, that's more than me. I yeah. think I've probably got maybe six or seven. But one of them is Torres that I've had for 15 years and still not played. I just got it played in the beginning of the year. You should play you it. Go. It's better than it looks. <laughs> Well, it, will, it looks all right. And I'm, I'm using pile of possibilities because if you shorten this pile of opportunities, it becomes poor and it's not a good Oh, that's true. <laughs> pile of possibilities, pop. Yes, that's there more we go. pop. <laughs> but yeah, if you've got 30 games on your pile of possibility, then yeah, you probably should get those played. <laughs> yeah. It might actually not 
be that much anymore because I've tried to play most of I'm trying to look at myself. It's maybe closer to 20 than 30, actually. Okay. And it's good. Yeah. But there are some, there's like 1830 waiting for <laughs> someone to Have play. Have you not played 1830? No, it's on the shelf. Uh, I got right. a used copy after playing 1846. Yeah. See, so. I played 1830 in the early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> when we only had. 1830. Well, I think 1829 was the first 18xx game, yes. but I don't think it was big. 1830 was the big one. Yes, and um, all the games at that time were six hours anyway. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't a long game, exactly. So, yeah, I've actually got a copy of 2038. What's that? 2038. It's an 18xx game in space designed by Tom Lehman in the oh. 90s. Wow. Right, and I have it, and it takes about 10 to 12 hours to play. Okay. It's massively overcomplex. Um, <laughs> but the reason I'm mentioning it is at, my, at t Gridcon Brackets Ting next weekend, yeah. some friends of mine who knew I had a copy of it are borrowing it, and they are organizing a game. And That's instead cool. of going to bed last night, I spent 45 minutes in my attic searching for it <laughs> because I knew I had a copy of it, and I could not find it. So instead of getting an early night last night like I should have done, I, I, I spent the evening searching the attic and I have now found my copy of 2038. Um, now you just yeah. need to make a how to play video in one week. Oh God, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember how to play. It's been about 10 years since yeah. I last played it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But yeah, 2038. I've played it five or six times, I think. But it, yeah, it is a long game. Yes. What makes it special that you do? What is the one thing that is most important in the media that you do? Well, I mean, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't paid to do it because this is my job. So creating the instructional videos is a commission job, but I put my heart and soul into it. I put far more effort into it than my hourly rate would suggest. For me, uh, I mean, I, I suffer a lot from personal anxiety issues. And the reason I'm mentioning this now is a lot of the anxiety courses that you go on and all of the therapists that you have say, anxiety is a natural condition and it is where your body treats the situation as a life or death situation and it raises the body's adrenaline levels and all of the levels in order for you to get through that situation. Yeah. Right. I suffer from it because I treat everything like it's life or death. I am producing a video and I put everything into it to try and make sure that that is the, video, the best video I could possibly make because I'm t I take it way too seriously. I think it's like, yeah, as again, the, the, the reason for the anxiety issues is I treat everything that I do as a life or death situation. And if I don't get this right, something bad will happen. The reality is nothing bad's going to happen, yeah. but I always want to produce the best quality stuff possible. So... I like the fact that I'm, uh, you know, creating good quality work, certainly my tutorial videos. Yeah. And as I say, I wouldn't do it for the, if it weren't for the money. Well, I would. If I was a millionaire and I, and I could retire and not, not have to, you know, pay the bills, I, I would possibly still do it because I enjoy doing it. Yeah. But what's great is not the money coming in, is those people that post on social media or Boy GG or wherever and say, Hi, Paul. I've never watched one of your videos before, but I just bought Brass Lancashire. Yeah. And I found that you did a how to play video and we all sat down and we all watched your video and it was very clear. And then we played the game and we all enjoyed the game. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that makes me, that, uh, that makes me feel amazing. It gives me that, that warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Um, 
And, I, and I'm a big believer that if you watch somebody's content, please leave them a comment. Yeah, and a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of people don't, and a lot of people watch things on their YouTube TV, so they can't even click a like, which is, which is fine. But if you have the opportunity to just feedback some information to people, if you found what they made useful, then, then please send it through. Because for somebody like me, it just, you know, it, it brightens my day when I hear these stories. Sometimes I see pictures of people at conventions with an iPad on the table playing my video. Yeah. That, and that's, that's great. probably very good. That's you should great. go and say that, hi, that's me on the video. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh no, yeah, that actually happened once. I walked into a room and there were a group of people on a table learning how to play Lisboa from my video playing oh, on the surprise. iPad. <laughs> and I walked into this room and I could, I could hear my voice and I'm like, that's a bit strange. And I walked up and I just stood next to the table and they looked at me. And then they looked at me again and they went, <laughs> wait a minute, it's you. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's quite cool. But no, I, I enjoy the fact that I create stuff that people find useful. I won't say make people's lives better, but yeah. it, 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 people, people find it useful. And again, with the reviews that I do, if somebody watches my review and says, great, that now tells me I either don't want this game at all or I do want this game. As long as I am yeah. helping people to make a decision... Yes. Then I'm providing information which is which is useful for people, and that's you know that that's great. So I enjoy that. Yeah, I watched your Lisboa video three times, but we still didn't right. play the game because every time I watched it, I mean, I read the rules, then I watched it, and I was prepared to teach it. Then I didn't get anyone to play it. So yeah. now I'm not watching it until someone is signs a contract that I will play Lisboa. <laughs> <laughs> or as I say, do do the same thing. Just, just get the computer out, put it on the table and say, yeah. right, we're going to play Lisboa. I'm going to press play because Paul's going to teach us how to play. And people say, oh, yeah, but that, that's not as good. And it's like, well, as long as you pause the video yeah. and rewind it, then, then it, it can be. So, yeah. And this is what people have said is people have said, oh, you know, thank you very much, Paul. I watched your video and I've watched it, you know, two or three times. And I now feel that I can go and teach this game. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's great. But you don't have to. I've done the hard work. You know, I did the script and I've done yeah. everything else. You don't actually have to teach the game. You could just put the computer on the table or send the link to everybody and say, you know, that sometimes doesn't work because people don't watch it. But yeah, play the video at the start. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the, the human teaching with, with somebody you know is always better. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to remove that, that, that stress and anxiety that people have when they're teaching a game of, oh, what if I get a rule wrong? What if I forget something? Whereas my videos they are 100% correct because they've been authorised and commissioned by the publisher. Yeah. So, you know, you can guarantee that if you watch the video that you will be learning the correct rules. Yeah, I'm actually sending the video, video links to whoever has to uh, learn to play video. Yes. Rules video, I'm sending the link beforehand and I'm saying that please watch it so we don't have to spend one hour before <laughs> playing the game so we can yeah. get into playing the game. We just yeah, played. That... One, one weekend we had this Teotihuacan and Wingspan and... There was one third game. I don't remember what was it. Villagers, I think. I don't think you had video for any of those. But nope. Rodney had for the quick ones, and uh, Tom Heath had for the Teotihuacan. So they yes. they really watched all the videos. But uh, actually, it was only two people, and right. those are not difficult games. But except Teotihuacan is a bit strange at yeah. points. But it was good. I was really happy that I didn't have to explain three games in a row. Good. Good. To, uh, to a person who doesn't know anything about the game because right. it's really, really difficult. Yeah. 
If you can hear some background noise on the microphone, the cat's just walked in and is meowing. So I'll, I'll, I'll just say that now in case anybody can hear some meowing yeah. in the background. Or, or it can be you. You can say that. Oh, it could be me. <laughs> yeah. it, it could be me. No, this is, this is Loki who's appeared in the last couple of videos that I've made because about oh. halfway through the video, he just, he just wanders in, meows, jumps up on my lap. And, and then he's there for about five minutes. Yeah, he's the celebrity. So, he's the celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what colors do you play if you can choose what you play with? Three, I've changed three, over three the years. Three favorite color in order. Yeah, I used to play black. Black used to be my color. It's now purple. Yeah. So in order, I would probably now play purple and then either black or blue. I'm not sure which. All right. What are your least favorite colors? If you have to choose something, what you don't want to choose? Oh, three. Probably red, yellow, and green. All the colorful colors. Yeah, but that's just because other play. I I don't normally play those, and other people are always uh, playing those. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me. It's not that they're my least favorite colors. If there was white, I probably wouldn't play white because that's a bit boring. Um, but yeah, generally the the other primary colors are what I wouldn't play. Yeah, okay, that's a good excuse that someone else is playing them. And yeah, you have so so <laughs> much experience on playing, so you probably have in your group that one someone is playing something, someone is playing something. Yes. Yeah, that's true. What's the hottest game at the moment? If you could play any game right now without any restrictions, without any work to do or something, and you could get exact amount of players, and so basically, what is your hottest game? at the moment well it's either one of the two games that i'm going to play tonight which is barrage or pipeline just because they're brand new i played them both for the first time on wednesday both of them were fantastic and i want to play both of them again straight away so i can't decide between one of those two um i am about to send an email to the two people that are coming around tonight to say you decide which one of these we're playing because i can't yeah. and then i'll set it i'll set it up ready yeah um Although I have found out that Barrage does have an Automa mode. Ah, so you can so, play it solo. Uh, yeah, so if I get all my rulebook work done this afternoon, <laughs> I may have a quick solo game of Barrage before tonight. So, yeah. yeah, both of those at the moment, but that is literally just because played them on Wednesday, then knew uh, and really enjoyed both of them and did terribly in both <laughs> games and therefore, you know, want to play them again in order to learn what I did wrong. Yeah. I can't wait for the pipeline to be delivered. The Europe is so late, mm -hmm. it's still not in the harbour yet, the boat. Right. It comes in end of July or something. Right. Uh, what's the least favourite game that you wouldn't want to play now, for any reason oh. in the world? Oh, gosh. There's, well, there's so many. Where do I start? <laughs> Just, what is your least favourite game? Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one. So, I mean, games like... Monopoly, Cards Against Humanity, Munchkin, Flux. Yeah. Th those games are ones that a lot of people love to hate on. Yeah. And I'm in the same boat. Those games I would not touch with a barge pole <laughs> for, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, there are certain games which I find which are going, okay, this isn't great, but if everybody else wants to play it, I'll play mm. it. But then there are other games which are like, no, I, I would actually prefer just to go home and sit and stare at the wall instead of instead of playing these games. Um, it's interesting, with your experience, you still <laughs> list cards, cards Against Humanity in that list. So you, you have yes. to play it. I'm sti I've still been able to avoid it. I still haven't played it, and I never will if I can 
I, I don't actually know if I've ever played uh. it. I don't think I have, which which is good. <laughs> I, I just I just don't think that making fun of disabled people. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 it just shouldn't happen. Yeah. And I know. Oh yeah, it's only a few cards. But the horror stories that I see. Oh yeah, we played this game with 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 my grandma and and it was great. No, no, no. It isn't a good example. And when and when game cafes, board game cafes, say, "Oh, you're new to gaming, right? Well, we'll show you a game to give you an introduction to the yeah. modern gaming hobby. Here's Cards Against Humanity." Mm. That kind of humor is like, in the board game industry nowadays. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's not so, even exploding kittens is a lot better theme wise. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So do we go on to the expo part? You talked quite quite a lot, actually. Yeah. You talked about things that I wasn't even going to ask, but that's great because that's it's, fine. it's very interesting <laughs> stuff that you said. I didn't know that you have that much experience on the gaming and so much history, so it's really good. Maybe maybe Yeah, I mean I can talk know. about I can talk about how I was a DCI level three judge back in the late nineties. I I took part in the Magic Nationals Championships, judged at Pro Tour events. Yeah, I've got I've got a few feathers in my cap of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of a number of things that, that I've done over the years. But anyway, yeah, UK Games yeah. Expo. So did you go all four days there? Did you go on Thursday? Also? Yes. You were demoing? I went on the Wednesday. Ah, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I, I went on the Wednesday night because there's, a, there's, a, there's an industry meal out on the Wednesday oh. night with Asmodee. So I go to that. Thursday for me is the retailers event. Yeah. So uh, I have Asmodee put on a room where publishers basically can have a table where they show off their new games and uh, retailers and distributors and board game cafe people will come round to see what games you've got coming out or what games have just come out. Yeah. So it's it's like a mini show yeah. on the Thursday. Uh, I normally go to that until about two or three o'clock in the afternoon and then I head over to the main hall where we set up the booth because uh, Expo is Friday to Sunday. Yeah. Where you at the um, press event on Thursday evening? I was at the press event on the yeah. Thursday evening. Did you do press um, or were you at the CGE booth? I don't remember. No, I, I, was, I, I was at the CGE booth. No. So now the layout wasn't great. No, it wasn't. So we, we, we were kind of tucked down one of the, cor one of the, one of the little corridors. Yeah. And of course at the press event, press turn up and they set up their cameras and everything else. So you probably walked past because there was a load of people stood in front, you know, um, yeah, it's an odd layout, but th they do the best they can with the yeah. time and the space that they've got. But they also moved the places. I mean, they were not same as they were in the map. Because I was trying to find some boots and they were not where they were oh. supposed to be in the map. So they made some oh, last, right. uh, last moment changes. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. No. But no, yeah, I was there at the press event. Uh, I might not do the press event next year. Um, I might get somebody else to do the, do the press event because... One of my responsibilities at UK Games Expo is I have to train the demo team on the new games. Yeah. And I should be doing that on the Thursday and the Thursday night. So it meant after the press event, I had to then go back to the hotel and I was up till one o'clock in the morning training the demo mm -hmm. team. I don't want to be doing that no. on the day before Expo. So for me, training the demo team is more important to make sure that everybody has good demos, um, which means I might get one of my colleagues to do the press event but then again, the best person to do the press event is me. Yeah. Because I'm the one that knows everything that's going on. So I, I will have to basically, you know, delegate that responsibility and make sure somebody else knows what's going on. The other thing as well, because I've been going to Expo now for five or six years as CGE, yeah. a lot of people recognize me. Yeah. 
So for example, if I wasn't there next year and somebody else was there at the CGE booth, somebody might walk around looking for Paul, doesn't find Paul and then goes out yeah. and thinks that CGE are not there. So um, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, you were showing leather jam, or what, what? Did you have other yes. games? Yes, we did. I mean, we had eight tables at the CGE booth, so we had four tables showing leather jam. Yeah. I think maybe five. Yeah. One showing Pictomania, uh, one showing Trap Words, one showing Pulsar twenty eight forty nine, one showing Sanctum, and then one that had code names on. That might be more than eight. Yeah. We rotated a few. Yeah. We always had Pulsar on display because that's always been popular. Yeah. Um, we always the, had Sanctum on display. That's the only medium weight game from those. I think all of them are a bit lighter. The yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Pictomania, Trap Words, Letter Jam are all um, are all party party yeah. style games. Um, in the past, like, like even last year and the year before, we had Dungeon Lords, Dungeon Pets, sulking out through the ages and everything else. But this year, uh, a couple of my friends who have done demo work for me at events for years yeah. decided to have a break from doing demoing and they are the people who know the older games yeah. so we used and and because letter jam was was the main one we used this as an opportunity to pretty much just show the newer the newer lighter games um but no all the tables were were pretty busy most of the time yeah i know this um, past yeah which was great yeah but but this year there was so much stuff in the expo i couldn't even see everything or play everything i wanted i mean I thought no. that I had less less time than last year, although last year I had more time. But right. I mean, this year I had more time to hang around and look around, but it felt the opposite for some reason. I don't yeah, know why. It, Expo has now reached that size that if you do want to... Act, I mean, if you just want to walk around and see stuff, you can do yeah. it in probably two-thirds of a day or even half a day. Yeah. But if you want to stop and get a few demos, yeah, there is now not enough time yeah. for you to get all of the demos that you probably want That's to get true. to. And because you can play the but, full game demos in some booths, it's not just like yes. two rounds, but you can play the whole game. That's why it's a bit yeah. difficult. Yeah. But it's good that it's that, that way, because I don't think that, especially for a Euro game, if you play, like let's say, three rounds, you don't see how the game works, because you don't know how it ends. You just see how oh, it begins. Oh, I don't know. We'd have to disagree on that one. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was speaking to James Naylor, yeah. a friend of mine. He had a game called Magnate. Yeah. And I talked to him about demos at conventions because this is another of my sort of specialty areas. And James ended up offering both, yeah, which is great. Because to be honest, at a convention like Essen or Expo, I only want to play three rounds. If I was playing a game, I'd only want to play three games, three yeah. rounds. Because my whole, my whole point of getting that demo is to see whether it's a game that I'm going to like or not. And after three rounds, I will have seen that. Yeah. I don't need to play to the end of the game yeah, 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 of, of course. To, to see whether I like it or not. And if all I want to do is a demo... Now, Letter Jam is different. You've got to play the full yeah. game. Because you're all building up for the end game, and the end game is where the big reveal happens. Yeah. If you only play three rounds of Letter Jam, you've not actually even seen the game. So I, I know it sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but it does depend yeah, on the game. Yeah, it depends on so the what, game, of course. Yeah, but what James was doing, he was offering people the two to three round demos... Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was offering people the full game experience because what you don't want is you don't want to be only doing the full game experience and then you would only be able to see a quarter of the people that you would have seen. that's true also. So, you know, you need to do sometimes the short snappy demos in order to 
you know, in order to just get as many people as, as possible. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I got to play this sushi roll. If it wouldn't have been the mm-hmm. whole game, it wouldn't have been good. But then it's not a euro. And a friend of mine played Architects of West Kingdom. And they only yeah. let them play like half a game. And he complained so much that he couldn't see if the strategies work out. And he had to, oh. they, people had to use different strategies in the beginning because they knew that it's yeah. not going to be a whole game. So yeah. they wouldn't try. So in a way, I understand both ways. But some games are I, able to be understood in a few rounds. That's true. Yeah, I understand both ways. But as, as a person who runs demos out of booth, yeah. if you make it clear, this is going to be a demo. We're going to play a few yeah. rounds. If you don't want that, then you have the chance at that point to go away. Yes, that's true. But but as I say, your your friend is a Euro yes. gamer like me and yes. you. We need to play the full game to see if it's balanced. Yes. But actually, you never see if a game is balanced no, or not no. on your first play. Because when I played Architects of the West Kingdom, I've only played it the once, and the person who won won easily by doing a particular thing. Yeah. If that had ever happened to me at a convention. Would I have then walked away and said the game's broken? <laughs> you probably wouldn't say it's broken, but you might have walked no. away with not buying the game at least. <laughs> well, why? Just because one person did one yeah. strategy that happened to do well? No. So you, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it's unfair if you play a game at a convention and everybody's playing for the first time, and somebody wins with double the score of somebody else, yeah. that you walk away and go the game's rubbish. I, I think that that is not fair because I think once you've played a game once. It's like the people who play Teotihuacan who go, oh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do something different in this game. I'm not going to build any parts of the middle pyramid. I'm just going to try and do everything else instead. Yeah. Well, you won't win. You'll do terribly. And you, go, you come away from it and you go, okay, so next time, I know we all need to be, do a bit of the building in the middle. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I, I yeah. wonder if it's possible to win without building either the decorations or the pyramid. You might win by only making the decorations. But I don't know. I don't know. I There's the challenge. try. Yeah, I think I think you've got to do the bits in the middle. It's like in Newton, you've got to do some books. Yeah, that's true. It's just what you do in addition to the books. Yes. Um, whereas Architects of the West Kingdom, I've heard don't bother with the cathedral. I've heard the best strategy in that is just don't bother building the cathedral and do the other yeah. stuff. And if you try and do the cathedral, you won't win, no. which is a shame. But I haven't played Architects, so I can't comment on that. But the oh, other, other two, you are right. Actually, I should try Newton without any books. But it's so difficult to do it I, without books I, because they're yeah, so useful. Yeah, I, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I tried without any books and I ended up doing a few in the end. But I, I don't think you can do it without any no, books. No, because the bonuses are also good and you should get them. I don't know. It would be a boring game without the books, actually. Yeah. So do you like, you like Newton? Yes, I like it. Right. I just found it on BGG this morning. Somebody just posted, posted an unofficial expansion set for Newton. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at it. I just saw the link on BGG. It went up this morning, so I'm letting you know. Oh, okay. Unofficial expansion set for Newton. All right, I'll open it. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> but yeah, Newton is good. Teotihuacan I also yeah. liked a lot. Yeah, yeah. One of my top games of... Uh, like I think both of those were in my top five games of last year. Uh, Teotihuacan would have been if I had played it before I made my top. My my right. last game last year was Underwater Cities. I really liked yep. it. I really that, that was in my top five as well. Yeah, Like a perfect game almost. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, what did you do on Friday? Friday, Expo was demoing all day. All day. And then I did a bit of a meet-up at the hotel in the evening where a few of us um, got together and had a chat. Yeah. And I ended up doing some... Uh, I, I did a demo of On the Underground for Ludic Creations. Uh, Ludic Creations are a client, a patron supporter, and... 
if he's not listening, I'll say a friend as well. Um, <laughs> and basically he wanted to do, he said, look, Paul, we'll come along to your meetup. Are you okay if we, at your meetup, we invite some other media people and if you teach them how to play on the underground? He, did, he actually said, you play on the underground with a group of other people. But I said, no, my focus needs to be on the meetup and the other people there. Yeah. But yeah, um, he organized it, got a few people together. I taught people how to play on the underground and then left them to it and uh, wandered around. So yeah, yeah even, even in my downtime, I ended up working. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, new un- on the underground looks actually nice. I think it looks nice. People are complaining that it doesn't look nice and blah, blah, blah. But everyone are against change. <laughs> Everybody has their own, yeah. uh, you know, opinions. I'm I'm professionally involved in the product, so I won't give you my personal opinions on yeah. it here. But I did give my personal opinions to them during the development of it. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's it's, it's one of those things. Art is is very subjective. So, who if somebody likes the watercolor look, they're going to like it. If somebody doesn't like the watercolor look, they're going to not yeah, like that's it. True. It's just as, it's just one of those as things. As long as it's clear. As long as it's yeah. clear, and I finished the work on the rule book this week, so as long as that's clear as well, I mean it's not a complicated game, but you know even even I've I've read some terrible rule books for simple games. Yeah, it seems that simple games have more terrible rule books than difficult yeah. games because they think that we don't have to put any effort on this or something. I don't know why. Yeah, but it's so yeah. annoying. Iraklis might actually listen to this. He promised to me that because he's from Finland also. He, prom- he, is, he promised yes. that he should. Pay more attention to Finnish media. I, I talked with him <laughs> in the press event, but I mean, I didn't even know that he will be there. I just noticed that he was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been for a uh, couple of years now. Although last year, I don't think he had a booth there. I think he was just there um, giving those horrible black licorice sweets <laughs> out to people as a, as a threat. Uh, someone else. <laughs> I mean, I gave this licorice also last year. This salty licorice to people. Yeah, it seems that he had the same plan. <laughs> Yes. It's cool. Yeah, he's, he's he's it's a it's a regular thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Finnish thing. Finnish people love them actually. And they are good. Yeah. If you're used to that kind of stuff. Uh how about Saturday? Saturday was demoing all day again, except I took an hour off around the lunchtime period and I did a seminar. So UK Games Expo invite me each year to do a seminar yeah. on a particular topic, and this year I did a seminar on guess what? Dating games. Teaching games. <laughs> I, I might have read it from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Best approach to teaching games, uh, um, although an hour doesn't cover it. I mean, yeah. I could talk for three hours about yeah. it. So we covered uh, we covered general tips on teaching games, which is basically top-down. Don't don't start with all of the detailed bits like we mentioned earlier yeah. on, but you know, start, start with the high-level stuff and then drill down which bits you don't have to explain, which bits you do have to explain. Like there's a friend of mine that teaches and I love him to bits, but if he teaches you any game, any Vita Lacerda game, it will be two and a half hours before you start playing yeah. because he goes through every single tile. Uh, but and he explains not good. every tile and every ability on every single tile. And I'm like, but, no. But you can look them during the game when they come You up. can look them up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so, yeah. And then I spent the, the second half talking about my, my own particular method that I've developed, which is the Gaming Rules Interactive Drip Feed Method for Teaching People How to Play Games at Conventions by Paul Grogan. Can you, can to you give say it that a short again? Name. <laughs> yeah, it's the Gaming Rules Interactive Drip Feed Method for Teaching People How to Play Games at Conventions by Paul Grogan. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is a style I came up with a few years ago. Um, it's been adopted by a few publishers now. And basically the gist is get the people starting to play as soon as possible and explain the rules as they go along because this is a demo. You are not playing the full game. Yeah. You are not here to, you know, make spend five minutes thinking of the optimum new move to get an extra two victory points. This is a demo. Yes. The objective of the demo is by the end of it, you will have learned how to play the game, but we're going to do so by doing it rather than me talking to you for 20 minutes and then walking away. That for me is the worst kind of demo at an event is where somebody talks at you for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever, and then walks away to the next table and just leaves you to yeah. it. And that still happens. And it's, it's just dreadful. It just doesn't work at That's all. That's actually also very bad because in the, let's say in UK Games Expo, people don't necessarily have lots of time. I mean, they have time, no. but they would want to try other games as well. So if they have to listen half an hour for an explanation, for a demo that lasts maybe four rounds, it's ridiculous. The game is shorter than yeah. the explanation. Yeah. And so now start people playing as soon as possible, teach them the rules as they go along. As long as people go into it knowing this is a demo, the whole objective of this demo is to get you playing as soon as possible to see if it's the kind of game you like, yeah. and we'll teach you the rules as we go. Um, and yeah, that's how it works. So that was that was that was Saturday, and then Saturday night I did a live podcast recording. Um, yeah, and I was absolutely exhausted by this point because <laughs> I'd only had one hour sleep the night before. Um, so yeah, demoed all day, did the media events all day at the booth. Did the meetings, did the seminar, demoed all afternoon, and then went back and did a live podcast recording in the evening. So yeah, that was quite exhausting, but that was that was good fun. So Sunday you slept all day, right? No, Sunday I was demoing all oh day. <laughs> I mean, I had a good night's sleep. I had a relatively good night's sleep Saturday night. Yeah. Um, hang on, that's the doorbell. Yeah, no packages are uh, packages are arriving. Yeah, no um, more more games probably. It's all right. Uh, Vicky's working from home today, so she's going to get it. Um, so yeah, Sunday was Sunday was a good day because it, it was I knew it was demoing all day, pack up the booth and go home. Yeah. So I, I you know the the meetup was out of the way, the, the the meetings were out of the way, the seminar was out of the way, all of the things that I was worrying about were out of the way, yeah. and Sunday was just demoing all day and then packing up and going home. Um, so yeah, so that, that that was a good day on the Sunday. Yeah. Sunday is more relaxed than the other days, actually, because because right. you know that <laughs> how much stuff you missed. I mean, for me, I I understood that I didn't play this, I didn't play this, I didn't see anyone, I didn't have time to do this. So, but still relaxed because we were we went yeah. with the whole family on Sunday. They didn't come oh, right, on Friday okay. and Saturday. They stayed at the resorts world actually. But Sunday everyone right. came, so we went to the kids' place and played some kids' games and hanged around with cool. the daughter, so it was fun. On yeah, Sunday. that's what's nice about Expo, is it is a real proper family yes. event. And you know, so you, the, many families just on Sunday, there was so oh, many families. Yeah. People were coming at 12 o'clock, buying tickets and going as a family. Okay, it's very short right. time to go, but it's, it was interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, it, uh, I mean, I, I love what they've built up. Because I was at the first UK Games Expo, which was a, the, the Clarendon Suite in a hotel yeah. in Edgbaston, in the centre of Birmingham, and it was like a few hundred people. Oh. And that was it. And now it's massive. Yes. But it's not just because it's massive. It's because it's it's appealing to everybody. Families, role players, war gamers, board gamers, card game players. Cos- it's just got everything. 
and there was the comic thing to the. I mean, this year you could enter with the UKT ticket to the comic event. Oh right, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, this year they had that you can go with the ticket there for free, and that, that nice. was nice compared to last year. So many people yeah. from UKT were going, and they got the visitor count up a lot this year. So maybe it's also right. depending on that. Maybe people bought the ticket to one to go to both. That yeah. might be how it was. Okay, I don't, I don't that's really cool. Know. Until Expo expands again, <laughs> and then there's no room for the comic people. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They expanded so much this year again. Was it twenty five percent up the visitors? I think it was about another was, I think it was about another twenty five percent. Yeah. It last year it was sixteen thousand or something. I think it was over twenty thousand this year. Unique visitors. Yeah. yeah. And then who knows where next year is gonna yeah. go. But, but it's crazy <laughs> rate if it goes like this. If it's twenty five percent it will be twenty five thousand next year and it's not <laughs> not going to <laughs> fit that many people this neck. And, and yeah, then, that, that, and, that is and true. And this internet is not going to handle. It doesn't handle this much people either. Already. Yeah. Uh, what was the best experience you had? At Expo? Expo? You, can, uh, you can go day by day if it's easier. Well, it's, it's trying to remember. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really sure. You were demoing more, most I mean, of the time. but Yeah, and to be honest... Although I enjoyed doing my seminar because I'd only had an hour's sleep the night before, yeah. I didn't feel it went as well as I could have done. Yeah. So although there were a lot of people there and everybody said it was great and I got a lot of audience participation, I really enjoyed that seminar. And I would have quite happily sat with a number of those people who were you know, engaging with me and asking questions for another two or three hours. That, that was great. But because I was tired, I didn't feel comfortable enough. Some of the demos that I did, I mean, Letter Jam... It's such a good game, and it is such a good game to demo, and it's really, really enjoyable, and it means that me as a demoer really enjoys doing the demos because you get some really good moments. Um, so yeah, probably, uh, probably the demos that I did of Letter Jam. Some of those demos with some of those people went really well and were just really enjoyable. Um, meeting up with people in the industry that I've known for a few years so you get your Gilhovers and, and people like that who I always bump into um, and Jamie from Holy Grail Games, people I only see at events and we chat to briefly. Yeah. Um, but then also meeting new people. Um, so I met a number of new people from a number of new uh, publishers there over the weekend, which is really good. And what was strange is that three weeks later, I met them again at Origins. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, halfway around the world, oh, hello again, you know, and, and, and I see them more often than I see some of my friends who live near me. <laughs> and I'll see them again at Gen Con in a few weeks' time, and then I'll see them again at Essen. So, yeah, yeah convention season is, is great. So, yeah, I mean, the people really make, make it. So, yeah, do, doing the demos was, was definitely a highlight. Um, and in particular this year, just because of Letter Jam and how it is, um, and, and how much people were enjoying it. That was that was really good. Yeah, you were praising it in Twitter before the expo and arranging these night demos with Ross. I don't know if you did yep. the 4am demo or not. R- Ross was the only person who didn't show up for his demo. So ah, okay. all, all, of the other, all of the other media people who'd booked demo slots yeah. all showed up for their demos. Um, so people like uh, No Pun Included, um, Actual LOL, um, Show Up and Sit Down, um, and yeah, lots, lots of other people. Broken Meeple, Chits and Giggles, Unlucky Frog. Oh, I'm probably going to forget a load of people and upset them here. Um, yeah, I actually walked past yeah. when you were teaching it to Luke, Hector. 
Right. I walked past that, that, yeah, point, yeah, yeah. that point. But you were so yeah, full yeah. all the time. And yes. I didn't want to stop and wait for the demo. But it seemed that you yeah. had fun and the people had fun. That's yes. the main thing. And that's the thing. And then I went to Origins and we did it again at Origins and we demoed it constantly on like four tables to hundreds of people at Origins and the feedback of the game from Origins. Again, I don't want to appear like I'm a shill. I would. I do work for CGE. Yeah. I'm a developer of this game. I have helped develop this game, and here I am saying how great it is. Yeah. But it. But it is. <laughs> and and the feedback we were getting after BGG, all of the forum threads, all of the things like that, were saying, "Wow, this is really good." And I'm like, "Yeah, it it is really good. It is a very good game." That's good. If you don't mind cooperative word games, I and mean, to be honest, cooperative word games are not my thing, at all. There are not many even. No, no but. This is just so good. It's so clever. It's really interesting to play. And it's because it's clever. And when you start playing it and you see the cleverness in the, in the design, and I'm going to take no credit for the design of the game. I will take credit for some of the little tweaks that have been made to make it more streamlined. But the design of the game is, is extremely clever and the way that it works. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah. That's good to hear. Uh, what could have been done better in the expo? If we don't count, I mean, not by you, but by the expo people. You're a perfectionist, uh, it seems, so you, you would yeah, have the to app, do everything better if possible. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of criticism of the app. Now, I didn't use the app myself, mm. so this is third-hand information, or second-hand information. Uh, well, third by the time it gets down to you. Um, but a number of people who I know who use the app said the app wasn't very good yeah. and needed a lot of work. The app could have been a lot better. Um, for me personally, the seminars, the seminars, and I, I'll, I'll speak to Millie who organizes the seminars, but the problem is they've got seminars and then they've got something called a publisher stroke designer track. Yeah. And it's on a separate page and it's hard to find. I had a number of people who contacted me on the Sunday to say, Paul, I knew you were doing a seminar, but I looked on the seminars page and I couldn't find it. So I didn't come. Uh, which one? Saturdays or the Friday, Fridays? Saturdays. My, my seminar on teaching games wasn't on the seminars no, page. No, it wasn't because I missed it also. There you go. It was on the publisher designer track. Yeah. They should just have all of the seminars on one page called seminars. Yes. But not split over two different pages. Um, and they but, also, yeah. I think that they didn't make the seminars well because before I went there, I thought that, okay, Saturday, it seems that there are seminars, but oh, I should have sat all the seminars. I don't want to sit yeah. 10 hours in a room on Saturday. And your seminar was yeah. very late. I couldn't stay there because I, we were with the family. I had to go to the hotel. I didn't want to Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the live podcast was at like 9 o'clock yeah. in the evening. Yeah, it was a bit late. Um, but that was partly down to me because I was working. Yeah, 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 of course. So the plan was I'd, I'd work till 6, get some food, and then do the live podcast. Yeah, but what I meant was that all of the seminars on Saturday I wanted to attend. But it would have been crazy right. to just sit in the room and run to get food during right. one hour. Right, I see what you mean. And, and yeah. Well, that's the downside, isn't it? You know, in, in one way, there is something there for everybody to do. Yeah. And in another way, you think, oh, well, I want to do all of yeah, that. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but like, they could have spread them like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Last year, I think the spread was better, at least for my taste. Of course, oh, everyone has different tastes, so yeah. I'm not correct in this. But, but to me, it seemed that there was like only one on Friday, only one on Sunday. Okay. Uh, would you suggest UK Games Expo for someone who hasn't gone to this bigger conventions? Yes. As a first convention? Uh, yes, in a way, because 
I mean, it's big. Yes. And you might think, oh, it's big. It's 20,000 people. Don't go to it. It's too big. Yeah, but if you... Uh, what? Sorry. I meant that it's like, if you have to go to one from, let's say, Origins UK Games Expo, uh, Gen Con Essen, maybe even PAX East is nowadays a big one. It depends where you are. Yeah. Really depends where you are. If you're in America, go to Origins or PAX East. But if you have to maybe fly not. in any case... Let's say that someone is coming from Finland and the price okay. of the flight or the length of the flight doesn't matter, but wants to go to Vancon okay. next year. So let's say you've got a teleporter. You can get anywhere <laughs> in the world for free. Yeah. Um, I would have to say UK Games Expo. All right. And I'm not saying that because I'm based in the UK. I'm saying it's because it's got everything, but it isn't as overwhelming as Gen Con. Because Expo, to me, is a mini Gen Con. Mm -hmm. This is how I compare them. Essen is big exhibit halls with exhibitors, yeah. and it's open from 10 till 7, and then it closes, and you go out, and that's it. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no open gaming. There's nothing else happening there. It is just exhibit halls, and that's it. And it's brilliant, and I love it, and I will never not go to Essen. But that's all it is. Yeah. Expo is exhibit halls, but you've also got a whole load of role-playing stuff going on in another hotel. You've got seminars, you've got events, you've got contests, you've got competitions, you've got open gaming, you've got tournaments. You've got everything. Yeah. You've got, and it's, it's open so much. And the, Sure, the exhibit hall is only open from 10 till 7, yeah. but after that, there's loads of other stuff going on. And Gen Con is like that, but 10 times the size. Well, not 10 times the size. What is it? I have no idea. It feels like 10 yeah. times the size. Well, I think Gen Con last year had 60,000 people. So it's only three times the size, but maybe the space But it felt like ten times the size. Oh, yeah, Gen Con's just massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really did feel like more than three times the size of Expo. But then again, I'm probably underselling Expo. Expo. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, Gen Con had, I think it was either 60 or 65,000 tickets. Um, Origins is a similar thing to Expo, but I think I prefer... I think I prefer Expo. Origins feels a bit... Uh, a bit more weighted towards the role-playing side of things, which is natural because that's sort of where it all, you know, started yeah. kind of thing. Um, I think Expo because of the family stuff. Yes. I don't know whether Origins has a family area. I don't think it does. It's more for your serious gamers. And people are much um, more friendly in UK, right? You think? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I haven't I been to USA, so. but the people in UK are always so friendly and so polite and the people who i played with or see saw or talked i didn't see even one that wasn't friendly okay. and polite i really like the people in uk yeah no i think overall for me i mean i love going to america because most people in america are super friendly um but that's also you know the, the thing is with the with with going to america i mean i go to america now a few times and one of the things it's in the culture is that Everybody seems happy to see you and to talk to you. So even even the porter or the cleaner or whatever, they won't just go, morning, and that's it. Because in the UK, you sometimes don't even get that. You just walk past them and you don't say anything. In America, it's like, hi, how are you doing today? What, you know, have, have, are you at the show? Are you having a good day? You know, what did you... And this is just from the guy who's cleaning your room. It's just really nice that you get that kind of, you know, level of friendliness, from certainly from the staff over there. Um... But uh, yeah, no, anyway. So yeah, back, back to the question. I would probably say Expo because it's probably got something for you. Whatever type of gamer you are, whether you've got a family or not, Expo will cover you. I totally agree with you, but I haven't been to any of the other conventions, but I have right. similar idea than you do. Exactly. Well, you, 
You need to go to Essen. Yeah, everyone keeps saying that. You've just got, you've, you've just got to see it. But even if you just only go there once, you've got to go to Essen. Yeah, the timing is just bad because it's in the middle of semester and I'm teaching at the right. university, so it's a bit difficult. Like this year, if I yeah. would go, I would have to teach on Tuesday. So I don't know if I can <laughs> come back from the Essen world until Tuesday morning. So that's yeah. Like, well, one year if you make it, let let me know. Yeah, I, I'll see. And we might have actually we talked yesterday with our group here in Johansson. We are living in a small city. We have seventy thousand people. We have convention twice a year. We have one in spring and one in autumn. So they are thinking. Okay. I mean, we were discussing when to have the autumn, and they are thinking it would be the SN weekend. But I said, ah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But people from here are not going to SN. We usually have it before SN. Actually, last year was no, the first but time. But there may be some people who might attend your convention that now can't yeah. because they're going to Essen. Yeah, from the uh, south if they come. Yeah. But we have 500 kilometers from the south, so we usually get very few from other cities. But we have like 100 people from this city. It's quite good. Not that much. A bit right. less than 100. But every year it becomes bigger and it's good because it's good. just playing. We have no commercial thing. Just playing and yeah. some tournaments and... Then we have this uh, role-playing sessions. Excellent. And so, but I hope it's not at the Essen time because that rules out me going to Essen. Yes. Even if I could otherwise go, but I'm yeah. still thinking about it. Let's see how can I do it. Uh, do you want to ex- add anything about the expo, or did we talk about enough on the expo? Release? I think I think we've talked about it. We talked yeah. so I mean, much my... about so many different things that I don't even it's, remember. It's, what we... I mean, expo is work for me. Yeah. So I've not seen it from a punter side of thing yeah. ever. I, every time I've been there has always been through work. Um, and now I don't really have any time at all to see anything else. But Did you get to play um, any games besides Letter Jam or a no. City game? And I, I didn't play Letter Jam because I, I don't play in games when I'm demoing them. Yeah. So I don't think I played any games at all at Expo. Did you get any games from there? But you, you probably don't have to get the games. <laughs> you, you get um, did I get any games at Expo? I'm not sure. Yes. I mean, I came back with a few. Um, but that's it. Working in the industry, the games that I'm getting are games that are given to me for review, yeah. games that are given to me because I'm doing, um, I'm doing a video for them. I, I posted a picture of all of the games that I brought back from UK Games Expo. But I this is... I'm I'm just looking through my photos now. But again, this is not a here I went to Games Expo and here's the games I I bought. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just a games that I brought back with me and the reasons why I brought yeah, them yeah, back. Yeah. So I I didn't mean uh, it that so way I, that did you get buy some games. I meant that did you get any Yeah, here we go. Right. I came back with a copy of Paranormal Detectives, mm-hmm. which isn't out yet. But I'm helping do some... I, I've done the rulebook for the game and I'm doing some um, public demos of that. So that's from Lucky Duck Games. Um, Roll for Adventure. Oh. oh, no, these are these are the games that I was taking to the games. Yeah, so Roll for Adventure from Cosmos, yeah. which is Math, uh, Matthew Gilbert and Brett Dunstan. Uh, and I'm friends with both of them and I've done a bit of work for Cosmos yeah. in the past. And I basically said, look, can I have a review copy of this game and I'll get it played? Yeah. So I got that. Crown of Amara from Pegasus oh, Spiel. Wow, I'm they, so jealous. They, they, <laughs> I've not played that yet, but it's supposed to be really good. Um, Osprey Games got me up to date with the latest Wildlands expansion because Wildlands is a game that I've been taking to local clubs in my area. Do you like and it? And this is the thing. Yeah, I like it because it's 
I mean, you play it and then you're like, this is a Martin Wallace game. And you're like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Martin Wallace is great because of his diversity in his games. So yes. I like Wildlands because it's simple, it's quick, it's fun. I sold my copy because I noticed that every time I'm playing it, I play with different people. So, I mean, you have to teach the game. But it's and so the quick deck. to teach. Yeah, yeah. But the, knowing the deck takes True. time. So the people who play it the first time, they might not understand how to play it. Ah, we still have fun anyway. Yeah. I don't I don't know the decks at all. Um, so I, I picked up the expansions of that. Yeah. Again, Osprey Games were happy to sort of pass that on to me because what I do is I, you know, I take these games to local clubs. Yes. And I think three people in my area have now bought Wildlands yeah. because I had a copy of it and I played it with them. So they went, oh, that's really good. And they then went and bought their copy. Yeah, I actually, so, I actually um, think that the publishers don't necessarily understand how important it is that someone has the game and takes it to the local gaming club. Yeah. Because that's yeah. where you get the buyers, not necessarily from a video, but if you can make yeah. someone play and they like the game, it's really important. Yeah. Um, Donning the Purple, the publisher of Donning the Purple, dropped a copy of the game off at my booth. I wasn't there. Huh. I didn't even know they were going to do it. <laughs> so I said, thank you. Thank you very much. And he, I said, look, are you expecting anything from this and he said no i'm just a fan of your work and i wanted you to have a copy of my game that's I was like, okay nice. that's cool uh, i got a copy of undo from yeah. pegasus spiel did you play it yet i did did you like it oh you don't nope. want to say nope you didn't like it <laughs> didn't like it ah. um i will be talking about this more at some point uh, it was a copy for review yeah and we've we've played through it twice i was expecting a cross between time stories and an escape room which is what the games that i love and we, I, we were just completely underwhelmed by the game. Um, I know a few people have liked it, but for me, it just, no, it didn't really work at all. I, I, um, I liked it, we liked it with the wife, but then again, yeah. we like most of the story-driven two-player games. We like yeah. escape yeah. room games as well. Yeah, we, we yeah. Liked so it fine. that's it. I've spoken to a lot of people who did like it, but I've also spoken to a lot of people who had the same experience as me is that they just were totally underwhelmed and found it frustrating and didn't really understand what was going on. So, um, yeah, I'm going to try another one. Um, what else? I think that's it. You didn't get to yeah. get the ride, the new one. No. They were basically handing I, it. I know, they were handing them out. Yeah. So they, they were handing them out to people on the table next to me. That's where I was. That was my table. I was next to where they were handing out the ticket to rides. And I forgot to ask for one. <laughs> and then I got distracted talking to somebody and then turned around and they'd gone. Yeah, but, so, but that girl really was giving it to anyone who comes and says oh, hi. I, I, I know, and I was sat next to her for two hours. Are you very, that, that's why I didn't see, because there was this big pile. I didn't know this. Yeah, <laughs> I was hiding behind the pile of ticket to rides. <laughs> but they so. had a huge pile. Yeah. That was actually surprisingly good. I don't really like to get to ride that much. I think I played it enough. But this one was very fun with two players. It was yeah. 15, 20 minutes we played it. Yeah, no, I've heard it is a good game. Yeah. But I don't. It wouldn't replace the big box to get to ride for me, actually. But for a quick game, it's good. Yeah. So, do you want to promote yourself? I'm thanking you for this interview. I'm uh, done well, with this, the questions. If you don't want to. Yeah, the half hour interview. Yeah. <clears throat> we've been going on for, but it's been good to talk to you. Um, yeah. So yeah, Paul Grogan, Gaming Rules. Gaming Rules is my thing. So basically, I have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Which is youtube.com forward slash gaming rules videos. And you will find all of my videos there. So all of my instructional videos, all of my playthroughs, my reviews, my podcasts, and my monthly video logs, live Q&As, all of that stuff, it's, it's all on there. 
Uh, I have a website, but the website's a bit out of date. Um, so the YouTube channel is where everything is. If you're interested in attending one of my conventions, then the convention is called Gridcon, G-R-I-D-C-O-N. So it's gridcon.co.uk. All of the details are on there for that. Um, yeah, you can find me on social media. Facebook page is Gaming Rules. Uh, Twitter is Gaming Rules Vids. And yeah, as I mentioned, I've got the two main aspects of my what I do is I do my commissioned work, which is the how to play videos, the, the tutorial playthrough videos, uh, and the rulebook work. But as well as that, I do a Patreon campaign which supports my my other stuff. So all of the all of the reviews, all of the I mean, I've done two or three playthroughs this month which were not commissioned. So I have taken. 20 to 30 hours out of my working schedule when I could have been working and earning money to produce playthrough videos which were not commissioned. And I only do that thanks to the support of my Patreon campaign. So, if you, you know, like a lot of content creators that do crowdfunding, um, I use crowdfunding to, to, to pay for the bit of my work which isn't paid for by the publishers. Um, and yeah, that's patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. But that's basically it. Yeah. And if someone wants to know how difficult or easy it is to fly back from origins, there's a check Paul's <laughs> Twitter. Oh yeah, if, if if you want travel advice on how to get to America, yeah, that too. Uh, and yeah, so if yeah, if you're getting an Esther uh, and you need advice on Esters and passports, then or being stranded at Bristol Airport for for twenty four hours, <laughs> or um, yeah, any any flight or travel issues. Contact me. I've had a lot of experience with them over the last few years. <laughs> that, that would make so. actually a good undo, undo game. It would, yeah. <laughs> Paul's trying to get to Origins. Paul failed to get to Origins. Now let's fix the timeline. And back from Origins. And, and back from Origins as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I mean, as I mentioned right at the start, I suffer a lot from like anxiety and stuff like that. Interestingly enough, on the flight back from Origins, none whatsoever. On the way there, yes, absolutely, massively, because it was my fault. Yeah. I didn't check my Esther. I didn't check. I checked that the Esther was in date, but I didn't check that the Esther was tied to the passport. Yeah. And I just changed my passport, and therefore that was on me. And a whole host of not only was I not going to get there in time, I was supposed to be training the demo team. I had product that I was supposed to give to people. A whole host of problems were going to be caused because of me. That was my fault. On the way back, mechanical fault with the plane it couldn't take off in time and i missed my connecting flight so i've got to stay overnight in a hotel was i at all stressed or angry or whatever no yeah it's just i was too tired really um it was just like well let's just roll with it so you know there's nothing i can do about it in those situations yeah and you had so, mr garcia um, to keep you company <laughs> I, i had z garcia and roy from dice tower and mike from yeah. plan b games bought me pizza so it, it was all good We had a good discussion about gender neutrality in rule books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a good discussion. It seems so many people had problems coming back from origins. I mean, following they Twitter, did. it seems that nobody, nobody could get back. Yeah, if they I think were flying. I think there were I think there were weather issues over Atlanta or something like that. Yeah. So lots and lots of flights were delayed, and then my flight, a red light came on on the dashboard just as we were about to board. So they had to call an engineer, yeah. and the engineer came along like three quarters of an hour later and took the bulb out or something. I don't know. No, he, he, you know, he fixed the light. Um, but yeah, Delta Delta were brilliant. They basically said, right, your, this flight is delayed. Um, you're going to miss your next flight. So because it's a mechanical failure, we're going to put you up in Atlanta. Here's a vote. I didn't have to ask anything. They basically just did the whole thing for yeah, me. That's good. 
and it was all sorted and um, yeah, it, it was it was really good. So that's really good. Yeah, as they should do actually. That's the service that you should get. They they should, yeah. but I know they don't always. And I think it's because it's a mechanical flight. I remember getting once to an airport in America. I think it was flying back from Origins last year, and one of the guys that I was with was supposed to be flying back from the Czech Republic and we both arrived at the airport at the same time. My flight was okay. His flight had been cancelled because of weather issues over Europe. And Delta just went, yeah, the flight's cancelled. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And they went, oh, you need to phone this number and they'll book you onto another one. And they, they weren't helpful at all. <laughs> Whereas with me, because it was a mechanical fault with the plane and therefore it was their fault, it was like, yep, we'll do this for you and we'll put this up in a hotel and we'll do this and we'll do this and it was great. You know, they, they do everything for you. So yeah, I think if it's something at their end that is outside of, uh, you know, was, you know, not outside yeah. of their control, but you know, it's, it's a problem at their end, they'll do what they can to fix it. Whereas if it's something that's outside of their control, they're not, they, they don't have to. Yeah, but they still so. should, in my opinion. It's They should. The right way to do They should. Because the yeah. people want to get home or want to fly to wherever they fly anyway. Yeah, yeah. And KLM did that. I remember once getting stranded at um, Amsterdam because of weather issues. And KLM put me up in a hotel for the night in Amsterdam. It's the only time, because I go to Amsterdam six to eight times a year, maybe more. Yeah. And I've never left the airport. And this was the one time where I actually did leave the airport because I stayed in a stayed in a hotel. So yeah, that, that KLM were very good about that. Yeah, that's very nice service. Yeah. Anyway, now <laughs> I already thanked you and everything, but thank you one more time. And now probably people still remember where to find you. <laughs> I hope after this. Hopefully, this hopefully, flight. just just search for gaming rules, and and hopefully you'll uh, you'll find me. So, but yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, although, yeah, we we have gone on a bit longer than originally planned, yeah. but as I say, it was enjoyable. So, it's all good. Yeah, that's the main thing. That's what matters. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. There was some interesting stuff about Paul's past and his experience. And also, he gave really good tips for teaching games. I hope they are useful to you as well. And a different viewpoint to the expo as a someone from the industry side. Anyway, that somewhat sums my experiences on the expo. Uh, there was some repeats during the interviews but I don't think it's a problem and anyway I'm sorry this turned out to be so long episode it's over six hours but I hope you have fun listening to it and enjoy the content maybe there is something that you don't enjoy that much but at least I hope that you enjoy something thanks for listening summer holidays on at the moment and we are a bit busy for the end of the holiday. I don't know when I can record the next time and I'm thinking that I will do a few Finnish episodes in between. However, as it is summer, it's the time to make top 81 again. So let's see when I have time to sort the games and make that. I will make that in English this time. Last year I made it in Finnish, but this time I will make it in English. Let's see how I will go on with this stuff and which language will come more but at least this you got in English this I'm not going to make in Finnish so there's that and in the episode Tom talked about Mittera Kickstarter it's open until 20 something of July 
you might still have time to go and pack it. If you're interested in it, it seems like a really good one. The same goes for Brett Aporte. That's also open until 20-something of July, if you were interested in those. And as I said earlier, remember to check the Instagram. I have some pictures there and some reviews and some reviews are coming that are delayed a lot. I have quite a few games that I want to talk about on the way. Also, I began this nine word review thing in the Instagram trying to review games using nine words only. Please check them out and comment them if you haven't seen them or if you haven't commented them. And go like my Facebook page because there's not enough likes there. I set this goal after one year of doing this podcast media that I want to double everything and all the other medias are somewhat in track except Facebook. Instagram is not on track. I've only got like 100 more followers. Twitter I have more than double so that's already completed. Same with the WordPress and I think that the episode listens will also go and be on track. But Facebook I've only got two likes more in four months. So please like the page if you use Facebook or something. Of course you can follow it without liking it. But if you use Facebook please like the page. So I know that someone likes what I do in there as well. Anyway, in Facebook I can be found with the page name Mita Pelata. You can find it with the search Mita Pelataan. From Instagram and Twitter I'm Mita Pelataan. Everything is at WordPress in mitapelataan.wordpress.com. The podcast is in SoundCloud and I have just managed to add it to Spotify, so it's available there as well as well as Apple Podcasts and various other places where you can find podcasts. I have a YouTube channel as well, but there is only one video. It's a test with subtitles for the first year in Podcast Media episode of this podcast. I don't think anyone has watched it, at least not fully, but if you want to and if you could, could you please go and watch it and comment it because I'm trying to figure out if I should do it or not. It's a lot of work putting those subtitles there and there's a top nine list so that's the main reason why there was the subtitles. But if you have no interest then you have no interest. It's kind of a tertiary place anyway. It's not that important for me because it's too much work currently. I can be found on Favorite Game Friday videos also so comment to those also if you watch them somewhere. I don't know if they are worthwhile watching <laughs> at least the my parts but anyway if you feel like watching them do so. Roy is doing a good job with them and it's very good that he's compiling those videos and letting everyone have their say in the YouTubers and in the Dust Towers channel. If you want to ask something or contact me you can send email to mitapelatan at gmail.com. Anyway like always thank you for listening and for the music thanks to Grim Border. Bye bye.